Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS 80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. This is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. It's time to drop your socks and grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. All right, everybody, we are back. We are live on the air with Coco Talk, episode 128. The 8th bit is on. We are rocking the 8-bit world. Are you ready to talk, Coco, Coco Talkers? I can't hear you. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. We're live, we are on the air. It is episode 128 of Coca Dog Live. Coca Dog Live! We'll do it live! Yeah, and in the live chat, we've got. Yeah, we're just seven bits Matchy. today. That's, That's right. That's right. We're a seven bit show. Yes, we are. Matchy is here. Nick Marota is out there. Tim Franklin. Um, what did Tim say? Happy day after old fat balding guy day. What was that? I have no idea. I don't even know what that is. This show again, sigh from Rob Inman. Curtis Boyle is out there. We are a live program. Tom C. is in the house. Al Hartman's in the house. Rob Inman, Tim Franklin, Nick Barota, Matchy, Rob Inman, Mark D. Overholzer, Ken Reichard is here. Ken, Ken Make It is here. And we've got a panel, a bevel of beauties is with us here today, starting with the most beautiful of all. It's Rendezvous. Hello, Ronnie in sunny Arizona. How are you today, sir? Pretty darn good. Excellent, excellent. Our resident Apple guy, Mark D. Overholzer. Good afternoon to you. Glad to be here. Thank you. We have a member of the Glenside Color Computer Club, a resident of the Chicago area, and a nominee and running for president of Glenside this year, Mr. Eric Canales is with us. Welcome, Eric. You're muted. You're muted. I believe your first order, if you hey, are elected, yes. <laughs> Is unmute my... Uh, That's computer. right, your first executive order, yes. Hit that unmute button. 
Um, he talks softly and carries a big stick. There you go. I thought I'd have to vote for him because it was a quiet politician. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are a uh, national show. We are global. Speaking of national and stuff, one of our resident Canadians, the host of the Color Computer Games List website, co-creator of the Nitrous Nine Project, our resident news anchor and Canadian. G'day. G'day. Uh, <laughs> now uh, you're in Australia. Yes. Uh, how's it going, L. Curtis Boyle? Oh, how's it going, eh? It's yes. going good, eh? I'm a little rusty on this hosting gig. I mean, you guys have been done such a great job these past few weeks. I, I'm getting my uh, countries and stuff all mixed up. Speaking of good day, uh, we also have with us Nick Marota. Nick Marota. Nick Marota. Man, beauty. Yeah, center square. <laughs> <laughs> beauty. Beauty. Eh? <laughs> yeah. I'd like to take Nick Marota to block, please, in the Hollywood <laughs> Square. So he is here. Uh, we also have another gentleman with us. Uh, we use the word gentleman loosely, but he's with us anyways. John Strong of Strongware is with us. Uh, good afternoon, John. Good afternoon. All right. Definitely never been called a gentleman in his lifetime. Grant Leedy's with us. Hey, Grant. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's going good. Another Canadian. we got three Canadians right now. If we were playing, like, uh, bingo, uh, and Bruce Moore had switched places with... Uh, or tic-tac-toe even. We'd have three Canadians across there for the win right now. So Yeah, definitely not bingo. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're playing Canadian tic-tac-toe. We moved Bruce over there where John Strong was. He'd, we'd have that for one. DeBruce Moore is with us. Hey, Bruce. Howdy. Or uh, how's it going, eh? Hey, beauty, eh? Beauty. Excellent. And, uh, Good la day. Last but certainly not least, the guy who gets all kinds of cool stuff off of eBay, Brian Weasler's in the house. How are you? Very good. Welcome. Hey, lovely having you. I'm your substitute guest host today, Stevie Stroh. Welcome to the program. And oh, man, this show's going down the tube already. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, my. Um, so I just want to say, first off, thank you guys, all of you guys who um, uh, did the show last weekend. I know there were some technical difficulties um, with uh, Mark's computer blue screening a few times. But despite those challenges, you guys kept the Tandy Flame alive. You kept the show going, and it was great, great, great coverage from Tandy Assembly. It looked like a great event. Um, so I'm glad. That was, uh, that was Coco Talk, the four-part miniseries. The four-part miniseries, yes. So congratulations and thank you to Jason, the Coco Man, for doing all of the uh, legwork, literally walking around that whole event, and for Mark Bosley for streaming and streaming and streaming, and for Rob Inman for co-hosting and, and picking up a backup stream at some point in time and all you guys came together the community came together you guys gelled and i could not be more proud and more honored to be part of the you group of knuckleheads than um i have a question for you stevie were yeah. you feeling the same way when you were trying to edit the whole thing back together again um well listen <laughs> that was my penance for missing the show so okay. um yeah uh, and so for, because we do an audio podcast, uh, version of the show, I had to take all the four parts from the YouTube because it kept crashing and restarting. So there were four different videos. I spliced them all together for one single video for the video podcast and one single audio for the audio podcast. So it was a little bit of work, but it also got me a chance to kind of see what I missed by doing the edit. And I listened to it the other day, um, and it was a great show. Um, it was even though I was kind of listening, I kind of got a feel for what you guys were looking at with Tandy Assembly. So I think it's pretty neat when somebody's walking around 
a visual walkthrough that still translated well to audio, you know, because you guys were talking about what he was looking at. So I still felt like I knew what was going on. So I enjoyed listening to the show because I wasn't there. So um, thanks, guys, for doing it. As always, this show is is the sum of all of our parts, right? And um, so I just want to say thank you. You too can. Yes. Without uh, patting our own backs, I want to say that uh, that kind of thing, being able to have visuals of the shows, I think is definitely a uh, really good use <clears throat> of the video aspect of the show because it's like I've been able to enjoy seeing VCF West and Coco Fest and other things that I, I can't be there in person. So I know just as a as a member of the community, I really appreciate being able to see that stuff. So, oh, likewise. Thanks. Likewise. Thanks. Thanks for mentioning that. Yeah. And I think it's great because there are enough of us out there in the community, all at different places that we have been able to, if not in person, kind of virtually attend a lot of these events throughout the year. Think about how many events we've covered in the past few months. We've did VCF West out in California. Um, we did, um, you know, we've done Coco Fest and then VCF Midwest. Uh, we're just at Can- Tandy Assembly. So we've covered the Radio Shack opening, the Radio Texas. Shack opening, yep. you know, so Dayton Ham Fest. Convention we've done yeah there's been a lot of things that we've covered so yeah the um, the, the fact that there are many of us in many places um, really helps us bring the world of retro together I think so um, yeah good I could stuff. have covered early winter last weekend I forgot to do that sorry <laughs> um, you're probably noticing a little bit of an echo um, when we get into the project updates and acquisitions I'll talk about that but the, one of the reasons why I probably sound like an echo besides my hollow head is that I've cleaned out my office um, room here that I'm in. So this room is literally pretty barren. So it is a little echoey. Um, Since we don't really have a a guest or a main topic today or anything else to talk about, we'll probably go ahead and do our show and tell and project updates um, at the, you know, we'll just go ahead and do that now, I guess. So um, Rondell Vaux, do you have anything new and exciting you want to share with us this week? I do not. I have all of my stuff i'm kind of like you in that i probably should send out the herd but um just too lazy or slash possibly just don't want to yeah well the thing is order order, i believe is a technical term if you've got the room it's not an issue i'm running out of room i have run out of room i've been out of room I've, i've got a garage stacked with stuff i've got shelves in here that were stacked with stuff you know so um space was an issue for me uh, so we, we have a, we have a no new updates from from uh, Ron Delvo. What about L Curtis Boyle? Anything new and exciting this week you want to share with the world? Uh, no, I'm I'm still doing uh, fairly busy at work. It's starting to die down, so I'm imagining the next couple of weeks here I'll be out of it. Okay. Um, I actually was hoping to have some free time to do Cocoa stuff this weekend, but then I got a job where they're offering to pay me extra to get it done over the weekend because I just got it Friday. So for the extra money, I figured, yeah, okay, I'll do that. So hey, why not? won't be this weekend either. <laughs> Ken Reichert's asking, is Ron, is Ron Delvaux's, is Ron's garage really a TARDIS? Are you familiar with Doctor Who references, Ron Delvo? I know you're a Star Trek guy. Doctor Who? Exactly. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So, so the whole it's thing about on the inside. Yeah, yeah. The, the TARDIS looks like a police call, call box on the outside, like a, basically a phone booth. But as soon as you walk inside, it's his spaceship. That's that's the catchphrase. Oh. It's bigger on the inside, right? That's what she said. Yep. Um, so, uh, Nick Maroda, you got anything new and exciting this week you want to talk about? Not this week. I talked last week about stuff I got. I would have held on to it. Your MC-10 and whatnot? I got my MC-10 that I've been playing with. 
and uh, trying to get programs loading through the cassette uh, port. I got one of Jim Gary's programs loading. Uh, I tried to take another one, uh, a C10 file, and convert it and load that, and I haven't been successful. So, uh, but yeah, I'm trying to get uh, playing around with that. So you have well Megabug in the background, yeah? Oh yeah, it's on Coco, obviously. Yeah. Try to get. I try to get What, what are you using for your cassette input on the? Uh, on that book. Okay, because I know the Coco and the MC10 is a little bit fussy on volume levels and sometimes on the, you know, yeah. the tone quality too, like the. Uh... I've tried massaging the wave file a bit with Audacity. Like I tried uh, amplifying, reducing the bass. That you kind of don't want to do that. You don't yeah, want to mess with the wave file because that's uh, that's the actual Just data. Just increase or decrease the volume is yeah. usually what you fiddle with. Yeah, but they said with the cassette, or turning down the tone would often help. The tone basically yeah. lowers the bass uh, response. Yeah. Oh, really? I have not heard yeah. of that. Okay. Well, our oh, resident yeah. uh, AV professional there, Mark D. Overholzer, if he says that's a good idea, then we can trust him. Sure. Right? Just yeah. Turning uh, down the tone, by the way, uh, reduces the treble, not the bass, but yeah. Oh, okay. So it's a treble I actually want to turn down. Okay. I actually had better luck with the treble being turned up. Um, I actually had a Radio Shack little recorder. I'm trying to remember. I think it's a Model 58. And yeah, I used that it, makes sense. I used it with my uh, Timex Sinclair. And I also used it with my Apple. I've never tried it with the Cocoa yet. But um, as I remember, on the 0 to 10 range, a 7 was what worked. Yeah, really 7 good. or 8 is what I used to use back in the old days. Or yeah, treble. And, yeah, and so basically marked, you know, the thing was marked with the volume and the with a little Sharpie on the, on the 2. And it like, worked every time. I All mean, right, just, I think. It, uh, you, you crank it down, and it, it, yeah, it would totally trash it. So tone is your friend. Yeah, that's what I was reading. Here's something weird. We're not live. We're not live on... Um, Facebook. I don't know why. The multi-stream thing. All right. Well, listen, it is what it is. We're not live on Facebook. Yeah, we are. Where? Where? CB Stro, I'm a coconut. Oh, shit. I'm just, I, dude, when I go to set up the restream, I, I'm screwing that up. Okay. I posted the links in both. So shows. it's in the I'm a coconut group. It's not going to the Coco yeah. Talk page. I screwed up when yeah. I set up the restream. Uh, all right. Okay, it is streaming there. All right, so did you share it out? Because I was trying to look for it. I couldn't find it. Yeah, I already did. Both okay. Both and I'm a coconut. All right, great. Thanks for doing that. I, I just couldn't find it. Um, You're welcome. There you go. Yeah, so am I. Um, and I didn't, um, I, I, had a, I had a hectic morning. I did a lot of running around, so I didn't have time to promote the show before we went live. Usually I'll create like a little event and I'll share out the event to remind people. But even with no pre-promotion, we've got 20 people watching us live right now. So hello to all of you out there in uh, YouTube land. Um, There's eight on Facebook. Eight on Facebook. I'm not seeing them. I, it's weird. So like my numbers are not showing up in the live chat counter, but that's okay. Hello to you all on Facebook. I somehow screwed up where I streamed it to Facebook. So hello out there, guys, too. <laughs> Rob Inman <laughs> says Grant Leedy is streaming everywhere. <laughs> um <laughs> All right, so El Curtis Boyle has no update. Uh, Nick Morota, no update. I'm pretty sure Brian does. Brian, do you have an update? A show and tell? Yeah. Yeah, I got a few items I can share with the group. All right. Um, one thing that I uh, got some comments on uh, on Facebook with is uh, I picked this uh, joystick up. It's actually intended for more of an IBM okay. and Apple. But uh, what kind of intrigued me about the whole thing was the bottom of it, because it was made by Tandy, so it has the same types of... Uh, like the deluxe joystick to make it spring-loaded versus... Exactly, yeah. Okay. And I, and I really like the, the action of the, 
mm-hmm. of the stick itself. But I took it apart, and I'm going to see. I don't know. I, I have people say, oh, don't touch it. Uh, but there's other people that say, oh, go for it. So um, it does have linear pots in it versus the rotary pots, like they're inside the uh, yeah. uh, the Tandy one. But uh, I might take a swing at uh, putting a new cable on it and wiring it up as a, as a, a deluxe joystick and see if it might work. Okay. So... I'd- and just so you know, some experience I've had, not not electronically to make a hardware conversion, but I've tried using PC joysticks like that through an emulator. Because when I first started doing emulators, I was using an Xbox 360 controller. And the problem I had is when you go to the corners, it doesn't register the corners because those pots weren't as, you know, as loose and okay and as kind of generous as the Coco one was. So... Um, before I had other ways to try to do this, I tried some of those old-style PC um, sticks that were made by Kraft, because Kraft is who made the one for Tandy. And then I got like the 15-pin to USB adapter, and I did it. What I ended up finding, though, too, was that the corners were still not registering. There's something really weird about the Coco reading the diagonal corners on different types of pots. And it seems like anything that wasn't the original stick just can't seem to do it uh, i'm not saying it you won't be, get there but it may be the usb conversion or something because uh, i did plenty of conversions of pc joysticks back in the day to the coco including the 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 crafts and they they did convert and do did breed so okay. maybe it may be something else what did okay. you do to convert them john huh what did you do to convert them uh, you basically put a different end connector and then wire them differently. They're going to wire them as a, a potentiometer instead of the Rio sets that they're, they're wired as. Okay. So you, so you rewired the inside of the joystick. Yes. Yep. Okay. That's 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 the direction I was heading as well. So. Yeah. You you've got to put a you know the the DIN connector on it, and then rewire the inside of the joysticks. Uh, we we would hit. Uh, as I say, me, my brother Charles, or Charlie and myself, we'd hit Hamfest and buy up, we bought up literally boxes, of huge boxes of joysticks and converted them and sold them at uh, Cocoa Fest and uh, local uh, color computer users and such. What you did know? you do if the, uh, if the, if the, uh, the, the rheostat in there was not 100K? Did you, uh, how did you handle I, that? That's not a big problem. Okay. Because it's a potentiometer. Right. Okay. And until you get down to about 5K, uh, you don't have any problems. And the reason you have a problem is that there is a 100-ohm resistor uh, in series with that. And when the resistors get low enough that that 100 ohms becomes significant, then you don't get a full reading in a direction. Okay. And but as long as you're, you know, you're twenty, you're ten. Uh, I've done some ten K stuff here. I don't have a sample here, but I think the little joystick that's going like in the Sony or the Xbox are about ten K. Those read fine. So when you get below ten K, you start having some issues. Okay. Uh, I know at five K, uh, I don't, I, you can't get them the center because of that exactly as they are they won't go the full range but you've got a large range that you can use there again basically theory wise it's that 100 ohm resistor in series once the voltage across, uh, drop across that becomes a significant proportion okay 
mm -hmm. uh, does it affect it? Very good. Thanks okay. for the input. So your 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 plan then, Brian Weasler, is you're going to take that original PC style joystick. You're going to change some of the in, the internals of it, and then obviously the connector as well. And you're going to convert it to a possible yeah, deluxe joystick. Yeah, I'm just going to unsolder the cable as it is, take it away, and then I'm going to put a new cable and new uh, DIN connector on it, and then wire it up. Okay, it's cool. Like That'd be interesting. So, yeah, yep. Kind of play around with that. And then um, I do got some books, but before that, uh, I had also posted on Facebook uh, um, uh, a, a color computer that I picked up, but it was just kind of the, what was kind of fun was the way I happened to come across it. Uh, my son and I went into uh, uh, one of those. Uh, game places where they you know buy sell and trade uh, game consoles and such and uh, uh we went in there because he wanted to go look for some games and uh we found some and we were standing at the front desk uh getting ready to pay and the the guy behind the counter who owned the place we were talking and uh he was saying how he likes the 8-bit consoles the old school stuff you know back in the old like atari days and stuff back in the back in the time and i mentioned how i i'm into the color computers the the retro color computers and he says you are he goes well you're in luck he goes i had a guy that came in here uh, a few months back wanted uh, just needed some cash and uh, uh had this color computer and so i you know gave him some money for it and he said i don't know what to do with it he says i don't deal with this stuff and he goes i really don't want to mess with ebay would you be interested and i said sure so i was expecting him to bring a color computer out uh in the box and and uh, so his, I think it was his son that he sent back there and he comes walking out and I could see the color computer sticking up out of the box. And uh, he sits there and he starts pulling out. There's a color computer, there's a 501 disc drive and controller. Wow. And then also um, in the box was a uh, uh, synthesizer. Oh, nice, the synthesizer. Work, 90. work 90, yeah. Yep, and uh, also a uh, speech sound. Nice, nice. And uh, I got the computer actually right up here on the shelf right here with the uh the 501 right next to it there nice so, nice was so, a coco 2 yes it is a coco 2 okay um and i also have a a vg board on order that's uh probably be here on monday that i ordered uh a coco vga uh it has a nice socket of chip in there so it'll be a quick easy conversion so i'm gonna get that one wired up to with vga very so got cool. Project, got that little project going on. And uh, the, the thing was the price, and uh, I really didn't disclose how much I paid for it, but the guy only gave uh, the person that brought it in $40 for that, and the guy was happy to get 40 bucks for it. And uh, Wow. He, he was almost going to let me walk out the door by giving him what he had into it, but he said, I probably should make a little bit of money on it. So I get that maybe gives you a little clue as to uh, how much I paid so for those. Probably about 50 <laughs> Sixty dollars I paid $60. for all that. Sixty dollars, really. not bad $60. at all. Sixty dollars for all that, all that hardware. So I was, uh, I was more than tickled pink. I almost couldn't contain myself with a straight face when he was telling me that, and uh, I almost felt guilty walking out the door. But he was happy to get rid of it, and, and was, he made a uh, profit, and he made twenty bucks, and he well, was happy. So to him wow. it was worth nothing. So it's like he didn't rip them off. That's exactly. What he thought it was worth. Exactly. Well, it's no different than buying stuff on eBay. You know, you got a seller and a buyer, and his transaction's complete. Hopefully, everybody's satisfied. So, yeah, it's not um, like you bought a, an original mouse for seven hundred and fifty bucks or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there, there is one of those on eBay. I, I, I did share that out there. There's a, a place that's selling uh, a single button uh, Coco mouse for one hundred and twenty-five dollars right now. So wow. So if anybody, oh, I wonder really what the eBay, tube button version would go for. 
<laughs> well, I guess it's a, it's a it's a retro museum. I think in New York, uh, some people have commented and said that they're they're always selling stuff, and they do tend to be a little steep. A little, but, uh, yeah, it's so, about a yeah. hundred dollars over price right there. So. <laughs> I've got a uh, color mouse up on the shelf up here, and uh, it's got a price tag of five dollars on it. <laughs> wow, that's what I paid for it. Very good. You're sitting on a gold mine, Eric. Yeah, you'll go far, Eric. You'll go far. There's your retirement fund getting stored up there. Well, speaking of mice, I actually had David Ladd and Mark Overholzer send me uh, David Ladd's adapter. And I got to say, that's pretty awesome to use, actually, because <clears throat> uh, I have a color mouse, which I might sell for 150 bucks. I don't know. <laughs> oh god uh, and then I think it was Paul Shoemaker let me borrow uh, the deluxe with the two button and so I did this comparison on my desk right so I moved the cursor to the left side of the screen and I drew a mark on my desk where the, where the mouse started and then I'd move right till the cursor was all, across, all the way across the screen and make another mark well with both of the color computer mice I moved about three and a half to four inches until I was on the other side of the screen where David Ladd's was an inch and a half. And it, and it felt a lot more natural than using the uh, ones that were designed for the Coco. So I'm going to highly recommend that product. I'll tell you that much. Right Very now. cool. Yeah, you, you needed pretty big mouse pads for the original ones. <laughs> yeah, like a desk worth. <laughs> now, don't, listen, don't take, um, don't take this a crude way. This is a legitimate question. But but does the size of the mouse ball affect the range of motion? Well, you know, <laughs> I'm trying not to take that crudely. <laughs> I, 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 I disclaimed it's, it's up front. Difficult. <laughs> I, was, I was wondering the same thing, actually. Yes. Um, the mouse I was using that actually I think Mark sent me the adapter in the mouse is, is actually an optical mouse. Um, but I was wondering the same thing because... I was kind of arguing back and forth with, well, I wouldn't say arguing, but I was discussing back and forth with Mark. And, passionate, and passionate discussions. It was passionate <laughs> discussions. Because here's the thing, like, adapters get all, they got, they got wires everywhere, and, it, you know, Sorry. it's cool, it's great that it works that way. Um, this one's not that bad in comparison to some other ones I've seen for other things, but if we could just have a mouse, you know, is what I was trying to, trying to figure out. And uh, maybe, yeah, because that, the ball in the Cocoa ones is like, I don't know, one and a half si times the size of a normal mouse ball. So maybe it does have a fact. And it's very heavy. And, and, maybe, and it's, it's, maybe it's metal versus plastic or rubber, too. Yeah, so. yeah. I noticed the Cocoa mouse just does not feel fluid at all. It feels like you're trying to yeah. drag a Sherman tank through the sand. You know, it's just... Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you could definitely take this ball out of here and use it as some sort of protective device. For yeah, like, absolutely. Somebody jumps you. For just sure. don't, just don't Actually, get mad and rage quit like Stevie does on a game because it'll take up your entire monitor. <laughs> the uh, the mouse, the ball actually moves potentiometers inside of the the uh, ten day mouse, whereas right. they are turning a wheel that spins optocouplicle uh, device, okay, on, on a standard mouse, and so you had to have something to move those potentiometers through the through their 100 and, or 270 degree range or something like that. And so that's going to be, you know, definitely a different setup. Uh, the fact they was able to accomplish that, uh, they did with 
and remain the potentiometers. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool, very cool. And and welcome to the program, Paul Thayer, the Slayer. You just kind of jumped in there on the discussion, but we're glad to have you. We didn't introduce you when we at the top of the show because you kind of joined us mid-show, yeah, no but worries. we're glad to have you. Welcome to the program. Thanks. Um, now, Brian, you still had some stuff to show too, or I got just a couple books here to share real quick. Um, another book that's been kind of fun. I haven't finished thumbing through it yet, though. But it's uh, your color computer. That's a good one. I've really kind of uh, started thumbing through it, and uh, it's been kind of fun to, to read through that one. It's pretty much it's, it's it, got it, some nice pictures in the middle, and it actually covered third-party stuff, not just handy stuff. So that was a yeah, nice plus on that book. Yeah, there's some nice glossy uh, uh, printouts on the inside there, kind of showing some of the neat some of the art there and everything that's on it. So yeah, it's been uh, it's fun to me, but it covers the whole thing. It's almost like a technical reference manual because it it breaks down the insides of the computer too, as far as functionality and such. So are you getting every you getting everything from eBay? Most of it, yes. So yeah, you just you just have certain alerts set up to let you know when you know keywords come up, like color computer book or manual or something like that. Because you just you're just like you're on these things. You're you're getting books I didn't even know were available. <laughs> you know. Don't share the secret. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, there's another one here. Um, I wanted to get the the green colored version of it. I think we've all seen this one here of the uh, the 6809 assembly language book. Yeah, that's the yeah. version I got. Yeah, yeah, there's the one with the yellow uh, dotting and this one has the green dotting on it. So, Is there a difference between the yellow and the green one? Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't compared them close closely yet. Uh, assembly language yeah. is my next thing I want to delve into. But... One's yellow and one's green. There you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then uh, a couple other books here. Um, this one here, uh, this is the one I recently posted about on, on Facebook, but uh, it was just a basic book, Programming uh, in Basic. And it covers uh, a, a lot of different models, not just the Radio Shack. It has some Apple and Commodore pet uh, in there. That's cool. What was kind of interesting about this one is I, I, I bought it, and I was waiting and waiting and waiting, never get a shipping notice. And so I, uh, I dropped a, a note to the, uh, to the seller, and he got back uh, the next day uh, apologizing. Uh, he did not see that I had uh, bought the book, and then he ended up going on a long vacation and so he was away for two weeks well he he felt bad about it and he says well he goes i got another book i'm going to throw in there if you don't mind and so when i uh when i received the the package he also had this one in in there as well that's a good one uh it's the the basic here the the basic handbook there second edition and uh, i had a few people comment that they're you know that they had the first and the third edition um but uh, yeah i started reading through this one too so it's kind of kind of an interesting little book and then lastly, uh, this one actually kind of ended up being kind of a little bit of a personal <laughs> challenge, I guess. Uh, when Michael Furman was out there at uh, the uh, BCF uh, West and he was walking around, uh, he came across a book and he happened to mention my name saying, uh, asked if I had them and actually I did not. So I kind of took it as a little bit of a personal challenge to go out and find them and I did. Um, and, and they are kind of somewhat available, but uh, basic computer games. Uh, was the book that he pointed out, and then its companion, more. Oh wow! Basic computer games. So, yeah, there's kind of kind of two nice little books there, and it's just different games that uh, that are in there. That, you know, nothing fancy, but just interesting ones. Yeah, that was made by Creative Computing, wasn't it? If I remember. Um. David uh, David All, I guess how you pronounce the name A H L. Yeah, he wrote the basic um, benchmark that everybody ran. See how fast. Okay. 
Okay. So yeah, so I got plenty of uh, plenty of reading to do here. Very cool. Very this cool. This winter. So. Thanks. Uh, are you done? <laughs> nice yes, guy. I, for for I am this a, Saturday, yes. yes. I, I've done for yeah, done yeah. Right. Continued next week. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, so uh... give Stevie no content and see how his show goes. Let's all clam up. Yeah, Jim Brain Retro Innovation says Brian Weezer shows off. It's a whole show, folks. <laughs> That's cool. It's, I, I tell you, it's, it's it has been kind of fun getting back into it. And yes, maybe I do have a little bit of a of addiction with it, though. But um... That's well, you've fun. kind I've, of cornered. It. Yeah, you've cornered the market on some really interesting books, you know, and I, and those are neat. Um, Honestly, I think it's just Stevie shipped all of his stuff to you, which is why your office is getting fuller and Stevie's <laughs> getting <laughs> I got, I got shelves behind me that are kind of filling up here, but yeah. So yeah. Just, uh, I mean, it's been kind of fun. I mean, it's like any hobby, you know, and uh, you can go go crazy with it. Um, I've been really enjoyed the books and just kind of the collecting aspect of it. Um, I do want to teach myself assembly language, so that's still a, a to-do, but uh, I definitely tend to be more of the user um, and... Uh, and just the collecting of it and just, uh, you know, some of the stuff, you know, if it if it's not picked up, it, it, it uh, people don't know what to do with some of these things. And then it ends up going to the landfill. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so. So, yeah. And so I've enjoyed that, you know, like with the magazines and stuff, I got a few more that I'm still trying to get. I got one year that I'm actually missing. I found I went through the uh, went through an inventory at all the rainbows that I got from uh, that guy, Mark. And uh, I found out that I'm missing a year. So I'm working on uh, on getting that. So. OK. So, that's cool yeah. it's just been fun i enjoy it very cool very cool all right we've had some people join us that weren't in the list originally so um uh but let me try to just finish going through the people who were here first so we've covered ron delvo rick adams has joined us paul thayer has joined us um grant shoemaker's joined paul us. shoemaker has joined us uh grant leedy anything new and exciting with you this week uh, nothing yet. Uh, thanks to Brian, I'm uh, actually not cocoa related, but I am uh, bidding for a. I assume it's uh, from what I gather it's a very high priced uh, Dell 24 inch monitor. So hope I uh, okay. get that here this week, or actually today maybe. Yeah, it's one of those monitors, uh, the Dell monitors that have all those different inputs on the. Bottom okay. Yeah. So you got the comp the, the composite and the S video and the. They're VG. perfect for the classic computer. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's still the four by three square shape too, not the widescreen. Oh, this is yeah, this is the twenty four inch, so it is the widescreen. So he could he could have dual input on it if he wanted to. He could have one HDMI and one composite, or one VGA, or oh, he could have two widescreen things side by side. Picture in picture. Yep. Yeah, oh, it's, neat. It's, it's it's the monitor that's over here on my shoulder here. Okay, one. I think I've got one of those then too. Yeah. Oh, there. Yeah. Very right cool. now it's seventeen dollars and fifty cents, so I could have passed that up. <laughs> you know, you might you you know it'd be kind of cool to see. Um, to see the to like see two Coco side by side because I've actually got the Coco three to RG to uh, S video adapter RGB to S video adapter, so I might want to try that as an experiment. Get a Coco three and then like maybe a Coco two over uh, composite in the same screen side by side, just because we can, right? So <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, cool. So thanks for sharing there, Brian. Uh, I, I like books myself, so even though I hardly ever get a chance to read them, I just like having them. It's something about having that tactile, tangible, collectible. And, and you just books are things we don't get anymore. New computers do not come with books. New video games you buy don't come with books. You know, so paper is is uh, it's a it's a dinosaur. You know, anything that's on paper. I have no idea what you what you guys are talking about over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Now well, here you get people you get people that also say, well, you know, it, it's out there on the archive and it's digital and and digital's good. I mean, because if you're looking for something, it's easy to search if it's been, you know, if, if the text has been OCR'd after being scanned in. Um, but I still, like you said, I'm still a paper person. I still like to thumb through and yeah, absolutely find things that way. So yep, yeah. Plus, our eyes are getting older. <laughs> yeah, paper's a lot easier on the eyes. There you go. Yes. Um, I just want to say something real quick before we go on to more updates because I'm watching the Facebook feed. Here, here, I screwed up when I started the stream. I'm supposed to be streaming to the um, to the Coco Talk page, and somehow I ended up streaming to the I'm a Coconut group. And the problem with that is that that live chat is not making its way back to my multi-chat app. So we're so the people who are commenting on Facebook right now, I'm seeing you. Hey, Kevin Holloway says hi, Stevie. Uh, Fred is there. Um, but you're not showing up in the in the sidebar chat because it's something to do with this multi-stream app. It works with pages, but it doesn't seem to work with groups. So everybody who's chatting on Facebook right now, you're not showing up in the feed, but I, I will try to keep an eye on you. So sorry about that. I just I just opened that feed recently. Um, thank you for that update. Um, Brian Weasler, who have we not talked to? Rick uh, Rondell Vo did not have an update. Rick Adams has joined us. Rick, are you with us? I am with you. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Yes. Anything new and okay. exciting you want to share with the boys and girls this week? <laughs> the boys and girls, yes. Um, well, I've been having a lot of fun. There's a lot of action on the Discord in the Temple of Rom channel. Uh, and I've been digging into that. And uh, we've got a source to Temple of Rom that is buildable that's on GitHub right now. So it's anybody can go out there and take a look at that. Uh, and I've been commenting it like crazy, uh, putting it, basically uh, trying to figure out all the data structures of how are the, uh, uh, all the treasures that you pick up in the maze, how are they stored uh, in the program and all the monsters and where they're located and uh, just how ticked off they are and, and all that sort of thing. So um, uh, Mark DuPont had taken just a little hint that he got from this podcast uh, to figure out all of the, the line data for the, the maze. And from that, he did a graphic of the entire maze. And so we've been seeing a while. So after I figured out how all the cr creature data is stored, uh, then I figured, oh, we want an update to that. So I got a hold of him online and gave him enough hints as to how the creature data was stored that he could update his map and put the creatures on it. Uh, and uh, so now he, within a couple of hours, uh, he had done that. And it turns out the creature data is stored not just you know where the creatures are, but there's an area on the map. For each creature there's defined, and there's 19 creatures in the entire maze. And for each one uh, is defined uh, a box, the coordinates of a box. And that box is, uh, to speak in gamer speak, the aggro box. Uh, if you enter that box, the monster will see you and head for you and try to eat you. Okay, uh, that's like his field of you vision. Enter. You've entered. Yes. You entered his sphere of awareness in a, in a way. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. And then at the center of the box is the monster's home position. That's where he rests until he sees you, and then he'll head forward. And if you leave the box before he gets you, or before you get him, uh, then it'll drift back to its home position. So. Uh, he also updated the, the map that he came up with to show the, the monster zones is what he called it. 
Okay. Uh, the Agro Box. Uh, so that's out on the uh, the Temple of Ram channel on the Discord right oh, now. Oh, neat. I'm going to take a look at that. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it occurs to me that if I, now that I know how all the data is stored, and I commented in the source how it's stored, so anybody that reads that will figure it out right away. Uh, I've tried to make it really obvious how that all works. Uh, so at this point, people could write an actual level editor for Temple of Ram if they wanted to. Mm. Now, I don't. Now I don't really have the time to do that, but if somebody wants to do that, I would I would be okay with that, and I can even help them out by putting in some padding. So if you want to add, you know, more monsters than are there, then you won't, you know, overflow anything. Neat. So, so we'll we'll think about that. And yeah. there you have it. That's for, for cool. Those that maybe you should just mention for those who might not know who Rick Adams is and why he cares about Temple of Ram. Well, yeah, <laughs> because I wrote it. I'm, I'm the guy who originally wrote it. Legendary video game designer, Rick Adams, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you know, there's probably on the entire planet, there's probably five people, tops, that think that Temple of Rom is the greatest game ever and that I am the most awesome person ever and, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And they're all and, here. Yeah, and they're all they're here. All yes, exactly. Welcome to the Rick they Adams fan club. We meet every week. <laughs> and the rest, you know, and, and you know, and the other twenty billion people on the planet, minus five people, really less, but that's okay. <laughs> no, that's cool. That's very cool. I mean, it's interesting how um, you know. I I remember because it, I think it was actually the interview we did with you. I don't think it was because yep. Coco Talk as a show hadn't existed back then. But we had done an interview with you, which I think was live. And at that time, he had come up with the level data, and then I think the monster data, and I think those images Curtis had put on his website initially yeah. too. So on the Curtis Boyle yep. Games Still List website. Well. But now we have got some updates to those, which should probably be added to the Games List website. It sounds like. Well, now yep. we've also got Discord, which is hopefully a little bit more utilized and looked upon. Um, probably not a bad segue to. Maybe just, well, we we're going to talk about Joey and Coco, too. So we'll talk about Discord in a minute when we get to Bruce and, and Joey and Coco. Um, now, I think that's really cool. And last week on the show, I missed, um, and I listened to it, but I didn't watch it. But Curtis was in the news was talking about the update to Return to ROM, where there's now a three-dimensional um, reimagining of your game, which I can, I can only imagine you're probably excited about as well. Right, Rick? Sure. Um one could argue, you know, it's like, well, he's ripping off your game, but it's like, you know, what he's coming up with is so derivative. It's so, it's sort of five steps beyond what my game is to the point where, you know, it's really his own thing. And I don't mind at all. It's, it's, it's an homage and I'm cool with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I'm seeing some, I, I just want my producer in, uh, in my ear here um, just told me that we've got a few messages from John Strong and Eric Canales. Um, so John Strong has an update and he has to go soon. So John Strong, if you're still there, take it away and um, let's let's hear your announcement. Okay. Now those who were at attendee assembly on a Sunday, uh, which I made it there for a little while, I've seen some of this, but uh, and for, I think it'd be of interest to Paul Shoemaker at least. Uh, I have very close to being done a case for the 502 from Ian Maverick. I'm waiting, trying to find the source for some screws, some minor 
uh, adjustments and stuff. That's just the top being on too tight. And uh, actually going to have it with brass inserts for the screws. Okay. So, you, you know, take that out. And so that's what I'm looking on sourcing. You have you got the cartridge in there too? Okay. And, and so for those who don't know, this is Ian Maverick, the Mav, um, who makes, he, he's, he's probably more well-known in the TRS-80 monochrome universe, but he has been making a few products for the Coco, which are reproductions. So he's not trying to create a new, you know, modern version of anything. He's trying to do kind of period correct reproductions of things like, I think he did an RS-232 pack, correct? And then Yes, and, then, and uh, I got the information that there is two boards on that. The second set of boards have holes in that. I have the basic information. I'm going to be trying to uh, do a case for that also. Yeah. And so these, this, these, this which, one, now which one is this, FD-501, FD-502? Uh, 502 is this. Okay. okay. So the short, short, stubby controller. All right. And that's the one that yes. did not need the 12 volts either, right? So that'll work on a Coco right. 2 and 3? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, the 501 didn't need 12 volts either. Okay. You have two versions of the stubbies, the 501 and the 502. Uh, the 501 I've had, but the the case layout and the whole spacing is a little different than the 502. Okay. And so, uh, Paul Shoemaker, I've listened. You know, it's going to be available for order pretty soon. Uh, I'm just looking for trying to get the, uh, the right size screws to be able to get that and do some tweaks on the case sizing. So I'm happy with it. Uh, looks fantastic. Tell. Thanks for working on that. And are, are those gold contacts on there? No. On Ian's? No, they, they are not. Okay. The 502 with the silvered contact. The the 501 was the one with the gold contacts. Okay. Okay. Um, here, this looks really rough. Uh, I tried to make another print last night and had some issues with it. And... Uh, for those who are looking for a classic look, uh, not doable in a, uh, you know, they, they, somebody wants something that looks like the original Tandy. That's not going to work with the, the filament printer unless you go to a, a lot of work and do two and a dissolvable layer. However, I do have my new printer and this is my first test pass with it. It looks, there's a lot of things wrong with it. But it is that translucent it. plastic kind of? Mm -hmm. That is cool. I think that's very cool. It's sort of translucent, transparent too, isn't it? Uh, I actually ordered some clear in, but uh, I tried to reprint this yes last night, and I had two tries, and I had issues with with it with the printer. I've got to figure out what's going on with. Uh, here we're seeing supports that was automatically generated too close to the case so they stuck to it uh the plastic is a lot more brittle so i've got to change the whole size for the screws uh it is so heat resistant that the the inserts uh do not look like they can be heat pressed so it'll have to be just straight into the plastic so it'll be a wood screw type with that if i get that done uh, again i call this my classic style uh, it's not identical, 
but I don't think it needs to be quite identical. Right. And I kind of like okay. the, bre the breathing grill on there, you know, the ventilation okay. slots. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you see it on the camera. There's actually an indent. You might be able to see the other line through the label. Uh, move it to move it more center, like in front of your face. Okay. Okay. Um, no, I don't know I, if you, you could pick it up or not on the, the camera. But okay. There's the indent. Uh, like I said, this is the supports that generated that stuck to it. That I'm working on getting those removed. And, I like and that. I like that V shape that's kind of going on there. Is that on the surface or is that on the other side? That uh, no, that's on the surface. That's the supports. That, but I mean, with this, you get enough detail with this. You could put whatever detail you need in there. Because, like I said, I did the label in that. Okay, so um, you get a lot more detail with it. Uh, it does take a lot longer to print. The plastic is a, is more brittle. As you can see, if you see here, some of the things broke on the things with the testing. When you print this uh, and they come out, uh, are they actually hot? No. Uh, this is a liquid resin printer. It's uh, it's cured by UV light, hmm. and there's a lot of surface things on there because they didn't get it cleaned with the right chemicals. And the cost on it is, my estimate is probably, material-wise and everything, probably four times what it is with something like this. So you know, if somebody wants that, I get it, get the learning curve down on it. It'll probably be available, but it's not going to it's not going to be as cheap as the others. It looks it cool. Cuts cost. I like that. Looks cool. Yeah, and like I said, the splotches on that—that's not normal. That's because I cleaned it wrong. And uh, again, learning curve. But uh, it's got the details, the grills. If you needed something that. How's it, uh, look, how's it look with the board in there? Put the board in there. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna. Rondovo is asking the hard-hitting questions here, folks. Yes. <laughs> it's my job. <laughs> What's playing an audio spectrum analyzer back there, Ronnie? Oh, um, I so, heard um, music. I do have a clear rinsing that once I get it down that I'll use. But uh, I'm going to use the green up with first on test prints. And I do have a black in stock, and uh, but it's again. But you could this, have a couple of LEDs on there, and it'd look pretty cool, huh? Oh yeah, you could do that. You could make it glow and things. There's a lot of things you could do. There's potential there with it. Um, you can also get a uh, some of the the PET plastics are kind of a translucent. You could glow, but they are because with the other printer, they're layered. You really can't see the boards or anything beside inside of it, but you could see a light. But uh, again, this is this is only the the third print off of my my new printer. So again, just very new experiment. Uh, the the traditional filament printer. Uh, uh, I think I'm going to off go ahead. I've been debating what to offer it for, but uh, I think I can do $20 on that, at least for intro price, so we see what the cost comes out. This, probably have to do at least 30 to cover the extra cost. Yeah. 
And, and so, so far, the cases you're showing us, these are all for the at the new Ian Maverick FD502 reproduction board, right? Right. These two are for the, the Ian Maverick reproduction board. Um, once I have this design down, it'd be very easy to do the 501. Just the spacing on the uh, the supports and things are, are a little different. So I just have to change the supports for the screws and stuff inside. Now, is that one you made or, or original? This is the original 501. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is my... Uh, kind of like your template, little, huh? Yeah, this is kind of the idea what I'm looking at the guide. I don't have a 502. The The other thing I do like about mine is different than the uh, Itandi. Um, my center screw hose on the bottom. Yeah, so you don't have to wreck your label. Yeah, yeah. your label can... Uh, Nice. That's great. I like that. Your label can stay intact. Okay. Uh, I had a lot of positive response. It, even as poorly as it looks with being just print three at attendee assembly. Uh, uh, Ian liked them. He thought they both looked real nice. Have you and, met Ian in person before? Uh, I seen him last year and didn't really know who he was. Was he wearing a three-piece suit by any chance? No. Okay. At the first Tandy assembly, he was like wearing a three-piece suit. He looked like a, you know, like a CEO or something. He was the best dressed guy at the event. Yeah, he probably looked pretty out of place at Tandy. Assembly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so that's kind of why I wanted to, to bring people in. You know, but you guys know it's there. I know Paul Shoemaker's been looking for a case, and so there's going to be a choice for him. Uh, again, I just. I did some uh, screws on eBay, but they do not, they're a little bit too small as far as keeping the board in. And so I've got to find some others and the one for the center hole. But, so uh, John, John, by when do you think you'll, you'll have them for sale? A couple weeks out, you think? Uh, hopefully a couple weeks for the, uh, the old style one? For this one, yeah, yeah you know, okay. I don't know how long it's going to take on the learning curve on this. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Uh, it's, I was hoping to have one printed, uh, the next version there, there, but I did two tries last night. Uh, both prints failed and they failed in different ways. So I have to debug that. And, uh, these your, take um, about nine, nine hours to print. This one does. Wow. That's, Dedication. Yeah, talk yeah. about a labor of love, huh? So that's this is kind of what's going on 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 this side. Uh, the assembly. Uh, I was didn't yet wasn't able to get down there till um, late Saturday night, and so I was there a little bit on Sunday. We had uh, a bunch of other stuff we had to do. The I think they're doing rather good for no longer than they've been going, and the fact they didn't have a the advantage of that Cocoa Fest had as coming off and kind of taking up the mantle from Rainbow Fest. Uh, the guys who were there seemed to be pretty dedicated and like it, especially the talks they're having. Uh, what I haven't seen is, but again, I wasn't there full time, which just a little bit uh, on Sunday, is a lot of other extra people coming in looking and buying a lot. Now that may, somebody else's impression may be different, uh, 
but that's you're talking about like people who were there as a vendor or like selling cables and stuff well there's people who are selling stuff i mean there's actually people coming in and there's a lot of people buy it. most of the people i seen there were like exhibitors vendors slash vendors oh so you're saying there were more basically exhibitors than there were just attendees that were just general population that, that, that i seen at least on sunday morning okay well, we got some guys who were at Paul Fiscarelli was there. Yeah, Paul um, was there. Uh, he's he's in they'll the live chat. You, so yeah, yeah, they'll be able to give you. They were there longer, so be able to give you better feedback from that. Yeah, but uh, they, uh, I think they're. Uh, there was a, a discussion on you know what they were doing good and right and change, and uh, I think both groups, of the attendee people, the Coco and the others very interested working with each other and, and to, to make it a better better show. Yeah, well this is the third year and the fact that it's still going is great you know, uh, another event for us to go to and, and luckily some of us when I say us, I'm talking about us here in a little small cocoa circle but um, yeah, it's great having more retro events to go to each year. Uh, uh, I, and I think their technical sections I think is going to be one of the things that's going to really help them and in fact they had one that was probably cool enough I said I don't dare go to this uh, it's on a machine I don't have. It's assembly language programming. Okay, I don't need another thing I want to do. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I think I think the only the only if there is a negative to it, and I hate to even you know associate that, but the, I think the challenge is that there might we might begin to the point where there's so many events that you have to make these Sophie's choice on which ones you go to. And I know for me financially, this was so close to VCF Midwest. And I had right. never been to one of those before. I wanted to experience a, a VCF Midwest. And two weeks later, it's really hard to have two, you know, two trips less than a month apart, financially for me anyways, you know. Are, yeah. there, uh, are there really three shows a year that Coco enthusiasts go to? I mean, there's the Tandy Assembly. There's the VCF. VCF which, well, there's, there's, multiple there's, VCFs. there's multiple VCFs. There's West, there's uh -huh. Midwest, there's East, there's Northeast, there's Pacific. Northwest. Uh, Pacific Northwest, there's like almost a half a dozen different VCFs, but I don't know that all of them are uh, on the Coco community's radar. I think, I think for the most part, if anything, um, VCF Midwest might have been the closest to our um, radar because it's close to um, Coco Fest. There's a lot of Glenside people in Chicago. Um, and they've worked back and forth with that group. Okay. Yeah, to, uh, to, uh, Jason Timmons uh, comes to Coco Fest, and so and, and yeah. that was the one that you live stream on this on your show, right? This this last the VCF one? Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we also did VCF West too. Mark Mark Overholzer was there, and so was Mikey and Rob, Rob Inman and, and yeah. uh, Tim Franklin. So okay. there's a, there's a yeah, lot of events. Um, Tim Lindner. Yeah, I know, you know, on the Midwest, the, some of the Coco people, myself. And I think Ian Wright has both uh, given talks at the Midwest. Yeah, I just I feel like I need to move because I'm in Houston and it's it's a it's a haul to any one of these different shows. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm kind of in a similar boat. I'm in Florida. It takes me eight hours just to get into the United States. Right. You know, I lose I lose a half a day getting into America. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I mean, I mean, uh, Richard drives in all the way from uh, San Antonio, so Houston can't be much further away than that. No, it's not much further away, but you know, Richard's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's he's dedicated. Dedicated. <laughs> that was the word. I was he's looking at trying to look at the trains to go get from. Uh, it's only a couple more, 
a couple more hours and you're a lot more comfortable. But, uh, so I guess that's kind of what I needed to share with you. Okay, well, thanks you know. for the update, John. And, uh, you know, Paul, let me know. Hey, John, uh, let me let me ask you a question. Uh, since we have, how much time do you have left? I've got a little bit. Okay, because yeah. I know you're pressed for time. All right, so you're a guy who sells hardware. And this discussion came up on Facebook. And we've and people are making the suggestion, and they're not making the suggestion saying that this is a deal breaker, but the idea of being able to get stuff online from a website, or at least have a website that shows what you have available, um, a kind of a presence, if you will. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I know you have a website. I know it's not necessarily you're not up you're not updating it because you have so many projects. But what are your thoughts on having? A, let's just call it an internet presence that says, hey, I'm John Strong from Strongware. I make products. Here's a list of some of my products. Um, you know, what do you think about that whole topic? Well, I've, I've considered that, but this is one of the reasons I, I get out here and and do your show. And, and I do the, I've done uh, the Coco Crew and, uh, you know, try to communicate there. You know, if you're really involved in any community, you're going to either listen to the Coco Crew or you're going to watch the Coco Talk, okay? And, uh, you know, I speak, uh, do with Facebook. Uh, I don't really keep up the the, uh, the list too much anymore because I've uh, just not enough time. And when I make comments on it, you really would get no 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 feedback from it. Hmm. So, you know, it's okay. Yes, yeah, Stevie experienced that too, actually. Yeah, you know, and so, uh, you know, I... You know, that's my original one that I've done, but, you know, I just really didn't get any response back from people from it, okay? Uh, other than, you know, people who already knew that I was doing it. Yeah. So, uh, and I don't, yeah. I, I don't disagree with the fact that, you know, making these public appearances and posting things, there's, there's no wrong way or right way to do it. But there's also, I feel there's some value to say, hey, listen, here's my link. Just go to you know, blah, 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 dot yes, com. Yes, sir, and and people can share that. that and post that, you know, uh, and I'm not beating you up. Trust me. You know that, right? You know, I'm not beating you up. I just want to get your thoughts oh, on it. Be, oh, being, oh. yeah, being a guy who makes things and I know you're busy, you've got, you've got jobs and lives and a wife and, and you know, projects and real world stuff. But yeah, I just want to get your two cents on the, just the idea of, of a, of a page, you know. He, he's so busy, he didn't get to make his bed even. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> poor guy. Yeah. You um, know, it's well. You know, it's, I, you know, this year I have been so busy that. Oh, you had the move and everything else too. So we moved. Okay, we we passed up the Midwest, which we'd like to went to because we we had some things that we planned that we didn't uh, end up doing, and uh, we wanted to make the ten day assembly. We had planned the stay, and we were so busy we didn't get a hotel reservation made, so we had to stay at another hotel. And uh, and then we were only able to do you know after hours on Friday and a little bit Sunday morning. That's how busy that we we've, we've been this year. And so you know, AKA it's a hobby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, yeah. It's nice to have all of this stuff and do this and respond, you know, that's really great. But realize, you know, for some of it, it is simply a hobby that I've shared because, you know, uh, well, like I was telling Randy Kildig, you know, I'm like, uh, Kendig, if I'm pronouncing it right. Okay. Yeah, Kendig. Kendig, that, you know, I'm by one of the two definitions, at least, I'm the prefer 
premier provider of cases. It's not somebody didn't design them, but nobody's made them available as at least 3D printed. Tim Leonard did. He did a great job on the Coco SDC case. I like it. But, you know, he decided to not make them anymore. Mm-hmm. And so Premier has two meanings. It means first. Okay. So basically the first Premier provider of 3D cases. So I was the first one who actually made them available for other people. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I try to be the best. You know, I don't know if I am, but I try. No, you, know, you, I, want to, you want to take pride in your workmanship, right? In your quality product, right? Yeah, I don't think so anybody I, would. I don't think anybody would. Whatever, even you know, insinuate so I don't think that. You can argue with the, the word premier because I I know at least one way I definitely qualify. If you you can argue the other, but uh, but you know. I tried to do this. I, I think what Stevie's getting at, though, is as far as promoting it, because I know we get lots of questions on Facebook and stuff on occasion, especially when you've been busy and you haven't been around for a while, you know, asking where do you get cases? And we'd like to be able to just say, just go to John's page. You can take a look at them there. And there's two phases of this, too. There's also just having the web page presence showing what products you have available. And if you want to take it the extra mile, it's you want to make it actually an interactive site where you can place your orders online, like, say, Boys and Tech does. Oh, I've, I've definitely considered it. Again, it just being so busy. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. doing it and, uh, you know, the, the time. And again, you know, we I took time out just yeah. because we were hoping to go to Tandy Assembly to do these cases to show and let people there. And uh, Paul is hoping to have been able to meet you there. But it, you, I guess I said you had some family emergency or something that came up and was able to make it. I did. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope that all worked out well for you. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, so... Yeah, I know we were told and I was kind of concerned. Uh, hope everything was all right, you know. But, uh, you know. John, is, is your machine right there? Or my cocoa. In the garage, the one that makes those cases. It's actually in the garage. Oh, okay. It's, uh, the, the liquid one has enough spell. It has to be in the garage. And oh, there's like a chemical smell to it or pro- product smell, I guess? Yes, there is. Um and uh, there is, but one is supposed to arisen. A new one is supposed to smell yet uh, less. Can but you get can you get custom fragrances? Like if I wanted one that smelled like tangerine, <laughs> like a scratch and no, sniff I, cocoa no, case, or you want, you want your pumpkin spice? <laughs> your pumpkin spice. <laughs> and like yeah, a no, mocha no, latte, no, chai no, latte. No, uh, yeah, I don't know that that's, <laughs> that's going to survive the curing process. Okay. Sometime when you get a chance, you should, uh, if you're doing another case, you know, shoot a couple pictures and put them up on the cocoa group. So well, I was hoping to, like. to, to, uh, get some of that. Like I said, yesterday I was kind of pushing so maybe I could have a new version of this for, for today. And, uh, I actually print both pieces the same time on that one. And one piece didn't stick to the bed and the other was printing so i had to board that the next print it decided to print the first layer over and over and over again so i've got a hunk of green plastic about that thick wow <laughs> so we went out and checked on it see what's going on you should put yeah. these on ebay as exclusive one-of-a-kind designs by john strong <laughs> yeah, modern artwork you can charge yeah. millions in a gallery yeah, yeah. so don't just sit there and watch it for nine hours. <laughs> no, 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 I can't. You should have a, a live stream where people can watch their case. So your order people is being fulfilled as we speak. People are <laughs> watching the old coffee cam they used to have. Yeah. Some of the printers actually have a camera built into them. 
okay and you can you can connect them and watch okay oh, wow. and uh you know the ones i have do not and their designs do not land well to having a a camera so that you can see it now is this like a washer when it's done it goes diddling 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 <laughs> uh no actually my first uh primary printer that i did most of my cases from the software actually did an, uh, a sound a beep when it was finished the the, the sec the the second one which was the same brand uh, did not do that sound at the end it was kind of handy okay but uh i like a dryer it just buzzes when it's done yeah you know, something right <laughs> it, 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 it had a time that it did when it was done okay and these actually you have a lcd screen uv light shines in through the bottom of it the lcd screen screen assets a mask the uv light and so it does layer by layer and so it just pulls it end up it looks as it goes up and down as you see it build up and come up out of the liquid and then you have to clean that rinse and off of it and uh, that's a process i have to learn to get down right and then you have to cure it for a final cure in uv light and so with uh, that is that is this printer actually in an enclosure since there is uv light so you really can't see it happening or it's in a closure. You can see it. You don't see it real good. It's, it's a, it's a filtered, okay. It's a colored, uh, plastic in there to hopefully to block out the UV light so it doesn't cure. Maybe a tan. Yeah. Uh, well, it's. I don't think it's that strong. It, they're using. It's actually not. They call it UV, but it's actually just a dark violet. It's five, uh, four or five nanometers, okay. And so it's not a true UV, which would be not visible. But to tell you the truth, I just had a tooth done, and they did the same thing. They put a light on it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they, they do a light with that. There's uh, a lot of the nails uh, coating. The ladies get their fancy nails done. They use, a, 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 again, the four or five. Yeah, I just had, I just had my nails did recently, too. Yeah. So. Uh -huh. Yeah. Cool. Okay, cool. that surprised me, Stevie. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, uh, and I, uh, I think I'm taking a lot of your time. You know, that's okay. That's okay. I just, I, I figured. I know you were short on time, but I also just wanted to get your input on the whole. If you make it's, a product, should you have a page? And again, there's no right or wrong to this. It's really. It's it's nice to have the page sure. so mm -hmm. people can go to look at it. Okay. Yep. And uh, to do that. Are you able to write it yourself? Oh. Yeah, I can do the page. I've got a WordPress site. You know, it just I have to get the time to do it. And uh, so, so and, why do you why do you decide to sleep instead of uh, making a web page? <laughs> <laughs> now I think Ron Ron's beating you up now, John. It wasn't me. Sleep yeah. Okay, Ron. <laughs> I'm an astronomer. I'm I'm up at night anyway. If I choose to do any observing and stuff, it's out of the time I would sleep. Yeah. See, Ron's retired, so he's got all the time in the world. So yeah, and my wife's gone this weekend, so we're just playing all weekend. No, that's good. Well, you know, it just the fact is, you know, yeah, I'm a night owl, but I have to work in the morning. So yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I have to. We have a service level agreement. We have to respond within one hour to all tickets. You know, and so uh, yeah, and you have to be awake for that, I presume. So yes, right. <laughs> I have to be awake and functional. 
So, uh, and oh, now they're just asking too much. Right, right, right. <laughs> All right. Um, so, but, you know, it's a good thing. That's the reason I started to do some of the stuff and showing some of the things. And, uh, you know, either, you know, if I have enough time doing that, I'm not doing the other projects. So, which one do I skimp on? Sure, 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 sure. You know, yeah. on, you got to uh, pick your battles and prioritize your time. And, you know, at this case, you know, do they want the new products? Do Okay, take your time, do Cocoa Talk. Uh, usually yeah. by time, you know, something new, somebody posts it. They, they, you know, it's better almost a Facebook post of the guy saying, hey, I got this case, I like it, it fits well, than me going on there and saying it, you know. The producer can say whatever they want, but it's, you know, it's users that really matter, you know, the feedback. Okay? Cool, 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 cool. All know, right. I, because, you know, I've seen people, you know, oh, well, this is really a great thing here. It's going to look really nice. And, you know, I look at it and it's like, okay, uh, you know, I did enough printing, you know, I don't think they're going to be able to print it. You know, things like this where, you know, it looks really messed up on the print because they're, you know, you'd have to do, a plastic with a sacrificial layer that dissolves out to get that on a on a filament printer but yeah that'll print on a resin printer so you got to pick your battles you got to do it and you know and, and get it right and that's the thing you know so you can have a sale on some of these messed up things <laughs> yeah he actually does at coco fest he sells blemished versions of some of the stuff you know for a little bit less money yeah yeah i will uh, yeah, if it's close enough, it looks like, you know, it's a, a little thing. I'll sell those, but I don't sell those without the person seeing it. Yeah. Okay, Again, let's uh, let's do this. Let's let's sure, um let's move on to we yes. got we got a lot of people here, and I want right. I want to thank you, John, for for all of that, um, and let us see that. It's always great to to get these teases of what's what's to come, and that's good. And, yeah, and that's why I offered to quit sooner. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Well, we kept egging you on. That's fine. Not, not your fault, but I do want to now put a pin in that one because I think Eric Canales also said he had an update, and I don't remember if you were short Mark on time. Did too. Yeah, a few other people did. So um, anybody who's short on time who has an update, you want to go ahead and jump in right now? Eric, did you have something you wanted to? Yeah. Yeah, um, I've got a, a few things I picked up in the last couple of weeks from BCF and Tandy Assembly. I got course my uh, my hat from tandy assembly nice um i picked up a few books uh as i was out and about i think this one uh is pretty pretty good through common sense yeah and if you don't have common sense what do you do then, then, you, then you get this book and you figure out some common sense you just oh. went you just went silent on us eric yeah you just got muted uh, must have hit a button. Yeah, uh, I've got this uh, advanced computer programs in basic. Okay, cool. Your regular basic. And that, that's probably not machine specific, right? That's not for yeah. you know a TRS eighty or anything else, right? Yeah, it's just a general basic yeah. Uh, handbook. Yeah. Um, I managed to find on eBay a really cheap copy of uh, Corona Strip. Oh, neat! Is that still sealed? It looks shiny. Has it got the still shrink? Sealed. Thirty thirty dollars. Nice. Coronas Rift. For the Cocoa 3. Is that now, is Coronas Rift related to the Oculus Rift by any chance? Uh, 
Like a virtual reality thing. <laughs> Judging by the picture on the back cover there with the guy with glasses on, it could be. Yeah, it looks like a, it's kind of funny, right? Yeah, it's got a foreshadowing. Pretty sweet, pretty sweet uh, headset. I got a copy of uh, Ghana Buana. Ghana Buana. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I have to get my speech and sound pack working for that one. Um, I think the last one I had was finally got my own copy of... Uh, nice. Dungeons of Daggerath. Yeah. I actually I have two of those that are sealed in plastic in the still in the cardboard box that I'd gotten from Cloud9 a couple of Cocoa Fests ago. Oh, you're gonna hey, be Eric? Yeah. Yeah. Do, you have, do you have a manual for dungeons? No. I think I have three manuals now. Yes, I do. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, I'll have to pick one. And up. I only have one cartridge, so... Okay. Yeah, I'll pick one up from you next time I see you. No problem. Awesome. Hey, Eric, is your Cocoa uh, set up to go online behind you there? Well, this is my Cocoa 1. My Cocoa 3 was in the shop. Uh, I had a um, 6309 put in it. I took the badge off of it. I'm going to put the uh, 2 meg badge on it. I've also got a 2 meg board coming in the mail here pretty soon. So uh, so this is just a placeholder for my Coco 3, really. Uh, and I do have it online. I have it uh, connected to drive wire here in front of me. Is that what the uh, cable coming out of the multi-packs for? Well, I can do drive wire through the RS-232 pack. Uh, I actually have a switch box for my RS-232 pack uh, right there. Wow, he's just so showing off here. now. Yeah, it allows me <laughs> well, to this is good. my serial mouse or, or the um, drive wire cable. What's the benefit of, of doing drive wire through the RS-232? Is it is it faster, I guess? Faster, faster. But I guess I, I primarily want it for... Um, BBS communication because the drive wire is a bit slower, I think. So hmm. the RS two thirty two is full. It's a, that's a full hardware, the real deal versus the bit yeah, banger, yeah. right? Yeah, it has the sixty five fifty one from MOS Technologies. So it has a UART, the whole nine yards. Yeah, yeah, it's a real UART. You can get one hundred fifteen k. Kind of a buggy serial. UART, but it's got a real yeah. UART. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lots yeah, of then, yeah, we'll do one. One more thing I got at um, Tandy uh, Assembly, I got a 486 um, TDT-1, which was a Tandy computer that they had in all the Radio Shack stores, or many of them, I guess. Uh, so this is the motherboard out of it. I was working on it, replacing the uh, Dallas chip, uh, socketed that, and now I'm just waiting for a Dallas chip to come in the mail. What is the Dallas chip? Is that the real-time clock? That's the real time clock with the built-in. With the battery, yeah. Yeah. What's the case look like? Uh, standard 486 case. It's got three drive bays and a floppy drive. It's got two hard drive um, positions. <laughs> Terry Steen just jumped in and says, hey, sorry I missed for the past three weeks. I've formatted my PC, installed Windows 3.0, and the update's just finished. Wink. <laughs> it's got the, uh, 40 years worth of updates all the way up to windows 10 <laughs> welcome back terry uh terry steen for those of you who don't know author of balloon fire and gray lady uh, <laughs> uh now that's cool eric what else what else is cooking uh well you, you know you, you know what i should do how much are you are you pressed for time 
Me? No. No. Is anybody here pressed for time? Nope. Okay. Because we've been going for an hour and 20 minutes and we're still on updates and acquisitions. And that's fine. That's not a bad thing. But maybe we should take a commercial break. What I was thinking, Eric, because I don't know how well you've seen it too, but I've got an acquisition that I acquired for you. Um, you know what I'm going to do? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. When it's my turn to do a show and tell, I'm going to, I'm actually going to probably join Zoom from my mobile phone and I'll walk around the house because I've got <laughs> my house is in disarray right now. But I wanted to show off this stack of um, LaserDisc players I got for you because you probably haven't really seen them that much either. So, no, just a couple yeah. of those pictures online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, how about we do that? We're going to do this though. We're going to take a commercial break. Uh, we're going to come back. We've got uh, we've got new Coco thoughts um, from Samuel Gimes that we're going to play. We've got some commercials to play. I'm going to start off by thanking um, uh, our our patron sponsors, and uh, and then we'll take a commercial break. Let's let's decide what commercial we want to run right now. What commercial have I not run in a while? Um, I know last week you guys ran Nightmare Highway and System Hacked. Um, I don't think, um, you know what we're going to do, I don't think we've run a switcheroo cable in a while. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, uh, thank our patrons. We'll watch a brand new exclusive Coco thoughts. We'll see a switcheroo commercial and then we'll be back after these words. So everybody here is good on time. Nobody's got a hard out or a quick exit or anything like that. Everybody's good so far. I'm yes. Good. Okay. All right. Here we go. Okay, so why don't we start by thanking our patrons, the real sponsors of our show, who help cover the uh, the vast expenses of, of this quality programming and production, brought to you by viewers like you, like Al Hartman and Alan Huffman and Blair Ledoux and Brendan Donahy and his Coco VGA project and Brian Joyce and Brian Weasler and DeBruce Moore, who's brought us such projects as Forest of Doom, Coco Forever, and System Hacked. Our good friend across the pond, Davey Mitchell, and Diego, and Disney Saints fan, Eric Canales himself, and Fedor Stamen, uh, Grant Leedy, Jason Downs, Jenna Ferrin of the Ripen Peach, and Ken Reichert of CanCanMakeIt.com, Kyle Etter, Malfunked, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Richard Lorbieski and VoiceOnTech.com, Rob Eanman, Steve Bjork, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, and the TandyShack.com, the Backyard Shed Gang, and Tom C. and Tom S. And now, a world debut of Coco Thoughts number 10. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. I know there was life before the Coco SDC, but there was also life before indoor plumbing, modern dentistry, and antibiotics. Hey, this is Bruce Moore, author of Force of Doom, and you're watching the original gamer Stevie Strobe. Only the bravest souls enter. Only the most cunning return. Defeat innumerable monsters to ransom the king's scepter stolen by the evil wizard. Your sword, shield, and wits are your only allies. Pray you find a magical inn as your only respite in the forest of doom. 
pool a tiny color computer one, two, and three. November 2017, if you dare. It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. Oh, I remember that Christmas. Dad gave me my first shortwave radio from Radio Shack. What memories. This Christmas, we got our son's color computer three from Radio Shack. It hooks right up to our TV and was on sale for less than $130. The color computer three makes learning fun. Jimmy even lets me use it for word processing when he isn't playing computer games. Lucky I still got my shortwave. Save $70 on the sale-priced color computer three only at Radio Shack. Hi, it's Ron Dovo, Timberman, and this is Coco Talk. In a world where RGB produces black and white video, one cable can make a difference. Switcheroo. Gogo3scartcable.com Some people have big plans after school. You know what Elliot's going to do? Jeff, too. Elliot's at work on a book report using Scripsit on Radio Shack's Color Computer 3. It hooks up to his TV. And Jeff's at his Radio Shack Color Computer 3 playing the newest football game. But wait, what's Elliot doing playing new Super Pitfall? And Jeff's having a blast with a new math tutor. You never know what you might try with more than 100 programs for fun and learning. Radio Shack's Color Computer 3 comes with everything you see here. Other items each sold separately. Only at Radio Shack. Alright, we're back. We're live. And yeah, there's been a lot of chatter in the live chat too that um, has been going on. So let me just back scroll here for a minute and just, just go back of, of who's here with us live. Because the Cocoa Talk is uh, much like uh, the Klingon uh, dish best served cold of revenge. Um, Coco Talk <laughs> is a dish that is best served live. So we are live. We are interactive. There are people who unfortunately have chosen to spend their time watching us live today on a Saturday when there's millions of other things they could have done. Sorry, so, Jim. yeah. And so, yeah, Al Hartman's been out there and Tom C. from Jersey, Rob Inman and Tim Franklin and Matchy, uh, Mark Overholzer, Ken Reichert is out here. Um, who else is in the live chat? Retro Innovations, Paul Fiscarelli said, yo, how you doing? Uh, Grant Leedy out there. Nick Marentes uh, was in the live chat. Um, is he on the call? Coco Man, Jason's spending no, his was. birthday. Jay, so Jason Riker, the Coco Man, today is his birthday. And he he did the right thing. Rather than wasting his birthday hanging out with us losers, he's out doing stuff in that place they call the real world. So Jason says, spending my birthday at King's Dominion. See you guys next week. Uh, King's Dominion, the real world. I'm not yeah, I think it's obviously probably a theme park, right? Uh, ben, got a girlfriend too. Yes, so. yes. Uh, Explore VR. Ben Drakes is out there, and uh, Terry Steen, author of Balloon Fire, is out there. Uh, who else is out there? Nick, this guy Nick Moroda is out there, and there are some people watching us, or at least who had popped in and out of the Facebook live feed. So this guy Fred Doofus has been there. Uh, Kevin Holloway. Nick Marionettes said hi to Fred Doofus on Facebook. And Kevin Holloway said, hey, how you doing? Carl Von Winkle says, hi, I'm here. Pony, Tony Pedraza had popped by during the stream at some point. Nick Marentes was here. Fred Doofus, Kevin Holloway, Eric Canales. 
Jeffrey Klug or Klug had joined at one point in time. Jason Reichard popped in. So a few people popping in to say hi to us uh, on Facebook as well. We're here. Uh, this is a show about nothing today, so we're literally just killing time by talking about whatever random crap we can make up as we go. Um, What's the deal with Cocos? Who are these people who collect <laughs> these old computers? What, what is the deal? Um, so, and Nick, Nick Marotta, on the spot with the humor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've been just, just talking about what's new this week. What have we done? What are our acquisitions? We've heard from a lot of people, but who have we not heard from? We heard from Rick. Uh, DeBruce is out there. Hey, D. Bruce Moore, are you still with us? Or did we put you to sleep? Crickets. All right, maybe we'll get back to DeBruce. Uh, David Ladd has joined us. So uh, must stay focused. I'd be cool. And, <laughs> Hello, Hello, everyone. How are you doing? That's what we missed, your ghastly enthusiasm. <laughs> ghastly? Entirely. And yes. I would gassy. like to uh, divert. We were talking about the RS-232 pack and Drivewire. Oh, Christ. Now we got David, we got David started. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so that comment for people that have Coco 1 and 2s, that will allow you to use 115, 200 on the Coco 1 and 2, unlike the Bitbanger, where you're either restricted at 38,400 or 57,600. So that is the advantage there. 115K. Thank you, David. Back to you, Dave. Thank, no, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, David Ladd has joined us. Uh, Grant Leedy. Grant, did you have anything new to share with us this week? I think he did, didn't he? I don't remember. I, I'm see yeah, because because I know Mark Overholzer said he had something. Yeah, Mark, Mark D. Overholzer, are you still with us? Oh yeah, yeah. It's just really small, but yeah, I do want to shout out here. Um, Nick does a great job. Uh, I, I keep throwing these little things that are just right on. It's like excellent side man, right at you. You talking um, about Nick Morota? Yeah, Nick Morota. Oh, yeah. thank you. We definitely yeah, were talking I about was... Nick Morantes. He's, just, uh, <laughs> he's, he's missing today. Thank you um, very much. I shared last week, uh, I got a, an adapter. It's uh, for the Apple that lets you do an Atari and Super NES uh, 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 to uh, the Apple, which is kind of cool. Yeah. But um, also, uh, Jason was using this particular uh, little uh, mic and uh, earpiece last week at Tandy Assembly. It worked really good, so I ordered me a couple. Okay. It's got the mic. It's got the earpiece. Worked really good. Anyway, oh, and that and that's so he was um, like handing the microphone to the people so we could hear yeah. them. Yeah, he would yeah. he would hold it out, and so and it was. Yeah, that definitely yeah. worked a lot. Yeah, yeah. so the only yeah, it the, my, my, yeah, and it actually did, and I gave you guys a lot of praise, and you're, you're still uh, worthy of all that praise for what for what a great job you did bringing us the live show. But the one thing I did notice because I was just listening to the replay. Because the people talking could not hear you guys, while while Jason was talking to somebody, they kept talking. You guys kept trying to talk too to ask the questions that the guy couldn't hear because he, you know it was going through Jason's earpiece. So, I think my only um, criticism would be is that when we're doing that in the future, we might want to be a little bit more cognizant of the fact that that person speaking doesn't know we're interrupting him and maybe let him finish and then give Jason a time to kind of volley the questions and answers back and forth. Yeah. And I know we're just yeah. used to talking freely, um, but that was kind of one thing I noticed. But no, that was a really neat setup. Um, and the audio quality was great, right? So the fact that he yeah. could pass the mic to that person and because I know before when I'm doing it with the phones, we're walking around with our little phones, you're subject to a single microphone and either it's going to hear one thing or the other, but not both. 
Um, so that's that's great. And and you just think about it in the past couple of years, because I remember my first couple of Cocoa Fest, you know, I had a laptop set up and I had a mic on a mic stand trying to get close to the action. I tried to do all this stuff to bring good audio and video, and it was just a big hot mess. Um, I mean, hopefully it was halfway decent, but it's also it's a lot to do, right? Um, but when we can sit here and walk around with our phone and be completely mobile, and, st- and the cameras and everything are so great now on these on these phones, uh, just by adding a slightly better microphone to that gives you so much range of mobility and freedom to to bring you to bring these events and not have to be tied down to a broadcast station you know yeah and now uh, there's some new stuff coming out for some of the phones like i know the iphone announcement they mentioned there's a third party that's coming out with a thing that can actually control the front and back cameras simultaneously so you can record both oh like if, a, if you do a, if you do a split mic between the two you can actually record the audio for both and then when you're going to editing you can actually pan between them at will and records both simultaneously so you have the interviewer and the interviewee I think that would work, actually work really well. I'm assuming Android is going to have something similar as well. Yeah. You should, you should have a microphone with a cube of uh, Cocoa Talk on it. Like, oh, yeah, like like the news, content. right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, actually really cool, good. Yeah, I was even thinking when Jason was talking about this, like remember the old match game where the guy had the microphone on a really long stick and he could just kind of hand yeah. it to the... Uh, just just tie it on a selfie stick. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, it's kind of neat that we have this ability now to to bring these live events with you know just our, our phone in our pocket. You know, it's really cool. Um, um, so where, what? Where, how did we get on that topic? I don't even remember. Anyways, um, so we talked to Rick Adams, Nick Morota, Mark Overholzer did his update. Oh yeah, the, that's how we got on. Mark was talking about he got the microphone. Uh, the Bruce, are you with us? Bruce, can you hear us? can hear you okay um yes we are doing um project updates and acquisitions do we want to talk about some stuff and i have um i've got discord opened up if we want to get to to joey and the coco um is there anything else you want to talk about this week as far as projects you've worked on or anything else Mm, no 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 that was my Okay, singular so singular project. So should I go ahead and and, uh, and share screen share the Joey and the Coco thing? Yeah, yeah, why not? You okay, got number you got them in order? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And so and so what we have here, and, and this is by the way, this is looking at what Discord looks like. So you hear us talking about Discord all the time, right? Um, so in well, one like of how our, you're behind in your messages. Oh yeah, right. So um, uh, what's his face? Uh, Bruce Moore here has come up with these <laughs> uh, with these comic strips. And when I first saw this, him sharing it, I thought this was like something that was from an old publication. I thought maybe he found something in a hot cocoa or a rainbow and he was just like sharing those. But it turns out these are original productions from DeBruce. So this is called Joey and Coco. And here's our first comic strip. Um, do you want to do the voiceover here, Bruce? Or do you want to let the audience read it themselves? Or <laughs> Well, how about you do it, Stevie? All right. So... We st- so for the and then we have to remember this is also going to be later on an audio panel. So this is a three panel comic strip, or this is going to be an audio podcast later. So the first panel has a time saying it back in November 1980. So there's a picture of a dad giving a present to a kid. The kid says, "Hey, dad, uh, is that what I think it is?" And dad says, "It's an early Christmas present, Joey." In the second panel, Joey's anxiously unwrapping this present, and he's like, "Is it Legos?" And then in the third and final panel, he opens it up completely, and his dad responds by saying, it's a TRS-80 color computer. 
and you're going to have a blast with your new math tutor. No, I actually, I just ad-libbed that. Uh, so, <laughs> so the first three panels, we in, were introduced to Joey and his father and the fact that Joey just got a cocoa as an early Christmas present. So pretty cool, right? And the and, cocoa has got pers some personality because it goes on audio, of course, don't see it. The cocoa actually has eyes and a mouth. He has got eyes and a little smiley He's face down here. He's a happy little here. guy. Yeah. A little happy guy. Yeah. little happy cocoa. Oh, you notice the art? You notice the little the RF hookup there beside him? On the, hold hold on, on one menu? second. Hold on one second. Yeah. Matt, yes, hello. Want you <laughs> no. Oh, well, here we are. <laughs> Sorry about that. I got interrupted asking if I wanted yeah. pizza rolls. Um, yeah, yeah. So this is a cool looking. Yeah, oh, yeah, I see that now. There's the RF box down there on the bottom. And what's that to the right? Is that a cassette recorder or is that the manual? Uh, I don't know. I thought that might be a manual. I'm, I'm using a, I'm drawing this on a whiteboard with a erasable marker. So it's not actually very fine tipped. So, you, uh, you're hand drawing these? Uh, yeah. on on uh, on a surface so it's not being done digitally or electronically right yeah yeah draw it by hand and then uh, you know transfer it to digital of course so we are a retro show so that's, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah okay so we it looks it looks period correct yes it does it does um, so we're introduced to Joey and Joey got his cocoa as an early Christmas present cocoa's got a smiley face and some eyes on it all right so that's comic strip number one. Now we bring comic strip number two. And uh, it looks like he's got it hooked up to a TV. He's got the color computer and the OK prompt. Coco's smiling. We can see his little smile there. And Joey says, I got it hooked up. Now what? His dad says, program it, son. <laughs> the second panel, Joey's like, program it? I thought this thing did Pong. His dad responds with, write, write your, your own, own games. games. <laughs> My dad used to say, well, why don't you go play in traffic, kid? Go away. You bother me. So, <laughs> uh, And then in the third and final panel in this strip, the Coco looks at Joey and he speaks and he says, Pong is nothing, kid. Now, we have to give the Coco a voice. Should he have a sinister voice or what kind of voice should the Coco have here? You're a voice uh, actor, Bruce. Yeah, I uh, haven't really... Uh, yeah, no, speech he's, sound pack. He's actually <laughs> <laughs> no, he won't he won't Hello. be sinister, but he'll be occasionally cynical. How's that? Uh, should he have like maybe a Bugs Bunny style voice? Yeah, Pong ain't nothing, kid. I got a sixty-eight oh nine. Yeah, that could work. I don't know. We we'll have to we we'll have, we'll have to figure that out. What kind of? So now, the Coco talks to Joey. Joey's like ah. All right, so his eyes his eyes are bugging out. Eyes are bugging out. The Coco actually spoke. He goes, Pong ain't nothing, kid. I got a 6809. <laughs> the plot thickens, the story unfolds. And now in our third comic strip, now in our first panel, we have Dad talking to Joey. Dad says, uh, um, Dad says, don't be silly. Computers can't talk. And Joey's like, but it, but it did. It did. Now he's looking at the Coco. Coco's well, hang on. But while, the, hang on. While he's saying that, you notice that the Coco... Now there's, there's no, no face. Oh, I see. Yeah, look at that. So right now the totally Coco looks. So this is like one of these things where when nobody's in the room, but he won't yeah. he won't reveal himself for witnesses, right? Like Calvin and Hobbes. Like Calvin and Hobbes, right? Okay. Yeah, All right. He does that too. <laughs> the Coco tells me to do things when nobody's around, right? So, um, <laughs> so, so the dad's like, "Don't be silly. Computers can't talk." And Joey's like, "But it did. It did." As soon as dad leaves, now the Coco's got his face back and he's looking at Joey. Joey's looking at him and <laughs> the final They're both panel. kind of frowning at each other. Yeah. And then finally the yeah, Coco like says, 
And Coco says, it's better he doesn't know. All right, so Coco doesn't want Joey's dad to know that Coco can talk. All right, so there we have it. So that's uh, the latest project from, uh, from DeBruce, D. Bruce Moore. Uh, Joey and Coco, three new comic strips and hopefully a series that will continue. Um, so Bruce, what inspired you to, to start up a comic strip? Just out of curiosity, was it well, based on like Coco yeah. Cat in the old days, or just something that came up? Or right, well, well, of course I remember the Coco Cat, but I don't remember much. I just remember him kind of bouncing around the screen, and I don't remember him doing anything. But I happened to read an article because uh, they had one, strips and, and Rainbow of the Coco Cat for a while, kind of the three panel right. style. Yeah, yeah, right. And I don't, I don't remember that much about them. But uh, the, uh, I guess what inspired me is I. I saw a link so whatever happened to the guy who did calvin and Hobbes? so i watched it it was you know it was the morning and i had the day off and i'm and i just as i watched it I went, well would it be cool if like I, you know as a kid what what if the coco was talking to you interactive like that and all sorts of interesting there's there's so many interesting scenarios that could come out of out of a, some fun little comic strip like that like uh you know, there we, we could I could play up the rivalry between the C sixty four and the Coco. I could, you know, there could be talk of uh, copying games or I, I don't know, trying to, you know, you know, kid, why don't you get a paper route already and get me a cassette recorder? I don't know, like there's all sorts of funny things. Yeah, yeah, it, it just, is interesting. Yeah, it just felt like something. Yeah, it's something like, well, I don't think anybody's done this, and I'm feeling kind of creative like that, so. So, yeah, so I did those three in one day, and I think it sort of set the, the tone, and now I'll just kind of kind of ease into some storylines, I guess. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you could even have Coco Cat guest star and try to fall asleep on the keyboard, and the Coco gets mad because it's smothering him. And yeah. Oh, yeah, I could shock him. Boots him off. <laughs> <laughs> well, i got to say, Bruce, you have always been kind of a pioneer in creative media in the Coco space, you know, like with the Forest of Doom and the book. Which was kind of the strategy guide, and then the Coco You're Forever. Right. You, buy, you buy the book, and, not, and then you get to download the game. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. And Weird, weirdness. Coco, yeah. Coco Forever, I have to say, I don't mean this as a bad thing, but you always think outside of the box. Like you're thinking in in ways beyond what most of us tend to think at. Yeah. Oh, I don't think Coco that's bad at all. Yeah. 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 Yes. <laughs> you getting David excited? We talked about RS two thirty two and TTL and Drivewire, so David's really excited. Um, the sixteen slot MPIs. Yeah. Drivewire. Drivewire. Yeah, so that's really cool. It's really cool. It's gonna be interesting to see where that goes, right? Um, I'm wondering where I where I should primarily have it uh, show up, and uh, I'm, I'm just kind of wondering about that. Maybe you guys got some ideas, because of course if I'm Putting out one every once in a while, I guess. I guess I got to count on people not seeing previous ones, so they have to be internally consistent. But I definitely want to do a storyline. You need to have the kid take his cocoa to school. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, you can just do it on your on your website, right? It could be like a blog post each time you have a new. Yeah, uh, strip. I mean, most 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 comic strips do allow you to go back, like if they have their own homepage stuff. But then you can post them right. on Facebook, you know, weekly or whatever frequency you do them at. To right, kind of like introduce people that it exists and then say, if you want to right. see the previous strips, you know, head over to my page. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like that idea. Oh, hey, I just got a suggestion here from uh, Explorer VR. Ben Drake goes, maybe the kid could visit a British relative who has a dragon 
and the dragon oh, yeah. could talk to him too. <laughs> oh yeah, I had that. Yeah, with a, a, a yeah. stiff up her lip ac- accent. Yeah. yeah, I definitely yeah. thought about the whole dragon. Hey, mate. Visiting <laughs> I've got yeah. a real keyboard. <laughs> uh, the, neighbor, the neighbor boy could come over with his Sinclair. His Sinclair. Yeah. yeah he can meet the MC10 on the window, and yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of, and then, you know, and then I, I don't know, maybe I could throw some other. Well, you know, Calvin, he's always speaking way beyond his years at times about really big significant things maybe that could be could throw some of that in there it'd be kind of interesting maybe but yeah yeah, that was bill waterson's secret why that was such a great strip because it appealed to all intellectual Mm. levels Mm. yeah and age levels you could have something like you know he gets a a floppy in the mail it's from samuel gimes (laughs) 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 uncle samuel or, or oh what if the dad is jt I've got, I've got, <laughs> I don't know. JT, the early years, right? Yeah, before we shot the face. Well, actually, if you look at, uh, yeah, if you look at the dad, I just realized after you drawing the dad a couple of times that if you were to put his hair, like right now, he doesn't have much hair, but if you were to put his hair spiky straight up, kind of like a plume, he looked just like Bert. Oh, yeah, let so me I go. Thought about, you know, I, so I thought about Uncle Ernie coming to visit at some point. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, here he is. So he's just got kind of the hair just um, just kind of straight up and down right now, but it could be Spike here. Yeah. 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 So when does this take place, too? Is this back in the day? Or November 1980. Yeah, so the, the Coco came out uh, July, well, I guess announced, the fall yeah. of 1980. Yeah, announced. So, uh, so hopefully I got that right. I imagine there, something could have shipped in November, but yeah, no, they were shipping by them. They were shipping by them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Joey well, and Coca. Pretty soon they'll be getting a, a disc drive. Well, yeah, let's hope. And I think there might be some. Uh, I think we might do because you know I like time travel, right? So I think we might do some time travel back and forth where it's yeah. like, you know, Joey now, and then he, you know, maybe he's just remembering. Maybe that's how we should do it. Maybe this whole thing is a flashback. Now, imagine if you could go back in time. And talk yeah. to your color computer. Knowing what I do. <laughs> his, dad, his dad would have a walker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Joey anyway, and Coco. Anyway, yeah, that was fun. Joey and Coco. Yeah, that was, that was cool. some fun. And I'll, I'll um, try, and, try and create some more old school fun. Absolutely, absolutely. And if there's enough of them, you could maybe even have a limited edition print uh, of the of a book, you know, kind of like the Far Side started off as comic strips, and eventually you got the Far Side galleries, you know, uh, right, the, the right. Gary Larson stuff. So we may want to get the to Gar- the are the Garfield books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we might get to the mm-hmm. point where we've got the Joey right, and Coco right. Gallery Volume One. So, <laughs> well, you know, what part of what got me going on this is when I was seven or eight or maybe nine, um, I used to do comic strips all the time. Uh, it was always a uh, Snoopy flying his doghouse around like the Red Baron. <laughs> And uh, I filled like two scribblers full of these comics, and I, you know, they're like I wish they were still around. But that's the last time I did something like that. And I just I loved it back then. I thought I just want to do that again. Yeah, now that's cool. That is definitely cool. Uh, um, to find out Snoopy has a cocoa in his uh, little doghouse, that'd be cool. Uh, mm. uh. All right, has everybody done their update? Because then maybe I know I can do my update. Have we all done our project updates and acquisitions? 
Everyone? Everyone? Yeah. All right, well, let me show you off my first one right now. Um, now, Rondell Vell, I think I showed this recently, uh, the last time I was on, but you had left right before we were at the end of the show. Oh, okay. Um, I, one of my acquisitions, I was at the Halloween store recently, and it turns out they actually have um, Rondell Vell costumes. You see that? <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> you like that? So yeah. actually what I can do too is I can try this on live on the air. So I'm gonna I might dress up as Ron Delvo for Christmas or right. for Halloween. So <laughs> All right. I am honored. You know what they say? <laughs> this is a sincerest form of flattery, Ron. It is. All right. <laughs> All right, so here we go. So I'm gonna fit All I'm, right. <laughs> I'm going to finish up the rest of the show in character as Rondell Vaux. So this thing, and it solves you, your echoing problem, too, so you yeah. have to keep it on the rest of the <laughs> This is itchy as hell. How do you deal with this, Ron? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so apparently if you would like to be Rondell Vaux for Halloween, you can. They are uh, <laughs> This costume is available at a Halloween maybe, store uh, near you. Maybe for Christmas we could all wear a white one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, you got to bring those to Coco Fest so we can buy some. Yeah, right? You can autograph them. a big group photo of us. You know, against the <laughs> or they, and they even had, uh, like, the flannel shirts, too. I could have got the flannel shirt to go with the We, we need a big poster like Dinowars except with Timberman on it instead. We'll have to talk yeah. with Paul about that. Yeah, right. We can have all of us in, in costume there right in front. Coco Fest turns into Ron's garage. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's my first update. Uh the next thing I'm going to try to do, uh, I, and I've never done this before, so this is this is a Coco Talk first, and if it goes horribly wrong, it'll be a Coco Talk last. But um, uh, we're going to try an Inception thing here. I'm going to try to join the show from my phone, so I can give you a um, a tour of uh, of a few things I have going on in my office and in my house right now. All right, so I've just joined. Let me turn on. Device Are audio. you going to tell us that you got a uh, Macintosh aquarium? And no, no, no. <laughs> Hold on. Holy shit. Okay. I had to just mute that. Okay. I'm going to have to mute my microphone now. All right. So can you guys hear me? Yep. I'm going to. Now, how do I switch to camera? How do I do this? Is there a button on Zoom to make it switch your camera? Oh, here it is. It's this little thing here with the little swirly thing. All right, so can you guys see this now? Yep. Yeah. Okay, so let you me want do this. Screen. It's just that you might want to zoom the screen up, though, because it's just showing up as a little thing in the corner. I'm going to spotlight this. Okay, so so first thing is, let me turn that down, and let me bring you guys up where I can hear you guys again. Right, can you guys hear me? Screen. Can you hear me? Yep. Yes. Yep. Got cool okay. posters. So first off, this is this is a show within the show, right? So this, this is, is magic um, yeah. Well, now we've got an infinity window here. So one of the reasons why I sound like I'm echoing is that I've actually completely gutted my office right now. There's nothing in here. This thing had bookshelves and it had all kinds of stuff and no colored computers. Yeah. So the only thing that's really set up right now are these temporary tables of just the computer me to do the show today i'm or i ordered a new like eight foot wooden table to go in here and stuff so this is kind of a temporary setup but i, I want to redo the whole office because it's just been a hot mess you know in here so i'm trying to do that 
Now I need to kind of um, what I'm going to do here real quick again. How do I? I know I switched cameras. Here we go. on your door. Is that soundproofing? Yeah, it's got some. It's got some uh, stuff to make it less. Uh, whatever. It's yeah. really meant to to block out the sound from my. Are house. we going to take a potty break here? You want a second? I'm going to just give you a tour of everything that's no longer in my uh, in my oh. office. All right. So here's a bunch of crap that was on wow. top of bookshelves. Right. There's tons of crap. Right. More crap, right? So this Cocos and ColecoVisions and crap and all kinds of crap. I've set up this staging area here. I mean, this is how much crap I've got. All right, there's my Apple, there's a Coco, there's a Coco 3, there's an Atari, an MSX. I mean, this is just all the crap I had in that office. It's insane, right? And this is after you sold some bits off. Uh, yeah, I sold off basically one full Coco setup. So, I mean, these were the bookcases that I had. I had two of these bookcases just stacked with books and stuff. And I have all this crap that was either on a shelf or something. Some MC10s. I mean, all this crap here that's down here in boxes. More crap over here. You know, I mean, the amount of crap I had was well, just insane. Crap when you got it. But this, the problem was, is if you if you look at the size of this room, it's so damn small that um, the room was just ridiculous. It was just it was out of control, and it just got to the point where I was like, you know what? I, I just want to vomit every time I walk in here because it's so disgustingly full of so crap. Does your wife know you're taking over the living room then? Uh, well, she actually helped me um, get everything out. So, um, because because we're gutting the room. Anyways, I'm gonna hang up on this Zoom call now and get back to the thing. But oh, wait a second, one more thing, Eric Canales. I wanted to show you the. Um, is Eric still here? Yep. All right. Yeah, I'm here. So another thing I did uh, for project updates and acquisitions was um, walking through the laundry room right now. Is Eric found a guy? Let me switch my camera around again. All right, so Eric found a guy that had laser disc players that he was getting rid of in a warehouse. This is the back of them. This is a stack. I, these things were so big, I could only get like eight of them in here, and they're in my garage. Yeah, he had, he had a lot more, I think. He had like six boxes of these things, so there was like 30 some odd of these laser disc players. I'm not sure how well we're going to be able to see this, but it is, what's the brand name? These are Pioneers. It's a Pioneer laser disc player. And they're freaking huge, man. Look how big this damn thing is compared to my hand. Yeah, these are the top loaders. You might have seen them at uh, Coco Fest. Uh, was it last year? And I think Jim Brain has that player now. These are similar, although slightly different models. How do you put discs, the disc right? in? 12 inch discs. They come in the top. The top opens the up player. electronically. Can't. Oh, electronically. So I can't do it now. Right. So, it's and, like a record uh, player. You put it in like a like a record player. You shut the lid, and then it starts spinning. All right, and then in the back, it's got looks like mostly analog output. So analog output for the stereo. Some. Uh, yep, there's uh, digital audio, although Laserdisc supports digital audio. It does have uh, the um, the uh, uh, yeah compute like computer controlled input and output, right? Like a it, it's got like a serial. Yeah, computer. so it looks it looks like a little uh, headphone. Yeah. Yeah, so you can program these uh, with a with a computer of some kind to to play and pause and skip around. So if you had a copy of like um, uh, Dragon's Lair, 
you could you could hook up a computer to, to, run to make it pause or skip tracks or whatever. Yeah, Fe see. February 84. Yep. So that's your acquisition there, Eric Canales. Yep. I'm not sure how we're going to get that to you. Yep. So hopefully, um, hopefully you can find room. That'd be good. And uh, and then what I'll probably do is clean them up and put it out. Yeah. Did they say they were working condition? Oh, uh, who knows? They were in a freaking warehouse. They were in a warehouse, but they came out of some kind of a, a business, some kind of a jukebox or karaoke type of setup. So there's no reason to think they wouldn't work. All right, so I'm going to hang up on the Zoom call here, but here we go. This is behind the scenes of Coco Talk, world's leading live talk show featuring mm. Andy Color Computer. You're viewing the control room. And we always like viewing the control room. All right, sorry, I'm back. You guys there? Yep. yep. Uh huh. Loud and clear. That's cool. <laughs> but yeah, so so rather than me having an acquisition this week, I actually I sold off some spare stuff I had because I have like you, you've seen I've got way too much stuff at this point. I have what some people might call a problem, um, and so I sold a Coco Two with a uh, floppy drive and controller and Coco SDC. I gave him a uh, Canyon Climber cartridge. I have so many manuals. I gave him a getting started with basic and extended color basic, a disc basic manual. So one of the guys at my Florida retro club. So he, um, he got, he is for his first Coco. He's got a nice setup, right? A fully loaded 64 K Coco two in the box, a couple of black beauty joysticks in the box. So, I mean, I just, I've got so much crap, you know? So I did not acquire anything. I actually lightened my load and I'm also trying to, um, you know, I'm trying to declutter my office and downsize and, and have less things in here. Uh, Terry Steen says they're only 35 years old. They should work like new. <laughs> no problem. That's right. Well, you know, the one I had that I gave to, or uh, that Jim Brain uh, bought at auction, uh, same same year, 1984, and it works like it was brand new. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're $5,000 players. They're, they were built to last forever. Yeah, it's hard to believe. I got a LaserDisc player when they were on their way out. So they had already been discontinued. They were no longer like on the market. And, you know, I bought like a floor model from a, a Brandsmart USA. And even back then in like the late 80s or early 90s, I think I paid $200 for a floor model, which I thought was a pretty good deal. And of course, this was before DVDs were really a thing that anybody really knew about or could afford. Uh, and so it was kind of cool. And, and I, I used to collect, um, you know, widescreen movies. Again, all the things we take for granted now, but it used to be on VHS. Everything was four by three, you know. So whenever I could find something in letterbox, I always liked that, right? So I was looking for uh, laser discs that were letterbox. I, I, I probably still have them somewhere, but I had like the Terminator 2 director's cut. Uh, and the discs were so big and you had to flip them over. You couldn't even watch the whole movie without flipping the disc over and stuff. So there was something really interesting about the laser disc. It was just one of these things. It was a, it was a drop in time of this technology. I'm not sure how many people had them, you know, cause they weren't cheap, especially when they were new. It wasn't it was like everybody had a VHS eventually. Um, but I don't think well, was, everybody was had a laser disc player. Was this better video than VHS? Yes. Yeah, it's about the same as a DVD. Uh, although it's a uh, composite instead of digital. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Oh, Terry Steen says, I'm bringing a pile of Cocos to the next Cocoa Fest if anybody wants to buy some. Okay. There you go. Um, cool. So there you go. There's your peak, uh, Eric, at some acquisitions I have for you. And Mark Overholzer, I got as far as putting your books in a box as I gutted out my office. So they're in a box and they're on my uh, dining room table ready to ship. Nope. So nope. Um, cool. All right. Well, hey, it's a great show, everybody. We'll see you all next week. Don't forget to tune in. Same time, same channel for another exciting episode of Look at all the crap Steve's got in his house. Uh, <laughs> can you believe it's going on two hours? We've literally had no show today, and it's been almost two hours of no show. Um, we haven't had news yet, have we? We have not had news. We're going to do some news. right? If L. Curtis Boyle is ready for news. Yeah. Did you want to do a commercial break first? Uh, we we can. Do, no, I have. Did you want to go straight into it? No, we can take another commercial break. Um that wasn't a hint. I was just asking. No, 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 no. We can, uh, and then we'll do some news. Uh, I we have I have many new cocoa thoughts, but I don't want to oversaturate the market. Um, one, so, one per episode. Yeah, one per episode. So we've got more cocoa thoughts to come on future episodes. So um, Samuel Gimes has been hard at work. Thank you, Samuel. Um, I don't know why I, I I always go to this commercial. But I just feel like we can't have an episode of um, of uh, Coco Talk without playing the Coco Do and Fletcher two for one commercial break. This is this, this is, is like this is this is a tradition. So we're gonna go ahead and do that now. We're gonna pause with some Coco Do and some Wallaby and some Fletcher. She will go far, and we'll return after these words. Hi, this is Chris Boyle, part of the uh, Coco Talk crew of people. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Noble co-author of Nitrous Nine, you are listening to Coco Talk Live, the leading live Coco Talk show. Good day, mates. This is Nick Marionettes, author of such color computer titles as Donut Disaster, Rupert Rhymes, and Rockstar Pilot. And I am here today to tell you about the world's most fabulous operating system, OS9. OS9. OS 9 and its current incarnation Nitrous 9 is the most advanced operating system ever created. And what makes it so good? Ease of use. I find OS 9 so incredibly intuitive that I haven't once cracked open the user manual. And yet I've been able to create such incredible games faster than the time it takes to sing Walsing Matilda. Using OS 9, I expect my next game, Funstar, will be done this weekend and distributed exclusively on ROM cartridge. OS 9 forever. Any resemblance to actual events, to persons living or dead, is purely coincidental. Radio Shack has a great gift idea for the whole family. Fast action TV games, and they're on sale. Get this six game model for $29.95, or the four game model for $21.95. With rising entertainment cost, that's a real bargain. You play hockey, tennis, squash, and more. Easy to hook up and great family fun that last all year long. The sale price TV games. Only at Radio Shack, a Tandy company. Hi there, this is Mark Overholzer, and you're watching Coco Talk, the world's leading weekly talk show where you can join in. Hey, come watch us and see what's happening in the world of Coco. Coco Talk is brought to you in part by Placeblex Dietary Supplement. Placeblex, we think it works, so will you. Coco de Sailor, 
Un ordinateur couleur qui a de la personnalité, le Coco 2 de Radio Sac. On solde pour Noël à partir de 149,95. Hello, this is Grant Leedy with Coco Talk. Got your Coco 3 yet? From the makers of the Switcheroo. Wallaby Cable, Color Computer 3 Dual RGB Cable. Get yours today at cocoman.biz. Fletcher, I don't need that report tomorrow. Great, JT. I need it tonight. But, JT... Fletcher saved $300 on her office away from the office. Radio Shack's revolutionary Model 100 computer. It's a word processor, phone directory, and dialer. It even communicates with the office computer. Fletcher, how's that report? Fletcher. Radio Shack's Model 100. Save $300 and put it to work. You'll go far, Fletcher. <laughs> You'll go far. We now return you to Coco Talk. See, there's someone else you have to track down, Ron. All right, we are, yeah, we are back from our break. Uh, we are about ready to switch over to some news with L. Curtis Boyle, our foreign con- correspondent and, and overall news anchor. So um, I don't have the soundboard working. And let me just switch over. Why is my... Okay, here we go. Um, news is now pointing to Curtis. So, Curtis, whenever you're ready to share your screen, take it away. And, okay, and okay. let us know what's new and exciting this week in the world of retro. Are you seeing it? We see it. Okay. Number one. Um, this was an announcement done by Ed Snyder. He announced that him and Gary Becker will continue to collaborate after the Gimme X project is done, which a lot of us are excited about. And this is working on a full-blown Coco 4, or 3+, plus or whatever you want to call it. Um, so basically, it's uh, as he mentions on the specs here, uh, a real silicon 6 through 9 clocked at 5 megahertz or faster. Wow. A 68K soft-core CPU at 20 megahertz or faster. That's a 68,000, so full 16-bit chip. 8 meg or more of fast S static RAM, 24-bit RGB color palette to pick from, 16-bit stereo sound, uh, VGA, 15 kilohertz RGB, S video, and composite video out all combined. Wow. And other features they'll be planning to add later too. And the discussion of going back and forth of what things and you know, people want and other things that Ed's been thinking about, I can't go through it all here because there's literally 210 comments on this already on Facebook. And he's got, you know, proposed cases for it. It's going to have two slots of a built-in MPI in it and a whole bunch of stuff. So very interesting thread to follow. It looks like he's taken, you know, suggestions or at least, you know, given some consideration to them, answering a lot of questions that people have had on the project. And, I mean, we haven't even seen the Gimme X yet, and he's already that far ahead on the next project. So. Wow. But there's just a ton of stuff. And, and some pretty excited people, as you can see there. <laughs> yes, 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 <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I could find one of his cases. Here's one of his possible uh, logos for it, the next generation, Coco NG, instead of calling it a Coco 3. Sure, NG, next generation. I like that. He's using the Star Trek font and everything, too. That's cool. Yeah. 
Anyway, there's a, a whole ton of discussion going on, still ongoing. I mean, it's getting added to every day, so just keep monitor that thread, basically. Okay. Very cool. Okay, next up, uh, Todd Wallace, Lord Dragon on Discord. <clears throat> he started implementing the copying of files on his disk utility that we've demonstrated a few times the last while. And this will allow you to copy files between Disk Basic and OS 9 back and forth, too. And he's got a little uh, sample screen here. I'll see if I can see enough of it. So here he's copying, you know, from one to the other. And when he's copying to the RSDOS near the bottom of that screenshot, you can see you get to pick. Okay, you know, basic data, machine language, text, ASCII, or binary. Yeah. Ho hope saying, everything yeah, turns out okay for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's not a very enforced, I guess, on, on this basic. So, I mean, you basically could assign the wrong thing and then it won't load properly. You might save a tokenized basic program, but just at the ASCII flag, well, then it's going to try to load his ASCII and it'll screw up. So you have to be kind of careful on it. So his, his utility is coming along. I think we showed color. He's got some color built in there for doing direct subdirectories and stuff last time. And, and now he's actually getting the file copying. It's going to be quite a nice little utility actually to copy things back and forth. <clears throat> cool. Next up, Sheldon McDonald showed off a prototype mini game controller for the Coco, which is smaller than a Black Beauty joystick, which you can see on the second yeah. photo here side by side. So that makes for an interesting game controller and very compact. So that'd be interesting to actually try one of these out. Um, I don't know if he's going to make Coco Fest or not, but hopefully he can, and it would be great for you know just getting a demonstration, trying the thing out. So the joystick part is the black button. You just move it, move your thumb over it. I or have what? no idea how that works. Yeah, it looks like it's got two buttons because in the comments it said this would be good for a game like Downland, but I don't see where your up and down is. It's it's that round circle you just push it up and down or oh i see so the the oh, thumb like pad a, is the it's stick a rocker. I, oh it's a rocker stick i thought that was the actual fire button i see so the joy the joystick is like a thumb stick on the left and then you've got your two fire buttons your blue and green yeah so it'll be similar to like a 3ds or a, okay so yeah kind of like maybe a d-pad though is it this, i'm wondering if it's digital it says uh or if it's more uh analog where it's Got some loose movement. But I think it's, it looks like an analog controller. It looks like something off of a, a 3DS or a PSP. Okay. It, move, it moves left and right, up and down, in 360 degrees. Okay. Uh, but it doesn't. It doesn't like twist. It just. It just moves left, right, up and down. Okay. Is that is that going to have a cost or anything? I mean, it probably will eventually. But right now, that was just a prototype he made. So. Mm. But it's an interesting project. Yeah, it looks neat. It looks nice and compact, too. If you want to bring a controller to Coco Fest that'll hold joysticks and stuff, these little tiny things will fit in your suitcase. I wonder if they light up. That would be cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of shaped like the kind of the clamshell joystick controller of like the Sega Genesis style thing, too, you know. Um, so it's got kind of a neat little vintage uh, controller look to it. Yeah. Next up, uh, Jim Gary, as usual, has been busy. Um, and this one, he's actually had multiple updates to, he's been fixing bugs in it and trying to optimize it to run faster. Um, but basically right now he's porting a Calibeth, which is in my case, it was the very first Dungeons and Dragons graphical style game I played on any computer. And it came out in 1979 wow. on the Apple II, written in basic. So he's using the MCX uh, expansion on the MC10 to get the higher res graphics, basically PMO2 equivalent. Um, so he's got videos of it. He's also got a blog kind of explaining his, you know, his going through his debugging and stuff and trying to figure out what he has to fix. Um, I'll just play a little bit of it here. 
I don't know. Have you played a Calabeth or? No. Maybe? No, never heard of it. Because when they released the original Ultima compilation, they did all the old games, the old versions, like Ultima 1, 2, 3, 4. This is the predecessor to Ultima 1. I've tried it a few times. I'm not sure what we're looking at here. What's the object? This, this is the outside map, so he's just about to enter a dungeon. That little uh. cross thing is a city. And it was written in basic. It was slow in the old days, but having a graphical adventure game based oh, on okay. D&D now was... Oh, okay. this looks good. Skeleton. Oh, that looks really good. And he's using the exact same shapes because it's a port of the original Apple II one. So except for the Apple II being higher res than this, this is exactly what it looked like. Okay. This Something. looks like Dungeons of Frickin' Daggereth, man. It's uh, not quite as fast, but it's... Uh... Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, it's it's pretty good, and it definitely brought back some memories because, like I said, I, I I played like you know Zork and Colossal Cave. And well, that you know that's stuff. funny because I remember Jim posting a, a a message saying, "Does anybody know any routines to put text on a graphics display?" And he yep. had he had posted out a call for that, and I was thinking if I ever had time because I sometimes I skim things on my phone, but I'm never back at my computer. I was going to give him my font routine. I'm not sure how it would have translated to PMO two. Um, but I'm glad he got this. So in this whatever he got, it looks like it's working well. So yeah. he had to make make that font up completely, right? Yeah. On the original Apple II, the Apple II had two high res modes: HDR and HDR2. HDR2 was basically just a 280 by 192 graphics screen. HDR did uh, 280 by 160. Is that right, Mark? Is that the one that had like the four uh, lines yeah. of text on yeah, the bottom? Yeah, four lines of text four on the text. bottom. Yeah. So the the original Apple II version left the text mode on the bottom, so it could just print text as regular text was fast. Of course, yeah. we don't have that on this MC10 or on the Coco, so that has to be done drawn with graphics commands. But it's it's a real cool port, and it's it's like I said, it was the very first graphical Dungeons and Dragons game I played on anything ever. So to me, it, it this has a lot of nostalgia for me, and just seeing the exact same shapes that I played back in the Apple II in the day, like 1980, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. And here's his blog. So he's okay. Go here. You can see a couple of the other. Uh, I think he's got a treasure chest in the upper left corner. He's got a giant rat in the upper right. He's got the. Oh, he's doing this for retro challenge too. That's cool. Yeah. Little gremlin. I think the gremlin and the thief. I remember both would steal stuff off you, so you had to worry about that. It's actually, given the fact it was a, a basic program that did the whole thing, and it, it was quite an advanced game for the time. And like I said, it, it started the Ultima series. This was the start of Lord British and, and you know, Richard Garriott. So. And Neat. he was a high schooler. I think he was 16 or 17 when he wrote this. Wow. Yeah, pretty young. So the Ziploc Bayes. Wow. The seal in the freshness of how awesome it is. And here's the um, Balrog, which actually is kind of duplicated in Dagrath as one of the big monsters on the later levels, too. Neat. Can you click on that to make it any bigger? If it's, is it possible? Uh, no, unfortunately, it's not. Okay. Looks like their actual size. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, Balrog. He's got a scepter and a book. Yeah, I, I don't know why, but I kept pronouncing this one backwards when I was playing Bruce's game. I was calling it the Barlog. So uh, yeah. I guess I'm getting You're dyslexic. You're just thinking of having drinks. That's all yeah, that's going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. That's a word that plays well to my dyslexia. Uh, so. <laughs> okay. Anyway, it's a, it's a really interesting project. He's still kind of working on it, getting rid of the um, the bugs and stuff. He's tracked a few down over the last while. So he's got, I think he's on his 10th or 11th internal testing release at this point so i don't know if it's finalized yet and this one our very own matchy from the chat who's actually in youtube chat and i wish he could join in to give some details on this he did uh, a couple of tessellation terrain map demos here he does some coco 
one and two stuff early on, and then he switches over to Coco three. Now, from my understanding, these are sped up literally thousands of times what they run on the real Coco. So this is not the speed you can expect on the real thing, but it's a way of drawing 3D terrains with you know shading for the height and depth of terrain. So here's doing a semi-graphics Coco uh, one and two one. Okay. Then he's doing a low res like P mode. Man, that's really fast. Whatever. Is that is that is that the actual speed on the Coco, Curtis? Oh God, no! This is way <laughs> slower. <laughs> Look how cool that is, though. Yeah. It's like a heat map. Like the calculations are still can be done on the Coco. They just won't be anywhere near this speed. Yeah. Evil is here. Yeah. Um, now this next batch here, there's a, a guy who's calling himself Pet Sass JLM One on YouTube, who's he plays games on all platforms. That really rolls off the tongue. Yeah, it does. It's easy to memorize <laughs> spell, too. Um, but he's just started using XROAR to play a bunch of the Dragon 32 games. Okay. Um, and he's been playing in alphabetical order. Now, you can tell he's never used a Dragon before. He's got a very basic understanding how to even load cassettes on it. So there's been quite a few videos he's played. And he can't figure out what's going on, and then he just quits. So he's done a few that are... Uh, I like this guy. Of... <laughs> <laughs> I'm man after your own heart. <laughs> what the hell am I doing here? What the hell am I doing? Screw this game. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll after all. I died. Forget it. The only thing is missing like from your videos game. of rage quitting is that he actually doesn't have his own mic turned on, so you don't uh, have to hear him rage quit. He just okay. <laughs> so, anyway, I, he's done a few that he actually has figured out basically how to play the game. So some of these we've seen before in the past, so I'll just kind of just show a couple here. I won't play the videos except for any that you guys want me to play a little bit of video up. So backtrack, we just covered this one a month or two ago, if I remember. That's a kind of top view 3D. Well, let's Your see it. I don't, I don't remember it till I see it. And by the way, Mark Mark D. Overholzer, so thanks for the play-by-play, -play, putting the links in the live chat. That too loud? A little bit. Cursor keys plus M for map. Yeah, and this game allowed you to use it to find the keys. So if you wanted to change okay. the arrow keys or whatever, you could. Okay, gotcha. Squirt a bit here. Oh, I don't remember that. I wonder if that was one of the episodes you weren't here. So if you listened to it, you wouldn't have seen this. No, I don't remember seeing this before. That's really cool looking. Yeah, the, that's the that's perspective. perspective is really cool. Yes, yeah, so you have a time limit. You have to gather keys in the right numerical order. So the keys are labeled one, two, three, four. Oh, and there's your map. And you have to gather them in the right order and then get out of the maze. There you hit a wall. Okay, that's really cool. And you can hear footprints. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is one of the better dragon games that was innovative, unique, and we never saw in the Cocoa World. So this, yeah. this is part of the vast library we should start covering at some point. Yeah. You're going the wrong way, dude. All you have to do is do an about face and go straight up four clicks and then turn right. Um, well, he hasn't got the keys yet, so you can't. Oh, you have to get the keys. Oh, yes. I see. I thought those keys on the side meant he had the keys. No, that's they're yellow right now because you haven't found them yet. Ah, you I see. Get, okay. And they're numbered, so you have to get them in the right order. You can't pick up. Oh, man, that's that's freaking evil. I would There's key three. Which you can't get. There's key two. <laughs> I won't let him pick it up. And that's a dead end. That's evil. That's just evil. <laughs> I would totally rage quit this. And there's game. multiple levels that get bigger as you go and stuff. So it's it's a cool game. Yeah, yeah. That 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 is a really cool perspective. 
Yeah, very well done. And it's low res too. It's like P mode zero or one or, or one, I guess. Okay, but it works. It serves the game well. Yep. Another one he did was Balldozer. Hmm. <laughs> Ball. Ouch. Which is Ball a clone dozer. of Arkanoid. Oh, okay. This looks like it was done with the arcade game designer or something. Okay. Or a specky. It, it kind of does look that way. It's, it's a black and white game, so it's 256.182 black and white. But it uses the, it quite well. It has a little bits of shading for the bricks and stuff. Uh, it has the lasers and stuff, too. So I like how he thinks himself. Oh, look at that. That is cool. That is very cool, the shading. That pattern. Yeah, that's kind of what you had to do on the Mac, you know. So they're you exactly know, uh, yeah. so the original Mac Classic had to do this. So you had all those shading patterns. Oh wow! Nope, it's too loud. No, that's fine. I was, I, just, okay. I was surprised when I heard the sound. Yeah, no, that's neat. Does it automatically stick, or is he does he have the catch? No, he's got up? the catch turned on. He, okay. he gets a laser a little bit later on too. So okay, yeah, very very Arkanoid-ish. Yes. The levels, like he only has the first two levels in this video, and they're identical to the original Arkanoids. I think he followed the original Arkanoid maps. Okay. Just like yeah, I really movie. like that um, that background, like that. And Arkanoid had like different tile set backgrounds too, anyways. So. Yeah. Um. But this is one of the times I've seen like a Dragon game. Like one thing the Dragon didn't have was artifacting colors the same way we did. Right. But this, is, when looking at pure white, like this would be one that works well. Yeah, yeah. The first thing, yeah. RGB monitor on a Coco Three, which doesn't do composite color either. Right. Yeah. The first thing I thought when I saw this was, you know, this looks like a Mac Classic style game. You know. Yeah. So fast forward to find some lasers. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, the speed seems pretty good too. Now that it's moving. Good, good sound effects. Yeah, absolutely. I'll just fast forward to level two here. Down to the last brick. That's always a pain. Or it can be. Oh, you just did a little palette shift there, uh, the screen mode flicker yep. for a second. Yeah. And now you got the ones that you have to hit twice, so you yeah. notice it kind of cracks up. Yeah. You've also got two indicators in the upper left, which I, normal Arcanine does not have, because you have your power-up, your current active power-ups are actually listed in those two little black okay. boxes. If you have a laser, you get an L or whatever. E for catch. Those down arrows Excellent. slow down the ball, so it's actually got a few little bits that aren't in the original Arcanine game. That that indicator I quite like actually. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, this yeah. this level looks like level two of Arcanine too. Yeah. Yeah. So that was one. Yeah, that's neat. Beanstalker is a clone of Load Runner. Man, there's so many games in the Dragon that we've just never seen. It's like a whole other world. It's almost like they're in a completely different country or something. You know? That fine's nice. Yeah. Well, that's nice. Well, uh, yeah, and he, he kind of changes. It's not ladders. It's like vines and stuff. So it's yeah, because the the, hence the name Beanstalk. Yeah. Oh, what happened, Curtis? There. No, he crashed it. Let me just get back here. So oh, okay. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, you see people on the uh, the Dragon Facebook page where they have like a drawer with like just like a hundred cassettes in it. I mean, just all sorts of games. Yeah. Yeah. There's literally hundreds that would never came here either. I mean, some of them have come across since and been ported. You know, keyboard controls change if they needed. Joystick ran fine on their own. So, and the sound on the Dragon was exact same as ours. So even the sound worked. Six bit DAC, yeah. Yeah, but I have to say the Dragon, as far as Coco One and Two games versus the Dragon games, I think because they never really got the Coco Three in England, the Dragon community kept going 
like into the late 80s. And some of the games have some sound and music routines in the gameplay that actually exceed most of the ones we had in the Coco 1 and 2 days. So there's some real gems in there if you really hunt for the later ones especially. And this one here is called The Bells, and it says it's a Hunchback clone. I'm not familiar with Hunchback, if that was maybe a Spectrum game or something. Yeah, I'm not sure. And it, it looks pretty hard. I won't like it, then. A Dragonfire. <laughs> oh, wow. Ouch. Don't fall, right? Yeah. But basically, there's multiple screens, and you have to go across and ring the bell. It kind of reminds me of Dragonfire a little bit. It's the thing's flying at you. Yeah. Anyway, he's he's been doing a bunch of those. He's been putting out, you know, a set of three or four probably every day or two. Um, some of them, like I said, he hasn't been able to actually get to work. He's had a few that crashed outright, but he kept the videos up. And he's got a few where he did, can't figure out the game. You can obviously tell. But uh, if you keep an eye on his page, and if Mark puts that in the show notes, there, well, you guys can like hit his page. And he plays a ton of other stuff too. So he's got like this intermixed with like PlayStation Two games and Xbox post, games and all kinds of stuff. So I posted a link to the videos. So. Those are available. Okay. Um, Richard Kelly put up this on Facebook. He put a little program to check to see if you've got a true lowercase T1VDG in your Coco. Now he's basing it on the fact that the color basic ROM is version 1.3. Now, one thing I want to ask the panel here for some people that have been around for a while, is that 100% accurate? I do know that color basic 1.3 was the last version of basic they did, and it did have some changes to handle the two chip RAM upgrades versus the eight chip, the 4464 versus the 4164s. But is that a completely accurate? Like did Tandy not sell any of those two chip cocos that did not have the T1 lowercase PDJ? That's a good question. Because I'm not sure if this, this would probably be accurate like 95% of the time. I'm not sure if it's 100% though, because I don't know if that was the case. You know, actually my uh, 3134A has uh, a 1.3 in it. I didn't try it on that. I only tried it on my 264K ones. Okay, that, you'd be a good test case then with that other one to see if that yeah, is the... because it has 1.3, but it definitely doesn't have lowercase, so... Okay. Anyway, it's a little detection thing. It tries to poke it in and, and also registers the... It's probably hard to read here. But... It's supposed to work correctly on the Coco 3 also. It does. I mean, Coco 3's underlying basic is color basic 1.3, and all Coco 3's have lowercase built in, so... Obviously, that works. Okay... There we go. Okay, um, Daniel Campos, is that the right pronunciation or Campos? I'm not sure. Luce and Luciano Scharf are in um, Brazil and they're having their retro SC and they have a bunch of uh, pictures from the show, which is actually cool. going on this weekend with all the Cocos Coco and clones. the Coco clones. Yes. Yeah. And unfortunately, some of the uh, labels aren't quite readable, but they're, they're going through like the CP, was it the 400 or whatever it was? Yep. Here's one with a bit of an odd colored. Yeah, is that an Ed Snyder keyboard? No, no, that's something else. Yes. Huh? Is it? Yes, this it one is. I think is. Uh, this one's not. But the and function you know, keys are on the right. Oh, they're on the Coco Three. Are they? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you haven't used yours for a while. Huh? How long has that been like that? <laughs> you got to step away from the MC10 for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're using a British uh, Coco 3 if they're on the other side. Yeah. But this one up here, I noticed it's actually got like a wider break key. Yeah, that's So the cool. keyboard is a little bit different, even though the case yeah. is basically the a Coco 1. The case looks like a Coco 1 case. Yeah, that looks cool. 
Here's some other clones, and including a, a motherboard actually in a glass case. You that one on the left one. almost looks like an Apple body yeah, style. Yeah, you know? it does. Yeah, they clone and those totally too. Totally different colored keys. Yeah. I and like that, the, that acrylic system there. Is that like a prototype or something? One under the in the clear box? Yeah, it's basically the motherboard of one of the clones, I think. Okay. Just hooked up so you can actually see it. There's a CP400 with its disk drives on the left. Wow. That that's... one has that actual chiclet keyboard, which is kind of funny. With the different colors. That's, that's so interesting. I think I know where Ed Snyder got his idea for his blue keys now. <laughs> <laughs> and the one on the right there out of those two, like the lower right, that's a pretty interesting one, especially with the joysticks beside it too. If those were the if that's a Coco clone with the extra keys, like the arrow keys are on the bottom. That almost looks like, like an Atari ST or something. That's a really cool yeah. looking body. So the one above it looks kind of Commodore-ish, like a C128 or something. Yeah, uh, and the joysticks of... look pretty funky too, with the green stick handles and the kind of... Yeah, really interesting thing. case designs, you know, just yeah, breaking the molds a little bit. Yeah. There they are. Hey, guys. Hello, Hello from... Bri look look at the Dragonfire shirt. That's cool. Yeah, you got Pitfall and uh, Dragonfire. Cool shirts. Thanks for sharing that with us, guys. Our, our friends in Brazil, man. That's awesome. And ah, Donkey Kong Remix. He has a video of the show that they had down there. Oh, yeah? And that is an Ed Snyder keyboard on the bottom, I think. Cause yeah, because of the gray keys and everything. Yeah. yeah. That's a CD6809. It's one of the few I could read the sign on. Hmm. Unfortunately, I don't speak the language. It looks somewhat Coco-ish, the, the case style. Yeah. They're, they're, and it's one of the clones. I'm not sure what the switch in the upper right of the maybe keyboard Maybe it's an is. LED or something. Who knows? Yeah, it might be an LED. And it looks like the brake key is actually labeled as escape in this case. Mm. There's a bit of a zoom up of the one in the glass yeah, case. Yeah, I we love seeing about. stuff like that. Those little there must acrylic. be a keyboard um, connector on the front there. Yeah. I mean, reading, reading the sign, it says it's called the CPUE from 85 to 2000 with them, which means they manufactured them way beyond when Tandy did. Hmm. Stop making them. But it does mention Color Computer 1 compatibility, I think, in the middle of that sign. So it's a, it is a Coco clone of some sort. Okay. And Ron, I think <laughs> this might be familiar to you. Yes, it is. <laughs> he asked me if he could print it. I go, yeah, I'd be honored. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. At the show. That kind of looks like the Color Computer News a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or Color Computer Magazine, yeah. Color Computer yeah. Magazine, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And this is a Codemex. That's not one I was familiar with. But that's the one you were talking about with the Escape mm -hmm. Keen stuff. And speaking of Dragonfire, there it is running. There it the is. CP4. It's running. Yeah, with the mixed colors. So it's got the whole uh, uh, Sam uh, Scanline thing going on there. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That must and there's that joystick this. on the bottom there, too, with the uh, red handle this time. Yeah. Apparently, apparently you could pick your colors on the yeah, joystick the, handles. Ed Snyder has been busy. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a zoom up over there. It's funny that that one, which has one of the more professional looking cases and the joysticks are definitely a nice and unique design. Yeah. But it actually still had the chiclet keyboard while all the other clones, which look a bit more lower end, actually have full keyboards. Yeah, really interesting. There's the old table again. So. Yeah, it was kind of neat, too, when Diego brought us some live coverage from uh, that one that he had over there in, in Ecuador, too, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we had a lot of uh, coverage. Paul hey. Shoemaker. Now, is is he Paul still, still on the call? 
came back. Hey, he's back. We're just in time to cover your tease here, Paul. Mm. Yeah, uh, watch the audio on that one. I didn't realize it was recording my my iTunes when I was <laughs> <laughs> when I was capturing the screen. So uh, about a week ago, I thought about um, Oregon Trail, and you know, I just was looking around and thinking about different. Um, different games to to do and you guys know i i kind of got a little bit started on castle wolfenstein and then i, I bounce around and mostly I, I i really enjoy sort of recreating the graphics and so i almost almost always start with a title screen so um i found a good site that has you know a bunch of screenshots and of course going out to the apple emulator to um kind of see how the 1985 version of Oregon Trail looks and plays, and um, the 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 I guess the development team that the I can't I don't I can't remember the fellow's name, but the guy who li who led the development team for the 1985 version of Oregon Trail when they wrote it on the Apple initially, he actually has a book. I think the book is called like Mary, You Have Died of Dysentery or something like that, and. Um, in the book, he really provides from, I haven't read it, all of it yet, but I've seen um, articles and excerpts from it, and it's available on Amazon for like six bucks, so I'm going to get it. But he actually kind of goes into the detail, or it looks like he does, into how he um, wrote it and how they designed it and kind of the way the flow of the overall program works. And so I've, I've started with the, the, the graphics and have gotten, that's... I don't know. That's probably not even half of the wow. screens that I need to convert over. How are you doing that? What's the process to get those images from something to the Cocoa? Yeah. So I, I actually, what I do is I go out to the Apple emulator and I run the game, uh, you know, I run it until I get to the screen that I want. And then I actually use snippet on windows 10 and I grab the screen and I, you gotta okay. make sure it's in, it's in green. Um, so that it shows the actual offset pixels to get to the artifact. Okay. And then I, I have a, um, I take a, a screenshot of that. I paste that screenshot into an Excel spreadsheet that I, I created a kind of a five, four or five tabs on an Excel spreadsheet that actually is just a grid with a bunch of zeros and ones. And so I, I, copy the, the picture on it, I change it to transparent, and then I literally go through and put zeros and ones in my spreadsheet where where the pixels are either on or off. And then I've got a series of tabs that converts those into um, bytes, equivalent and into the bytes, and then into the FCB statements that I just copy and paste into an assembly, a little assembly language program that I wrote and boom, there it is. So do you preserve the artifacting colors across that way too, or? That's how that's how I make sure that the artifacting colors are, are, are preserved. Now, of course, the Apple version, um, I'm not an Apple guy, but I recognize they have some way to get two different versions of the artifact colors. They can yeah, you can add and, the green purple if you right. offset with the first bit on the byte. And... Right, and they those have are a... The, those are the primary colors. There's purple and green and blue and orange. Those are your colors besides black and white. Yeah, so the, yeah. The artifact colors are derived with, you know, adjacent colors or with uh, dithering. Okay. So it's the same way that it works on the cocoa, basically. But with the cocoa, you don't have the, you don't have that option of choosing, um, you know, the green purple versus the green the and orange. purple. Yeah. 
and it, and it looks like on the Apple, you can actually, you, there's some way that you can select it by bite. If you want that, that bite to be orange and blue or, you know, pink and, and green or whatever the other one is, purple and green. Yeah, if I remember correctly, Mark can correct me if I'm wrong here because I'm, I'm going by 40-year-old memory here, but I think you, you, your bite seven bits were pixels and pixel mm -hmm. colors, and the 8th bit actually did which of those two phase sets yep. for the base right. colors. So there's, a, there's a single, there's a set one and set two. Okay. And so in set one, you have black and white, and then you have, um, uh, I think it's uh, purple, not purple, um, purple and blue and then when you switch this the eighth bit then it goes to the second black the second white and then the green for the purple and the orange for the blue so and because of the way it works also with the even odd it basically it's difficult if you want to make a graphic and put anywhere on the screen you have to literally have seven different bitmaps so it can work in any position so very complex yeah <laughs> and annoying <laughs> it seems that way. So, so th this one, of course, will only have the the the, the blue and the ready orange mm -hmm. uh, artifact colors that the cocoa does. But so I'll, I'll start with the with converting all of the screens, and then I'm going to um, look into those into the books. And um, one of the other fellows, scroll if we scroll down, I, I think maybe it was Rick. Yeah, Lee. Lee. Yeah, sorry, Lee Lee Perkins. Um, it. it I, I and I noticed this on Discord a while back that he had started there. I think there's even a thread on Discord where he yeah. had started um, going through this, and so he was very kindly shared the information that he had compiled um, that was uh, helpful and pointed me to even some more information as well um, that I'm going to use. Now, what I don't have, and I'm not sure if it's out there or not, but what I don't have is like the actual source code for the Apple version of it. There's it seems to be a mix of of Apple Basic and um, assembly language subroutines, and even reading some of the excerpts of that book that I was mentioned, they they indicate that that's the way that um, that they wrote that, which is perfect for me because that's really the only way I know how to do it is mostly Basic with assembly language subroutines. What is the actual drift of the story of Oregon Trail? It's uh, getting your wagon and your your five family members from. <laughs> from one side of the country to another and you have to cross over rivers and you have to go uh if you run out of food you can go hunting um you can stop at diff different forts along the way and then i guess um, um and buy stuff or and, and, and buy stuff yeah it was hugely popular in the late 80s and yeah. early 90s in yeah. school. you can die of dysentery yeah yes you can so <laughs> when you develop this uh you're going to have like a Rondelvo beard with it, or yeah, I think I think the daughter got herpes on the way too. I don't remember, oh, but uh... well, that may be a different version of the origin. <laughs> that's the wild, wild west yeah, version of it. Wild, yeah. wild west. Get a nice, a nasty case of syphilis. I mean, it's just the. It was... Yeah, you visit Madame Rosa's massage parlor, which she links with another cocoa game, and. Yeah. Are That's you right. and Lee going to work together on this then? Because he was trying to basically do the same thing. So I was, are you guys planning on combining or was, he kind of paused his project? Or what? You know, I, I it looks like he had started and then stopped. And, you know, he noticed he noted in his, his message there that, you know, he had real life that um, kind of uh, took his attention away as it does sometimes. And so I, I haven't reached out to him yet, but um, I've definitely looked at his inf at, at his material. And he was taking the approach of of kind of disassembling and documenting the um, the Apple version, which which would be which would be really really helpful as well, just to even see how the assembly language subroutines work. 
Um, my approach was going to be a little bit more reverse engineery, where I was simply going to play the game and look back at the original source code, which was written in the gosh, late 70s, maybe even early 70s, um, and was initially released in creative computing. And so I found that old um, magazine article and printed all of that out. And so um, what I found out this morning, though, was this 1985 version, which is really the version that everybody thinks of when they think of this game, yeah. is um, has some substantial differences. Like that, that team that wrote that, um, did they added things that weren't in the original, and they also removed things that, that weren't in the original as well. So it's, um, it's going to be a, a little bit of me maybe trying to figure out how to mimic the uh, um, what what uh, what the team did as opposed to you know actually like looking at the source code and just rewriting it for a coco which I can't do. Okay. And this will all be an OS nine. <laughs> of course, everything's an OS nine. <laughs> yeah. Ease you know, we can of use. <laughs> uh, Dallas Quest is is that it in OS nine or no? No, that's no. Uh, okay. Arkansas. But um, Interbank Incident is an OS9 as an example. Okay, so um, are you thinking of something like uh, how uh, that, that is, uh, you know, having a half the page with uh, graphics across the top and the bottom half for directions and stuff? Well, it, it's sort of in as much as there it is going to be a mix of high-res graphics and then the text is going to have to be text on the high-res graphics screen like um, Dallas Quest is, but it's not an adventure game like Dallas Quest is. Like you're not going to type go south and get gun and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's actually more of a, a slideshow. No. It's more menu-driven, isn't it? It's kind of yeah, like, here's it's, your it's, options, pick it's one. It's more menu-driven. You decide things like how well you want your part, you know, your, your family to eat and whether or not you want to stop and go hunting. And then if you do stop and go hunting, it actually pops up like a little mini arcade game where you have your little guy and the, the different animals will come running around the screen and there's trees and you have to, you know, I guess shoot around the trees and everything. That's probably going to be one of the most interesting and, and difficult things for me to replicate. And then there's another one where I guess you can float your wagon down, down the river, and it's, it, it's very reminiscent of uh, Ganabuana, of that of that one part in Ganabuana where you're taking the your paddle kind of going upstream. So it's um, it's it's very much a mix of a little bit of strategy and some art, little like mini games, some mini arcade game type of an approach. Cool. Yeah, we played Lee's text version. We did a live stream one night where we played that together as a group. Mm -hmm. and, no, that was uh, Chris. Oh, was that? Uh, Chris Chris Pedersen. Oh, okay. They did the uh, the uh, text version port to the Coco. Yeah, I I noticed on the um, on the Coco archive that there w there was an Oregon Trail, and it was that was, you know, that is the original version that um, that the the, the fellows, you know, the teachers who wrote it back in the seventies or whatever did. Is the one that that Chris did. There's a Oregon Trail channel on our Discord server that has all the stuff documented in it. So, hey, so there you go. Thought, did you it, think it, about changing the name and making it original, like you know the the Arizona desert? Or, <laughs> <laughs> you know? No, I I mean part of what well, I enjoy doing is 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 trying to like my intention is to try to bring a game to the Coco that was very popular but was just never released. Um, interestingly, I think we were mentioning David A. L. or A. H. L. However you say, it. I think he wrote 
Uh, all? Al? Yeah, all. He wrote a uh, one, uh, another basic one called Westward Ho that um, I guess he was um, kind of a, a slight reimagining of, of uh, the original Oregon Trail, but it's completely text-based like the original one was as well. Yeah. And how and would, you, how would you spell that? Westward Ho? H-O? H-O-E. Just H-O-E. <laughs> H-O-E. You're thinking like Stevie now. That's a... Yeah. I should mention, too, I mean, Oregon Trail is based on historical events because it was a trail to get to. Was it California they were trying to get to, if I remember? Or, or Oregon, I guess Oregon, I think, technically, right. but they were trying to cross the mountains and everything else, you know, to I migrate. I feel slighted so. now. Oh, <laughs> oh you're why, out California. Why does anybody want to get into Oregon? Wouldn't you want to get out? <laughs> uh, back then. Actually, when they started, a lot of people were headed for Oregon. And then when there was gold discovered in California in the 1840s, then they kind of forked off and there's a trail that comes off. I can't remember. It's when it goes through Salt Lake and winds up in California. Yeah, and but, but the mortality rate on this journey was pretty bad in real life. In the, it was oh, 1850s, yes. I think, this happened originally? Yeah, well, it started back in the 1840s originally, 1836, I think, and then a clear through till the Civil War, basically. Is that where the umbrella was discovered? The umbrella? No, we don't use umbrellas out here. We're we're real men. <laughs> so you don't eat quiches either. Uh, well, maybe in Portland. Okay. <laughs> they also have uh, free range coffee and chickens. Free range coffee. Of course. Oh, now I'm interested. I'm gonna have to go visit. Is, is that the kind there, where it goes through the monkey? <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about at this point. I know what he's talking about. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's not a monkey; it's a cat, I think. But, oh, world's yeah. most expensive coffee, too. Yeah. And it comes yeah. out of a yeah, monkey's it's butt. A cat. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. Just they're right. Come on, Steve. You, you know this stuff. I you? honestly, I, I did not. But thanks for enlightening me. So, sure. I do have the Rondo of a beard back on though. Yeah. Anyway, on to something slightly less risque. <laughs> That's no fun. <laughs> Did this go through a cat? This next clip, or uh... <laughs> so uh, our friends at Retro Arcade Gaming there have done one of their port battles between the machines, uh, this time for Space Invaders, and this time the Coco and the Dragon make multiple appearances on it. So they picked on the Coco side, they picked the uh, P Mode Four later version of the Space Invaders that Spectral Associates did, which wouldn't have been my choice for the best of the Coco One Two clones. I would have picked the Marcata one. Or there was another one called Super Vaders, which actually had a bunch of options and stuff. And then they picked one on the Dragon that came out on the Dragon, so it's a P131. And then they did the Transcode that Glenn, I think it was Glenn Hewitt did Space Invaders Transcode? It might have been Mark McDougal. Oh, that could be. But they actually, he saved that one for last because he said that's the one that was the most impressive to him because it's a port of the original arcade game, but onto an old 8-bit machine, not a you know an MSX or any fancier, newer machines he has on his list. So I'll just do little brief clips of each. Color Space Invaders was a clone for the TRS-80 color computer, released by Spectral Associates in 1982. Pretty good play on the uh, Coco. The sounds aren't great, but that's the case with most of these early PC releases. We're going to take a look at another uh, Coco release a bit later on. It's actually pretty impressive in my book. I think it'll actually be the last one we look at today. Yeah. Too loud? No, it's just, but yeah, this would not have been, I would not have picked this one either. No. And to be honest, I mean, there's, 
if this was originally released as a P-Mode 3, like, green background, we'll bet that's the way they originally sold it. It is one of the first ones, though. This one came out in 1981, the original version of it. Um, at the very end of 81. It was actually one of the earliest third-party games. But, yeah, there's there's multiple ones I would have picked up. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of hard to hear you over this, though, Curtis. Yeah, and it's kind of a grating sound. <laughs> yeah, it's not not the most soothing sounds. It's even worse than my voice. <laughs> That's hard to. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to be more grating than that, but they, they managed. Dragon thirty-two sixty-four, pretty similar to the uh, TRS eighty, uh, but a bit different. If that makes any sense, uh, Space Invaders was released by Micros in 1982 this one isn't bad it's not great holds its own against other computer re releases from the same era oh well, let's see it oh this is horrible <laughs> well, it's using the palette it's using yeah the Puyan palette yeah just just for Nick Morenti's because he likes that one yeah. so much well, he did Donut the Limit. He did Donut Disaster in this, didn't he? So. Yeah, well, yeah but even admitted right in the title, it's a disaster. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think he picked the best of the Coke 1 2 ones. But. No, no. Next, I can't watch this anymore. It's hurting my eyes. Okay, we're going to go skip way past all the, you know, the modern clones and stuff here until we get to the... PlayStation 2. PSP. Wow. <laughs> Dragon Bite says uh, it still sounds better system, than Dino Wars. Systems as well. I found this version and the platform to be the most interesting. Essentially what's been done here is the original 8080 arcade source code has been converted to run on a number of platforms. Needed. I had no idea about In this. this instance, yeah, this, I think this is Mark McDougall. Converted yeah, 8080 right, source code on the uh, Coco 3. This version was done by Glenn Hewlett. Oh, okay. There's actually another one or two of these by different people floating around for the same platform. Best I can tell, it's from about 2016. Looks very good. There's no sounds. Uh, I'm not sure they were actually intended to be a part of the project. This was more of an experiment than an attempt to truly replicate Space Invaders. It, it was just an experiment to see if it could be done. Other than that, it's actually pretty impressive. Looks damn good. Well, let's play it. Quit talking about it. Let's play it. There we go. Oh, yeah. That is wow. it. Yep. I'm trying to remember Mark McDougall's did his play sideways? There was one of There was one he did. That might have been Tutankhamen or something. And there was somebody did something where it was the it was the it was the transcode or the port, but it was you know the screen he didn't change the orientation, he ran it. And I remember the sound was a bit difficult because Space Invaders didn't actually have a sound chip per se. It did some weird analog thing, didn't it? Uh, that was the reason it was hard to emulate, because it mm. doesn't have an actual digital sound chip. Nick Morentes is asking where's space intruders? <laughs> <laughs> yeah no this is so this is this is the actual game so yeah, yeah. You, you can't get yeah. any better than that now were these definable characters or were this was this bitmap on the original hardware do you know because i don't know because looking at the uh the way the bombs are falling it does look like it is on a per pixel bitmap the way it's breaking the um 
your your shelter, your protection there. But I'm wondering if the characters were done as full bitmaps or if they were maybe, you know, like basically fonts that could be displayed on screen. Well, the way yeah, they're like moving, the they look like bitmaps to me because they're not... Yeah, they're not they moving a character of, cell. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. And I mean, we've got a couple of good trans codes now. We've got like Pac-Man and we've got Donkey Kong and Space Invaders. Student Common was pretty far along, though not done. I, I don't know what's happening with Defender lately, but he was he was pretty far along in that one too. So Yeah, it looked like he was making a, a ton of progress on that, but then I haven't really seen anything on Defender in quite a while. Yeah, I know he was hitting a problem where he was having issues with it keeping up at a certain subroutine, so I suggested just switch it to a 6309 because that's going to just become more popular anyway. Yeah. So. Solves a lot of the time problems. Ask Nick. <laughs> Ken Record says, just say pew, pew, pew as you play. Pew, 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 pew. Pew, 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 pew. UFO. Woo, 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 woo. Yeah, just digitize those voice sound effects you can. You'll just throw it in the game. Yeah. Very cool. And now, since Nick Morota suggested this one here actually during the show i'll let him explain nick Morota. so we got this first but you can explain nick? yes so this is actually on the mc10 page uh somebody posted i i believe um ron said it was from the cover of a, ma a magazine i think this might have been for one of the radio shack catalogs this might have been a promotional piece from uh this from, was uh, from on, uh, the trs80 micro, micro computer news. News? okay so micro ron, computer ron, news yeah so Ron, Ron posts random stuff, which I think is pretty funny. And, and, you know, he just asked, you know, he wonders if how old this girl is now and if she still has her MC-10. Because uh, <laughs> Ron's going to get her on the show as a future yeah, interview. So. With, with Fletcher, yeah. So, <laughs> so the, thought I, the part I thought was really funny was if you scroll further down, somebody actually recreated the setup of the MC-10 with the same, the manual, the pen, the cup of pens, the exact, the same TV, the same, the recorder. Yeah. So I, this was, I just thought this was really funny. How yeah, that's, actually, Matt Witt did that a while ago. Matt yeah. Witt recreated the uh, the ad. Yeah. So and he actually has good. all the original period piece stuff like the TV. Yeah. Actually and the only difference here is this is the actual picture on an actual TV where in the magazine it was like superimposed, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, the uh, artwork was uh, basically put in yeah, post. There's a bit of discussion how you, in the back in the day we could have played with the tint on a TV to actually make more colors if we wanted to. Because uh, <laughs> I found if I, I just kept banging my forehead with a blunt uh, object, I saw lots of sparklies and extra colors too. Actually, taking a magnet to the CRT also. <laughs> it's, cool. it's funny when I did that, I started to hear new colors. Is what, I was doing. <laughs> what does magenta sound like? <laughs> what does it smell like? Uh, <laughs> so I, I just thought it was. I thought it was funny it smells how like a C sharp. Uh, that is cool. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 here we are showing the MC10 some love here on Coco Talk. The there MC10. was no uh, one thing I might say. Is uh, anybody programming on that when they were her age? No problem. Anybody programming that on that screen when they're in their 40s or 50s or 60s might find it a little bit tough. Yeah, it's like a mobile phone screen size. Little tiny kid. Yeah, because right. if you look there, if you look on that one, you see how much bigger the picture looks like it's taking up almost the whole TV. But when you look at it on a Matt, Matt Witt's one, um, it's like. You know, like much twenty, smaller, yeah, twenty yeah. percent. Well, yeah, the border leaves so. so much border. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, I thought nice. it was, I thought it was pretty humorous how you recreate. Objects on screen are larger than they appear. So uh. <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I, one other thing, I don't. I didn't have the link handy. Actually, maybe I do you run a different window. You're not a member of the MC10 group. I don't have an MC. They don't we like don't can, let them. They don't like Canadians in. in there. Yeah. Well, you could be no, a we don't member. Let him in. He's not cool. Don't enough. you want to support them? Push on that bar. Hit that like and subscribe button now. Hit the bell so you know when new content is available. I guess I should, shouldn't I? Yes, you should. Join the group. Come on. All the cool kids are doing it. Oh, uh, It is a microcolor <laughs> computer after all. Uh, <laughs> that's good. There you go. The answer is what? <laughs> Duh. Uh, a bit of a sad note here. Um, uh -oh. For people who have been going to Cocoa Fest for years and years, you might remember a Texan by the name of Dave Kelly. He used to have this nice big handlebar mustache. Uh, he was a really nice guy. He used to visit with all of us. Uh, he wasn't a programmer per se. Uh, he was more of a user, but he always gave encouragement to all the developers and stuff. And he hasn't been to Cocoa Fest in a, quite a few years. And he was having heart, uh, breathing problems and stuff the last time I did see him at Cocoa Fest back in the you know early 2000s type thing. So I think it just his health deteriorated. But he passed away this past week. Oh. As a, uh put up a little thing on, on various groups. I think he even put it on the I'm a Coconut too. So they've got a... The picture of him there is from way, way back. So he doesn't—he didn't look anything like that when I when I knew him. So I didn't. I don't see the picture. picture. No, I'm not showing it right now because, oh. like, I I, he, I I didn't recognize him from the picture Tony put up. I've never seen him when he looked like that. Because oh. um, he has a big bushy beard, you know, that rivals yours there. Mm-hmm. But it, I wouldn't have recognized him if somebody hadn't told me. But anyway, just a sad, sad thing because he was very supportive of the cocoa market. He used to come up with a couple other Texans too, uh, including the guy that has the uh, Cocoa Cereal Number One. Um, I'm trying to remember the name. John Donaldson was another one that came up with them. And uh, there's there's basically four that always came from Texas every year that I knew of. And uh, that's just unfortunate that he passed away because he was a he was a good friend. And this next one will be a segue into a discussion. Um, our very own Nick Moroto, who's now got two stories on this wow. week, so he's just getting right up there. I'll have to retire soon. I'm now published. <clears throat> yeah. Published. Uh, he did a conversation starter, as Facebook labeled it, which is actually appropriate in this case. Are there any arcade ports or clones thereof that you'd rather play in your Cocoa than on any other platform, including MAME, which, of course, has arcade-perfect gameplay? And he said, as an example, for me, I play Blizzard Bait all the time, and I don't really play Joust. And then we kind of got into the discussion there. There's people mentioning things. And then there's also, you know, some that just feel better or the gameplay dynamics are a bit better than the arcade was, even though the graphics, obviously, unless you're playing Coco 3, wouldn't even be close. Um, and then just getting discussions of that. And I, I mentioned a few, too. So I thought that would be a good open panel discussion here. Um, what, what do you guys think? I mean, one that I picked and I put in there would be uh, Draconian. Because it's based yep. on the arcade game Bosconian, but it added the whole element of having to rescue astronauts. And to me, that made the game infinitely better. So I much prefer playing the Coco version than I do the... I would agree with that. And I think, uh, Nick, you'd mentioned the Joust and, and Buzzard Bait. Now, personally, yeah. I, I prefer Lancer because I think the flight feels more flighty to me. But I'm just wondering, other people on the panel here, what, what, what games do you prefer playing gameplay-wise or for whatever reason and maybe explain the reason if it's it's something different of uh coco games versus the arcade you know as far as those jousty type games i think my favorite was always pegasus and the phantom riders as opposed to buzzard bait um or the other one it, yeah, it, even though i know pegasus it, friends, yeah. even though it, i know it there was not a pegasus and the phantom riders in the arcade game but as far as the joust kind of clones go, yeah that was that was one I, that i always really enjoy 
my family uh, really liked Pegasus. Uh, we played it a few months ago, and um, I don't think they would have reacted nearly as much if it was uh, Joust. I mean, Pegasus is really creative. I did like the way that on Pegasus, as you advanced levels, the uh, scenery changed. Mm -hmm. like the, changes, um, the things the came closer. Eating things. Yeah. There's, there's all kinds of crazy stuff happening. Well, and, and when the horse changes, uh, you know, views or whatever, goes from left to right, it actually shifts over. Yeah, turns. As opposed to just, yeah, just Yeah, kind of over. rotates, yeah. Yeah. That was a nice touch. I thought so. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there were definitely Pegasus fans out there for sure. Yeah, I, I actually enjoyed playing Donkey King for the longest time, too. That was a fun game. Um, Zaxxon was great. Um, this is my favorite game. Defense. Polaris, I enjoyed Polaris. Yeah, I love this game. What, which is that one? a clone of Defender? That's the one. Yeah, it's 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 a clone of uh, Missile Command, like the Atari Twenty Six Hundred version. Oh, yeah, central base. So much better. Yeah. I think I've seen that one. One of my yeah. favorite games was Tap. I think it was called Tapper, where you uh, Tapper. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Brewmaster on the Coco. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Software. Right, and now, and interestingly enough, though, like I would say, one of my favorite original games was Double Back, and that that wasn't necessarily inspired or derived from an arcade title, but it was a game I played quite a bit on the Coco. Uh, as as it's been pointed out, there actually is an arcade game that has this basic same gameplay, but it was actually produced a little bit after, uh, by a few months of the same year uh, as Double Back. In fact, they, there's some speculation maybe the author at Atari actually saw it. It was a vector game. Okay. Uh, that's kind of the same thing, circling shapes type thing and getting points. Yeah, I'm trying and to Donkey remember. King, I have to agree. That was one I, I like the arcade game was viciously hard and Donkey King was viciously hard, but Donkey King was a little bit easier in the arcade, so I preferred it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was the killer Donkey Kong clone back in the day. I wouldn't say that I had a favorite Coco Pac-Man game, honestly. I don't think no. there was any Coco, at least, uh, you know, before the Coco 3, like Nick Morenti's and Pac Dude Monster Maze. But on Coco 1 or 2, there were a lot of, I mean, they were good. Then they weren't, none of them sucked. But I, I don't remember playing Pac Man for hours and hours. Pac Man to me is a real one dimensional style game. You know, um, even though it was immensely popular in arcade, I didn't play a lot of Pac Man clones on the Coco. Um, I know Miss Maze was pretty good with the, you know, the the music and stuff and it's pretty and faithful four, four mazes and yeah but uh i wasn't i wasn't a coco packer you know as far as playing pack pack me like, style games i like cashman too i like yeah cashman was great time bandit was a good one although again not yeah. not based on an arcade um but just ones that come to mind um is, the, is canyon climber based on an arcade game or is it kind of a uh, its, its own thing it's kind of donkey kong a little bit Spire. right yeah, yeah. And and like, it's yeah, interesting. Steve, Steve was talking about that just the other night. You know. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, uh, to me, is especially the first two screens absolutely are inspired, if not completely ripped off from Donkey Kong. You know, where you where you're putting the 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 little TNTs down. That's like right. the, those are like the, the rivets. rivets. Yeah. yeah. And then um, the jumping and the, doing the ladders. That's like your barrels face. So to me, there's it's going to be really hard. You would I would need to see a DNA test to tell me that that was not uh, somehow related to Donkey Kong. Now the third screen was different. 
But the third screen is really the least interesting of them all anyways. You know, it's just a bunch of jumping, pop, 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 pop. Um, is you know, jump and avoid getting a rock on your head. Um, I would say that was a Donkey Kong derivative. But uh, yeah. Steve Bjork said it was really inspired by a lot of different style games, you know, so. Yeah. One one I'll pick is like a, the, the, we had various asteroid clones and the one Star Blaster by Jim Kearney actually was kind of a hybrid of Star, the original Asteroids and Asteroids Deluxe because it added shields and stuff to it. Okay. So that one I liked better than the original Asteroids game because it added a few extra gameplay elements. And it played very smooth. It had very smooth rotations. I think it had 32 or 64 rotations. It was more like the vector game than a lot of the games that just been like, you know, just here's 8 or 16. Yeah. It very yeah. gradual. And I'm just going through the comments here. And you guys can comment on each of these uh, as I bring them up because these are comments from the people on Facebook answering this, this same thread. Um, Sean M. W. Wheeler says he'll take the Koga games Storm Arrows and Juno over the arcade games Targ and Juno first, respectively. I'm not familiar with Juno. No, me but, neither. Uh, Targ, Targ and Storm Arrows, I do remember. Um, Storm Arrows played a bit faster than the arcade game, if I remember correctly. I haven't played it in a while. I'm not familiar with that one, but hearing when you say Storm, it makes me think of the uh, Tempest clone, and that one was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Buzzard Bait has been mentioned by uh, Richard Kelly and Panzer. Um, How about Battle Stations? What is that? That was. That's the Battleship board game. Battleship, isn't it? yeah. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, that, that was, was good. It was different play mechanics. So. Uh, the uh, the 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 uh, marble marble maze was good too. You know, Starfire is really good, and I think that's probably pretty close to a Defender clone. That's the Greg Zumwalt one. Yeah, that's. Nope. The... No, that uh, Starfire was by Intellectronics, right? Harvey Brofman or whatever? Maybe I'm saying it wrong. Uh, Starblaze. Sorry, Starblaze. Starblaze. Okay, yeah. That's yeah. Greg Zomalt. Yeah. 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 Starfire is another Defender clone, but... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we had quite a few of them. I think Steve and I went through a bunch of them on the... Yeah. I liked uh, I liked Marble Maze. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Richard Lorbieski mentions um, on the Coco 2 Zaxxon and on the Coco 3 Rampage. Oh, Is yeah. It... Rampage was really good. Yeah. Uh, Brian Palmer mentions uh, Sockmasters Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong remixes versus the real hardware. Yeah, well, they're, they're pretty well exactly the same as the real hardware. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, All versions of Battleship are better than the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. What about uh, gross? Chad... Speaking of Terry Steen, what about Balloon Fire or Grey Lady? Anybody fans of those? I am. <laughs> are they clones of anything? No, it's. Yeah. Uh... I actually, I think um, Grey Lady is a clone of an old 78 or 79 arcade game. I can't remember the name of off the top of my head, but his, his actually does look and play better than the original arcade yeah. game. Uh, Chad Edward mentions uh, Doodlebug. Yeah, that was that good. That was good. Mr. Galagani Doom. preferred over Galaga. Okay. I, I, that one, I, 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 it's it's a good clone, but it, it the, the arcade game to me is just smoother and faster. So Hu Yan, I mean, other than fixing the colors. Yeah. Uh, Sailor Man. Sailor Man was good. Great. Yeah. Yes. Coco VGA works well with all that. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Lunar Rover Patrol. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is sea easier Dragon. than the arcade game, I have to say. Sea Dragon, which is kind of a scramble. Yeah. Or Super Cobra. Um, you already see Sailor Man. Yep. Yeah, Sailor Man. Yeah. Uh, Chad Edwards said one video game party absolutely hated playing the Coco was Color Car Action because it was slow and extremely non-responsive, and he said even with a double speed poke. I never found it that bad. I actually got pretty good at it. But, hmm. uh, is that the one that was kind of like the bump and jump where you had to, or yeah. is that Demolition Derby? No, nope, nope, bump, bump, bump and jump. Bump and jump, okay. Yeah. 
And, and to be honest, there's there's going to be a 639 patch from that coming out probably in the next month or so for me. So it might be a little bit smoother. Okay. Um, that was a good game, though. I, I enjoyed it, even if it was slow. Going through scrolling, uh, more on Draconian. I would say, you know, anything by Steve Bjork was a hit. Uh, Dicom products, all those were pretty good hits. Spectral Associates, Mark, you know, Tom Mix, pretty much mostly all hits. Mark Data, all hits. Mark Data's Berserk was, was the, you know, the first Berserk that came out. That was the game. That was, yep. yeah, that was really yeah. good. Their Space Invaders was pretty darn good, too. Yep. Um, one year I mentioned, you know, we were talking about Doubleback earlier. Eric Averlock actually posted about it. He reminded me which it is. Atari Quantum. Which basically ripped off Double Back because it actually came out a couple months after Double Back, and he says I don't find Quantum at all fun to play, but I love Double Back, and I have to agree. I've tried it on Mame. I haven't mm-hmm. seen the arcade game because it's pretty rare, but it yeah, it's it's not as fun as Double Back is. So I have to agree with that. Color Baseball. I, I don't know if it's a clone of a specific version of baseball in the arcade because there were so many of them. No, it was uh, Dale. When we interviewed Dale, he said he was just the benchmark was to to have something better than the Intellivision version of baseball because everybody raved about that. Oh, yes, so, I remember the ads that yeah. George Plimpton did. <laughs> um, mentioning uh, Dave Halco mentions uh, four players at once, Gantlet 2 on the Coco 3 was always fun, cramming four people around a little monitor while two people <laughs> shared the keyboard. <laughs> I, I have done that. Hopefully everybody's, uh, if everybody's showered and had deodorant. So. <laughs> yeah, beer helped, I will say yeah. that. But, um, and then we've got that Coco 1 and 2 four-player one called Dungeons, which was actually just made recently. Yeah, Karen, yeah. Which does the same type of thing on a Coco One and Two level system. Hmm. Um, Geronimus Bendini uh, mentions Megabug, which is not a port of our arcade game, but it is a port across multiple platforms. Yeah, it's obviously Pac-Man inspired. Mega. Any any time there's a, a a game that involves a maze and dots, it's really hard to not say that that's not Pac-Man inspired. Yeah, I'm playing Judge Judy on this one. So uh, yeah. <laughs> now, very loosely inspired by Pac-Man, something like Grabber, which is an original game. Yeah, cool. yeah, that was cool. That one, once you get used to the fact you can skip through walls by switching between the mazes rapidly, which you have to do in the later levels too, then it becomes quite an interesting game because you're trying to keep track of two mm. mazes at once with monsters in each and everything else. Yeah. yeah. Um, Richard Kelly mentions Galax attacks. He preferred that over Gal- Gal- Galaxians in the arcade because it played much faster, and that was an issue with me with original Galaxians in the arcade. I mean, it was the first color arcade game. Had great sound effects. And you had those booming speakers right over your head. But it was pretty slow moving back and forth and pretty slow firing. And Galaxitex by Spectra was a lot faster. So I, I have to agree the pacing was better on Galaxitex. Anyway, that's kind of going through that's the comments. Cool. My, the, f- the first game I ever got on my Coco was Caterpillar Attack. I had gotten a cassette copy from somebody at Radio Shack. And that was, so it was my first Coco game I owned. Uh, Caterpillar Attack, not the best centipede clone for the Coco, but a very fun and playable game. Probably the one of the better ones was the Intracolor Color Pede, right? That Colored, was pretty good. Yeah, that was that great. Was, that was the best one. Uh, Slay the Neries was pretty interesting too. It kind of gave you the uh, the whole underwater motif where you're it's like centipede underwater now, where the Neries is like a sea serpent. Um, that was kind of interesting too. That was uh, that was Spectral Associates, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah it's licensed to Tandy. They yeah. sold it as a cartridge to Tandy. Yeah. I mean, the games I remember playing the most were the games that were also very popular in arcades. So Zaxxon and Donkey Kong, a couple of Pac-Man games. Um, um, yeah, there were so many so many good games for the Coco. It's really hard to pick a favorite. Yeah. The funny thing is, with the Coco 1 and 2, very few official licenses. We had basically five, I think, the entire first six years of the Coco 1 and 2. You had Zaxxon, Puyan, 
moon shuttle poltergeist which wasn't really an arcade game it was just a like, official licensed mm-hmm. and um cornsoft group did frogger an official licensed frogger right because they had exclusive on the trs80 versions um and that was it really because nobody could afford the license we had a ton of really good clones when the coco yeah. 3 came out we started getting stuff like you know, rampage and and then we started getting more coco 1 and 2 titles backported basically so we got like tetris all of a sudden showed up and arkanoid suddenly showed up mm-hmm. so we actually got a few but the coco 3 is when we started doing the better cross licensing but uh, we had a lot of really good original games too tons of them oh yeah double back grabber you know it the list goes on good now, times one 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 side of uh side aside here from somebody else was what was the best original coco game like as far as well, if there's or, a hall of fame at all dungeons of dagreth needs to be at the top of any list um double back as double back should be double in back, there yeah. Nah. I would myself. I'd add Grabber and Photon. Those are two favorites. Okay. Mine. Yeah, my uh, my memory and vocabulary is not as fluent on the Coco Three stuff because most of the stuff I have only played recently, only played once or twice to do YouTube's on. So I don't have like a history of memories and, and nostalgia for a lot of Coco Three games from back in the day. So my you know my gaming vocabulary is very much Coco One and Two. Um, Did you say Cashman was actually an arcade clone? Mm, no, it's, no, it's kind of Jumpman sort of. Because I would quite. put that up there as one. Yeah, Cashman was great. Cashman was very good. Um, Cashman. Well, I bet it's really good too because it actually, you know, was one of the first Tutankhamen style games. But it was actually came out. It was, it was more like Gauntlet and Tutankhamen combined, I guess. And it came out several years before Gauntlet did in the arcade. So it's like a predecessor to Gauntlet. Yeah, and it played very fast. It was very fast action. Yeah. Scrolled quickly. Played quickly. Yeah, you, I, you just you guys got me wanting to do a Coco gaming marathon tonight. So, because <laughs> I don't even have a Coco set up right now, but I think we need to we need to fix that. Uh, <laughs> yes, baby, let's get it going. Oh, we're getting well, it's just funny because I have. I mean, we, a lot of us have access to Mame, and we can play arcade perfect versions of yeah, yeah. these games. But yet, I'd, I'll still go back and play Buzzard Bait every time. Yeah, yeah, it's your go-to. Ben Ben Drinks brings up Phantom Slayer, which is one of the. It was the first third-party non-Radio Shack game I ever bought, and it just amazed me when I saw it because I'd never seen a 3D real time. Yeah, yeah. I got to say before. though, uh, you know, this this about anything Ken Kalish made was was a hit. Um, this the, yeah. the 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 production quality, the sound. To me, he was he was an artisan on every front. His his graphics, his games, his game design, and then the sounds. His sounds were so signature. Uh, you, yeah. you, you, you could tell it was, you, if you blindfolded me, I could tell you a Ken Kalish game because his, his, his sounds, it was like, that was his signature, you know, it was so distinct. Uh, yeah, and the fact out. that most of his games worked in 16K too. Yeah. Yeah. Impressive. We have a shout out for Outhouse. Phantom Slayer. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, Phantom Slayer had the biggest effect on me. That's certainly true. Yeah. <laughs> As a young Cocoist. Yeah. Did it have as much effect on you as it did with me on my, uh, on, if you've read the story on my page about yeah. interviewing Ken? <laughs> yeah. We have a well, shout out for Outhouse. Outhouse. It was interesting, yeah. And also Mud Pies, but I think Mud Pies was a clone of... Yeah, of Food Fight. Yeah, that was good. But Mud uh, Pie, uh, Outhouse was definitely the original. I thought Xenix was awesome. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's kind of like Super Galaga. Man. Now, Jim Gary mentions Daggerath is an Ultima clone. I don't know if I'd quite agree with that. Uh, Ultima in 82 would have been about Ultima 3 or 4. And they didn't have, like, the heartbeat thing and the 
the real time. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the time. first three D dungeon crawl style game, but, no, but it was the first one actually that we showed earlier is closer to. Being yeah, it was the first one on the Coco, and it was very unique in the real time aspect of it, though. The sound effects and the heartbeat and stuff like that. A lot of things like that made it very unique. Yeah. And, I mean, that's one of the few that is actually well recognized outside of the Coco world. If you talk to anybody about RPGs, that's one that most yeah, people that are really into RPGs actually know. Yeah. The Coco and it, and it's you can get it on anything. Now, you can get it on Android. You know, you can get it on PC and Mac. I mean, you can get Daggereth on anything. It's almost become like Doom, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's got a screen. Uh, I Timberman. Timberman, pretty good. Uh, we had some, we had yeah. some, we had some shout outs for Nightmare Highway, uh, you know, a few <laughs> other ones. So, um, Popstar Pilot, I guess, for an original one. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the hits go on and on and on. So, yeah, no, it's a good, good topic. I mean, uh, and this, 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 this is why, um, is anybody following that new podcast that's going to be talking about Coco Gaming? This would be kind of interesting yes. to hear what's going on. Is there any is updates? Oh, yeah. They, they live recorded three shows in a row on Friday night. Um, they did a, their general channel updates across every channel, what they were doing, uh, a lot of Amiga stuff. Okay. They did the Sinclair Spectrum one. They released the edited video for that this morning. The Coco one was recorded after the Spectrum one, so I'm assuming they're in the editing phase right now. It should be up soon. And it has Poltergeist and Sailorman. Okay, cool. Demon Seed, uh, Terry says. Yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah, a, any... Phoenix. Absolutely. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, good, 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 good discussion topic. Have we, have we beat it to death? I think so. Um, um, I do have a reminder uh, from Grant and, and Bruce here that we should remind people about the election at uh, the Glenside, Glenside election, right? In which you and can... Eric, you you probably have all the details like deadlines and how to vote and all that kind of stuff. So maybe we'll yeah. get you. Okay. Yeah, we uh, got the election coming up uh, on the tenth. You can vote now until the tenth uh, at uh, tandylist.com. Uh, I think the only position open is for president, uh, which is between John Linville and myself. Um, yeah, and I think the deadline is going to be a little bit before 7.30, so like maybe 6.30, 7, somewhere around there, because then they're going to shut down that system, tabulate the results, and start the meeting. Yeah, okay. Uh, and you will be able to vote at the meeting if you'd rather do that. Now, since you're here, and I know you did this, you did it on the mailing list and on Facebook and stuff. You kind of gave everybody a little bit of the backstory on yourself, but we've got you on the show and we've got you live. So for those who are maybe not familiar with you, uh, Eric Canales, you want to tell us a little bit about your involvement with, at least with, you know, I don't know where you want to begin, if you want to begin in, in the beginning or if you want to fast forward to how long you've been in Glenside, or, but, you know, just let, let everybody know a little bit about Eric Canales. Well, yeah, I moved to the area about two and a half, three years ago. Um, been keeping an eye on the cocoa, you know, ever since I was a kid. But um, I really joined the community about two years ago when I went to the first uh, cocoa fest that I attended. Um, and then I've been active in the uh, at the meetings and and the planning for cocoa fest over the last year, year and a half. Um, just trying to get to know everybody and you are uh, local to the Chicago area correct local to Chicago, yeah. yeah so you are actually physically attending the meetings whenever possible because yeah. you're there um very cool and I, I know you mentioned I don't remember everything you said but do you want to just share like maybe some of your plans if I'm elected I, you know I will try to do the following or uh, uh sure sure I guess uh well, well I don't really have any plans outside of what I'm you know going to do anyway which is just 
kind of listen to what everybody's feedback is and try and push the show, I think, in a positive direction. Uh, you know, just continue to plan the show like we always do at the meetings. Um, is it true that you're going to make the cocoa great again? <laughs> well, the cocoa's been great. It's still great. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, last year's um, Cocoa Fest was a lot of fun. I, I just want another fun year um, going forward, uh, especially for the 40th. Yeah. Uh, coming up here, uh, which is the 39th. Is it the 39th? Um, it's the tw- it's the 29. It's the 29th annual Last Chicago Cocoa Fest. So yeah. 40th anniversary of the cocoa mm-hmm. itself. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a pretty big deal. And Glenside is the is the club that's been bringing us Cocoa Fest for 29 years. Uh, so it's a Chicago-based uh, cocoa club, probably the longest one in, in recorded history, right? As far as uh, a color computer-specific club that's been going on for 29 years. I can't think of any other one in the world that's got that claim to fame, right? Actually, it's been around longer than that because it was around when Rainbow Fest was still going, so... Uh, Eric, we have a question from our viewers on YouTube. Uh, what is your position on the MC-10, doorstop or not? <laughs> uh, well, I have one, and I've never powered it on other than uh, to try and get it to work. There it so, is, right back there. It, yep, and, and I'm pretty sure it works, uh, but I ha- I don't know if I was just doing something wrong. Um, so eventually I hope to get it to work. Right now it's it's a doorstop. <laughs> that's one of your constituents. <laughs> you're speaking to one of your constituents here, so make sure. Well, you're... you know, I've seen the MC10 run, and it's kind of cool. Mine, mine doesn't run. Right okay. I, I think that really got Gary's you. Doing awesome stuff Gary. on it. Yeah. I've got the 16K upgrade, so. Yeah. I have one suggestion, regardless of who wins the presidency of, of uh, Glenside, uh, but for Coca Fest, I mean, one thing we have to do if if you guys are going to be president, say BCF Midwest, etc as you have to promote the fest at these other shows to get some of the other people that are vaguely interested or get interested in the cocoa coming by the Glenside booth of the other cocoa booths and yeah you know. well you know president or not that that's kind of what i want to do uh i didn't think about it this last year it was just like oh there's a table i'm sure Glenside will do something with it and then i think brian Schubring set up there and he had a, a, his display but it was it wasn't really Glenside related and people brought it up so yeah i, I plan on trying trying to yeah i know i mean when it was mentioned at the meeting because i was at the meeting the meeting before um vcf they're like yes we're going to have a table i assumed hey if well you know glenside's going to be here glenside's having a table they should be promoting the glenside club they should be promoting coca fest there should be a flyer or something or a business card or anything because there was you know 800 people there in chicago who are fans of retro computing any one of them, if they were local, would say, hey, maybe let me check out this Cocoa Club. It's another. And let me check out this Cocoa Fest, you know. So Yeah, yeah if I had known that yeah. we weren't going to do anything with that table, I, I would have done that. Yeah, yeah. So, so now going forward. So never assume, all right? So. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think what should be done is you guys should come up with a standard flyer to promote the next year's fest, whatever you know, year coming up is. And then for the other people in our community that attend the other VCFs and other shows, like say Mark and them when they go to the West one or yep. the Midwest well, or whatever, we, that we should send has, those up so they can actually print them out and have them handy to promote yeah, Cocoa Fest every year. Well, the club uh, has right nice banners. We have nice equipment we can show off. Uh, we have a lot of historical type of equipment we can display for people to look at. 
So there's no reason why we couldn't have had a really nice. Yeah, but I'm not talking just the one that's nearby Chicago. I'm talking like the ones on the West Coast and the East Coast. You guys should at least have flyers or something you could send to the people in the Cocoa community that live in those areas and attend those shows yeah. to help promote the club and say, you know, if you come to the one that Mark and, and Rob Inman were on the West Coast here by Silicon Valley, you can have a flyer saying Cocoa Fest is in you know April of 2020 or whatever. It's a whatever promotional tag you got for it. Can you have that available for March? Because I'll be going to the Pacific Northwest one in March. Oh, sure. sure. Yeah. So my suggestion to Glenside, since I have the ear of one member of Glenside, is, I mean, and better better forward thinking on ways to expand promoting the club and more importantly promoting Coco Fest. That's always seemed to be uh, something that's been a little frustrating because a lot of us who are have embraced the 21st century, we know there are effective ways to communicate and market and it seems like the Glenside Club has not really embraced a lot of these modern thinking ways of promoting itself. They're still used to, well, let's send out a newsletter to the people who already know about us. Let's Let's talk to the mailing list where people, if they're going to come, they're going to come. If they're not, they're going to not. But they haven't, I haven't seen too many sparks of, of forward thinking on how can we promote ourselves in other ways and let other people know that we exist. Because, I, I mean, if it was me, if I, had a, if I had this legacy of this 29 plus years of this club and this event that had been going on so long, I would be so proud about it. I'd want to be up on a mountaintop just singing about it, saying, come to Cocoa Fest, come to our meetings, come to our club. I would be so, you know, wanting to have the biggest megaphone possible to let the world know. And um, it just seems like the, you know, and this is not a bad thing. It's just different different points of view. But everybody in, in the Glenside, they just seem to be real laid back. And that's not a terrible thing to be laid back. There, You know, it's great to hang out. I love everybody there. But they don't seem to be motivated when it comes to, you know, promotions. you know, cross promotions, you know, they're, you know, yeah. well, and, and that's one thing I'm worried about too, is I'd like to see more people at the meetings, more people in the club. So, because we can't plan anything if there's only a handful of people. Right. And, and or to the we do plan things, it'll be what those six people want. And yeah, that's another thing too, is that if anybody wants to have a say in the club and in Cocoa Fest, your best thing is to come to the meetings. And, and as we're, as we're talking about voting in order to be, in order to vote, you must be a member of the Glenside club. And you can do that by going to the website, right? Glensidecc.com. I think it's $15 a year to be a member includes the newsletter. And then you can also attend all of the meetings virtually because they're it's basically a, an audio you know video a monthly virtual meeting um and that gives you a a voice in shaping the future of the club you don't have to be the president of glenside to be able to um improve the club and improve coco fest if you just come to these meetings once a month submit your suggestions let everybody hear these suggestions and then vote on them um you know we can we can make a change and we can right. well, we, we can we can get people to listen and we can affect positive things if people show up and if people vote. Right. Also, Stevie, yeah. um, if you attended Coco Fest as a, a attendee or yes, a right. exhibitor, you've already paid your club fees and you're in. So you have a chance. Right. right. So if you're at Coco Fest this past year, you are you are already a member of Glenside and you can vote as well. That's right. And the president, you know, the president doesn't really control much. He doesn't really vote generally unless there's a tie. Uh, the president keeps the peace and moderates the uh, meetings. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of behind the scenes work too, keeping in communication with everybody. 
making sure everything's getting done. Um, so, so if you really want to make changes and and help, uh, your best bet is to just come to the meetings. Hey, Eric, are, uh, are the meetings like Coco Talk on video? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. use they use Blue Jeans, which is basically like like Zoom, oh. right? So you can be audio or video. And yeah, so it's glensideccc.com. Check out the website. That's that's the club that for over 29 years, um, <laughs> we're gonna keep getting these Chicago references here when it comes to voting in Chicago. Vote early, vote often, right? So <laughs> from Tim Frank. You go to tandylist.com. Yep. And you either log in or you register, and you can vote immediately as long as you're a member. Yeah, as long as you're a member. E. Bruce Moore asked about the point of Glenside and the history. I think you covered part of that. But... Uh, oh, well, the point of Glenside, at least now, is to run the Coco Fest. Um, I mean, it is a computer club. You're welcome to come and uh, do demos and, and, and talk about the Coco or whatever computer. But, uh, but in general, our main priority is to focus on the Coco Fest and, um, and make sure um, you know, that everything's moving smoothly. Um, you know, the history of Glenside, I think, uh, we started, um, we started doing Cocoa Fests around 92. Um, yeah. And you guys were also the, the headline sponsor club with uh, rainbow when the rainbow fest was still going on. So you guys have been involved with it for years before that. Right. Right. So, you know, so yeah, I guess we're a fixture in the Cocoa in the cocoa world where's the word glens glenside come from uh i believe it's it's just the area uh that we're in so glenside is the town where we're located oh and it was a joke about voting often but you can actually go back and if you change your mind you can go back you can vote and re-vote you can't vote more than once last, but if you change your mind last. right and this is another thing too again if i wanted to say sit here there was a nomination all right. And again, this is just speaking to how much forward thinking has been going into a lot of things. But the, the nomination took place on the virtual meeting. So if you didn't attend the meeting, you couldn't nominate. Now, who were we supposed to nominate? Who are our list of people who to possibly nominate? Well, there was no list. So how are we supposed to know who we can even nominate? How are we supposed to know who's even interested in running for any given position? So it really boiled down to whoever was at that meeting. Uh, hey, do you want to run for this position? Do you want to keep doing the same position? It was really like there were th there were sometimes there are things that I hear and see that just kind of frustrate me. I'm like, man, is nobody thinking? You know, does anybody well, think about anything? Uh <laughs> in, the meeting, in the previous meeting, we did bring up that nominations were going to be held at the next meeting. Okay. And meeting minutes were sent out to all the members that said, hey, you you need to nominate at the next meeting. So so. I so a communication did take place, but was it was it listened to? Did anybody did anybody heed the advice? I guess right. right so right. were you know were they ready? Were you know I don't know. But um, if you were at that meeting, uh, you know you were probably ready to nominate somebody or be nominated. Um, so, but I, what I thought would have been nice is maybe uh, maybe a month or two or even three months in advance would send out a, a message to the general public saying, hey, listen, we're going to have these nominations. Who would like to run? Who is interested in running for a particular position? Here are the positions available. Here are the responsibilities of these. Who Who would like to fill these roles? I don't know that 
that was done. Again, I don't go to every meeting, so if my if I'm if I'm making statements based on misinformation, I do apologize for that. Yeah, but you know, we um, could utilize the Facebook uh, Glenside page better and have better communication with everybody. Yeah, because you you can use the elections as a promotional tool too, because you can mention you know in three months we're going to be having the the voting for the the various you know yeah uh, places in Glenside, but you can promote say you have to be a member to vote. So if you want to vote, you know, send us fifteen dollars to join, or if you've been to a Cocoa Fest, you're automatically in for a year, uh, and then actually promote people joining the club in order to vote or in order to volunteer for the, one of the positions too, if they want to want to help out. Yeah, right. not just limited Is to everybody a- that's just presently in the club and makes it onto a call. Is, is there a, a director of communications? Any um, yeah, Mark Mobley is currently that person, the newsletter editor. Okay. Is that communications or just the newsletter? Well, he does the newsletter and... Uh, the, the newsletter is pretty much the communications. Yeah, and that is our communication. He also runs a mailing list with a few people on it. And I believe he has access to a full mailing list with all of our members on it. So if he wants to send a communication, he's the person. That's yeah, he does meeting minutes and stuff too, doesn't he? The mm, that's Richard Blair. Yeah, I forget. There's, Richard there's Blair. a secretary. Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't know if Richard Blair sends them out directly, but uh, yeah, I mean, Mobley would be able to. If, if you wanted to send out a communication, Mobley's the guy to talk to. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, we love the Glenside folks, and we love the Glenside Club, and we love Cocoa Fest. But I think there are some of us who just love it so much. We just we get really overzealous sometimes, where we would love to see people a little bit more excited and a little bit more um, motivated, and putting a little bit more energy into thinking of newer things to make it, you know, bigger, better, faster, stronger. Um, it's it's not the worst thing in the world, you know. If only forty people showed up and you still came and you had a good time, it wouldn't be terrible. But I think some of us are just so excited. We just we want the world to come to Cocoa Fest. You know, we want Cocoa Fest to be a VCF. We want it to be huge. We want it to be awesome. We want it to be big. We want fireworks and explosions. You know, uh, we want Waylon Jennings playing live. You know, we want we want this to be like a, a state fair. Uh, so <laughs> we got to balance this, right? What well, we, you know, yeah. the 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 overexcited, overzealous ones, and the ones that are just like, hey, man, just we're gonna do it, and people are gonna show up, and it's gonna be fine. So, <laughs> well, and that's right. In the last two years, the Cocoa Fest was about the same size; about 120 people showed up. Uh, so this year, I'd like to see it bigger. Uh, so that means better, better speakers, better events, better planning. And more promotion. Yeah, promotion is a big thing. Honestly, even if you didn't have any speakers, if you just had the, if you just had Cocoa Fest and just had the exhibits, and everything else, it would still be a good thing to come to. I really think promotion is the big part. Yeah, and uh, any of the VCFs, that, VCFs that are happening between now and Cocoa Fest, you guys should organize with whoever Cocoa yeah. people are nearby. They're going to it. Send them some official, you know, PDFs or something that they can print out and make copies of, and you know, links to the Glenside webpage and the Facebook page and everything else on there too. To get people to know when they come by the booth. I don't know what a Coke was. Oh, it looks interesting. Hey, I'm not too far from Chicago. I might attend this type thing. Yeah, it's another vintage thing. Even if somebody's just casually uh, interested in retro systems, they might want to just pop in to see, well, here's another event. Let me check it out, you know? Yeah. Um, is there a VCF, uh, Chicago, the VCF like webpage or something or Facebook group that, that yes. you know, with their permission, we could say, hey, guys, you know, you're in the area if you're 
you got Coco Fest going on. Well, they are they are actually a sponsor too because I just checked in the VCF Midwest website and Glenside Color Computer Club is a sponsor of that. There is a their name is mentioned on the VCF Midwest website, but I don't know that that automatically translates to generating interest to attend a meeting or come to Coco Fest. It's just a name on a page. You know, um, no, I, th- I think I think in, in the hall, like at the booth itself, like when you walk by, hey, Coco, what is that? And then yeah. you see your promotion like when Mark and, and Rob and all them did that at, at the West show. They had flyers and scannable you know, QR yeah. codes and, stuff yeah. and everything else. And that worked really well. We actually had some people joining Discord and joining the Facebook group just from seeing the Coco that show had never seen one before. Yeah, that's what we Rob need to get new blood. All Rob Inman's work. Yeah, so that's the thing. So when it comes to nominating, what if I wanted to nominate Rob Inman? Man, Rob Inman's great. You know, I want Rob to be uh, the chancellor of public relations, whatever the hell it is. But what if Rob doesn't want to do the job? You know, that's the whole thing. It would have been nice to have a, a, a communication saying, here's the positions, who wants to run? And then we had a list of people interested for these positions to vote from. That's something I'd like to see in a future election, too, is a little bit more... Who are the running mates? Who are the candidates? What what is their what, you know? I, I, yeah, I think there are there are officers and then there are directors. And yeah, well, there's the four. There's really there's only four positions. There's president. There's vice president. There's secretary. There's treasurer. That's it. Yeah, I was. Yeah. So okay. Yeah, but I was looking at the the constitution the other day, and I, I believe the officers appoint directors to do certain things. Like, ah. Okay. You know. So so Rob Inman doesn't have to be elected to for them to make a director of. Uh, vcf communications or whatever he oh, does just say yeah i want to do it yeah. okay i think is that right eric am i here yeah, yeah right? the president's yeah. Yes. any any um director directorial right so if there's a takeaway from this long-winded discussion here we want to get more people involved in glenside so come to the meetings be vocal if you have suggestions um the only way these suggestions are going to be heard by the folks at glenside is if you come to their meetings i mean the fact that we're talking about it here on the air the fact that we put a comment in facebook or all these things that's not going to be heard by the people in the glenside meeting so you guys got to show up if you show up to the meetings you make your suggestions and they get voted on that's how we can influence um this positive growth or try to at least influence that you know so And we, and we have to get people, like like suggesting Rob Inman's a good example of this, of, of getting people that are in the areas where some of these other retro shows are, even if they're not officially elected to anything in Glenside, is to get them working with Glenside to promote the club. And this ambassadors, the club. you know? Yeah. yeah. Hey, Eric. Gazon or whatever you want to call it. Review your Robert's Rules of Orders also. Yeah. Hey, Eric, maybe you need to have a little corner in the Cocoa Talk to update people on what's happening at Glenside every week oh yeah yeah actually a glenside update would be i mean i don't know if we have to do it weekly because you guys only meet monthly unless something's happened between but but a monthly a little kind of summary of what happened would be nice yeah that that would have been good it probably would have solved that problem where nobody knew that we were ready for nominations yeah well it sounds like you're open it sounds like you're open to these suggestions and again and, and again when i say these things i always want to preface this that i know it sounds like we're complaining but what i want to make sure i never come across as is disparaging towards this group of people because the the fact like the fact that this club has been around for 29 years and that coco fest has been around for 29 years and these people get together these people love the machine i can't say enough good things about that so i'm not trying to paint these people as people I, that i that i'm trying to badmouth again i'm just kind of expressing for me i get overzealous and i get really excited and i just want i just wish you know, I just want more for everything, you know, growth and success and all that kind of stuff. So I don't want to undermine or 
or you know belittle all of the things that have happened it's been amazing everything that's happened and, and i've met a lot of these people i love all you guys right so you guys in chicago you're good people love hanging out with you got nothing bad to say about you but i do think as an organization there are lots of opportunities for improvement when it comes to public relations and marketing and um but again i'm, I'm guilty a I don't, lot of I, us can help yeah so it, i'm just as guilty as not making the meetings and I guess, if anything, what I want to stress, again, is that for those of you who are listening, if you are interested in helping shape the future, please make sure you join the club if you're not a member and attend the meetings and bring your suggestions to Glenside. Let the folks hear it. Let these things be known. Let these things get voted on. And we can hopefully have some positive influence on bigger, better events and a bigger, better club. We need more members in the club, too, especially if you're local. You know, we've got people leaving the state. We want to make sure this doesn't die off. We don't want the Glenside Club to fade away. We don't want Cocoa Fest to fade away. We want to keep the flame alive. So that's really the message here. And I know it sounds like I'm complaining, and I do apologize for that. But it's really what sounds like a complaint is a genuine desire for wanting to express our appreciation for this. And we just want it to succeed and continue. And we hopefully, you know, we want it to grow. You know, yeah, we so. want Glenside and the Cocoa Fest to be the best they can be. Absolutely. So. Uh, have, so what? How do we? How do we join the meeting? I mean, maybe could we just. Well, do you see the emails right now? Uh, well, you, the, it, there's a link that's po- again. For the casual viewer. Well, I right now wondering. Well, how do I get join the meeting? Well, the, well, the, the thing is, you have to be a member. You have to, to be a member. So go to glensidecc.com and join the club. Once you're a member, they do send out an email to. Um, you know, when the meetings are going to take place. They are communicated electronically. This, you know, this month's meeting takes place at this time at, you know, Brian Schubring's house. Here's the address. If you're going to drive up, here's the link to join via Blue Jeans. So the, the simple answer is, is if you're not a member, go to Glenside's website and become a member. That's uh, right. And you don't have to be a paying member. You can just, uh, you know, get added to the mailing list and see what it's like before before you committing that whopping $15. Yeah, $15, <laughs> a lot of money. Yeah, yeah commit, see, commit $15 to vote or or wait until Coco Fest and, and you'll become a member for the year. Uh, or, or put your $15 check in and you have a say immediately at all the meetings. I'm sorry, when, Bruce. When I first... When I first came to Coco Fest, I'm, I don't think I automatically got on any sort of mailing list or got anything. It wasn't until I, I, I found some, I don't even know how I found the, the link to a meeting. I found it somewhere and, and showed up and then I started getting meeting minutes and such. That's right. So. If, you're, if you're a member and you don't know how to uh, co- connect, I guess, get a hold of John Mark. And he'll he'll add you to the mailing list. Yeah, all of the uh, all of the members, you can their contact information is also on the website, Glenside yeah, CCC. Yeah. So and, uh, it, the tandylist.com too, you can sign up there and add your information, and I believe you'll be you'll be enrolled in our mailing list as well. If if you want to. Yeah. Cool. 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 Yeah, well, we want this year to be the biggest, best Cocoa Fest, and we hope every year after that is equally as good, and if not, even gooder, or even more gooderer, if possible, right? So the the Cocoa goodest. Fest 2020. 2020, that's it. Uh, all right, so have we beat that topic to death? Mm-hmm. All right, well, I'm glad, we're glad we had Eric here for that. Um, and what else? Are we ready to wrap up this show now as we're coming up on uh, three hours? Four hours. Yeah, the, only, the only thing I might add is uh, maybe we could um, promote our own show 
a day before we go on instead of an hour before or uh, less. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. Well, how about I? I would like to nominate uh, Rondell Vo as the Minister of Promotions. I've done it before. <laughs> I have. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd have to be in contact with you on Thursday night to. to well, find well, how promote it? Promote it in which? Okay. Well, here's so. What's What's the show going to be about? Oh, you mean like what's the topic? Yeah, because you know well, the usually say, uh, you know. And yeah. I think the problem is, is that sometimes if we're all too busy with real life, uh, sometimes we don't know until the morning. Right. So the be the best channel. It, well, see, that's the other thing too is that, again, it's a lot of us are verbally chatting three or four nights during the week, so we kind of already have an idea, and we assume everybody knows what we talked about, but not everybody was on that conversation. So, um, on Discord. Every every now and then we should we should post little updates in the. Um, Coco Talk Lobby, group, yeah. yeah, or the. Well, it's, I mean, honestly, for me, I don't want to have these kind of internal discussions everywhere. It's too fragmented. For me, the best way to reach me and the best way to post things is is in Discord. That because I've got it on my phone, I can check it and I look at it on my computer. So we've the Coco Talk Lobby and the and we have got some we've got some internal private planning channels where we're talking about plans that are not public yet. So we have that channel for planning. Um, and then we have um, the Cocoa Talk Lobby, which is a general channel that anybody can see and post in. Um, that's kind of where we are doing our discussions. This week, there wasn't a topic and nobody posted a topic. And so we didn't necessarily put out a message saying, hey, there's no topic. But <laughs> it just this week kind of came and gone, came and went. So in uh, yeah, but that's for planning the show. I think I think what Ron was more referring for promoting to advertising that the show is actually going to be happening. Yeah, right. yeah, okay. Um, it should be done at least maybe, a day ahead. I agree. Yeah, maybe we don't even have to say. Well, well who's on it? Well, who's on it? But just say, just don't forget Coco Talk. Um, so yeah, exactly, you, you're talking about like maybe a Friday afternoon. We 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 promote Saturday show in advance. Yeah, yeah. Even agree, if it's just for uh, Samuel Gimes. I mean, he's always on, right? Yeah, that's true. This special week, we'll have Samuel Gimes on. Yeah, now that's that's a good idea. Um, I'd just be curious, anybody who's watching right now, if you, if we haven't put you to sleep already, because um, we're sitting here talking about marketing, and we're sitting here saying we'd like to see Glenside do a better job of marketing, and 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 Ron has just brought up Coco Talk doing its own marketing. What do you guys think? For those who are watching the show. What do you guys think of what's doing right now? I mean, the only thing that I typically do, my my go-to thing would be like Saturday morning, usually if I have time, I'll create an event in Facebook saying today we're going to be live at 2 o'clock. And if, if we know who's going to be on, we'll, we'll post the topic or the theme. And then I share out that event in, in a couple of groups. I share it out in the Coco group, the MC10 group, the Glenside group. And sometimes a dragon group, and, and and I'll try to do that early in the morning and give everybody you know two to four hours notice. I don't know how effective that is. Um, today I didn't have time to do it at all, and we still had 32 people watching us at one point in time. So I think there are those who know that we're the, the, the those who know the, the regulars. Are, the regulars are going to be here. Um, Saturday too. Uh, is there a Coco Talk Twitter account? There is uh, Ben Drake's. It's Coco Talk uh, Live. Um, although I don't really tweet that much other than like when we're live, we're on the Twitter live streaming there too. Uh, and I think when podcasts get posted a link to the podcast replay is on Twitter. I'm not, I'm not actively twitting on there if, if that's your question, but th there is a, that is a tool that's not utilized right now. 
I, I um, think we I, should be doing the same thing we've been suggesting with Eric, though. I think, well, one, Ron has a good suggestion. You'll post a day ahead. Just a day so ahead, cool. okay, yeah. And two, we, we have to start posting to some of the generalized retro groups, too, because otherwise we're just talking to the the flock already. Yeah, so and I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that, but I also have mixed feelings with crossing the spam line where, um, yeah. you know, uh, so I, I don't know that I'd want to do that every single week. I don't like, and, and I know for a fact I would not be posting this in on, and, and one of the things I try not to do, um, is other people who have podcasts, you know, like there's, there's a podcast called retro computing Roundtable, And I know a lot of people who do podcasts, they share a link to their podcast there every single month, latest episodes here. I feel like for me that I, that's just something I don't want to do. I'm just, I'm trying to, to me, I look at that as I'm taking advantage of somebody else's fan base, right? Um, I think the one time I did it was because it was timely. We had Thomas Cherry Holmes on that time talking about Errata Online, and that same week they had talked about it too. So I felt that was a good uh, universal planetary alignment, and I posted the link there saying, hey, you guys talked about it this week. We had the guy on this week. This may be of interest. So I, and this is my own personal code. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I try not to spam groups I feel like would be too spammy. If And, and um, I've asked Randy Kindig about this, who of the floppy days, because he talks about all kinds of retro systems. He's kind of given me permission to post in there, and from time to time I do. Um, but I try to balance marketing, external marketing, with just respecting other groups. Um, so I'd be curious on people's feedback on that. Who, what do you my, guys my, think? My feedback is we don't cross-promote in other ones enough, uh, honestly. Because otherwise we're doing the exact same thing that we've just accused Glenside of doing. You're not promoting it at other shows, getting new people. You're just... Ooh. Setting, we're selling the cocoa product to cocoa people already. Yeah, you can expand the base doing that. Now you're right. You should get permission from the people. Like just don't blindly post in like fifty. Yeah, red yeah, red. okay. So if Randall says it's okay, then I would just do one one post a week and just say you know reminder Friday the show's on Saturday. Feel free to come join in live. Okay, That's not spam to me. Doing okay, it once a week. okay. Uh, what other groups though do you suggest? And again, even like the Dragon Group, because I, I respect those guys. I figured they know we're out here. I do post there periodically, but I don't post every week. Hey, we're live every week. I try to balance that, and I try to sometimes just do it. The, the, the problem with that thinking is you don't know when somebody new has joined the group. So if yeah. the guy misses that week, and he just joined on Tuesday. Last time we posted was the previous Saturday. We don't post this Saturday. They have no idea the show exists. You got to deal with. You got to treat it as if there's going to be new users added to the group every week. Which I mean, in the Coca group, since we've got two thousand plus, that's pretty accurate. We do get new people. Yeah, yeah. Fairly often, and if you don't promote it every week, I mean, yeah, the the people that already know about it, they will. They, they won't get that tick. They'll just skip over it. Okay, I already know it's on Saturday. Whatever. But the yeah. new people will go. Oh, there's a Coco talk show. What is that? And if you don't, if you do it once a month, then that means they've lost three of the shows already. So that's that's not really promoting. I don't think. Okay. Well, I guess I'm, I'm, I guess I'm super modest when it comes to that, you know, and maybe I need to, and, and another thing I, and I'm glad we brought this up and thanks, thanks for mentioning that, Ron. Um, maybe I also feel if, if it's all coming from me, I feel like that's very narcissistic, uh, self, you know, whatever, where I don't want to be, you know, Hey, watch my show, blah, blah, blah. So maybe if some other people just shared things out too. Maybe what I'll do, like where I don't mind yeah, maybe doing rotating, it. Rotating, rotating. Well, how about I do this? Like once a week, I will post something like on. Uh, well, I'll 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 post it to the Coco Talk page directly, 
And then different ones of us can selectively share it out in other groups that we feel are appropriate. That way it's coming from other members of the group. And it's not, especially if, if I'm in a group and I'm not really active in that group and I'm just a lurker in that group. And then once a week, I just conveniently drop a promotion for the show that I happen to host. That to me, it comes across that, that screams douchebag to me. Um, so that's, I look at that as a douche move. If I saw somebody in, in, in our, in one of our groups that all they did was post a link to their podcast, but they've never posted any message as being part of the group and interacting with the group, I'd say this guy's just spamming, you know? So that's kind of how I feel about it. Um, so I, I would not want to be posting in groups that I'm not active in. I don't mind posting in the TR Sadie group cause I do engage in that group, but I wouldn't feel comfortable promoting my show in a group that or when I said my show our show promoting our show in this group if I'm not an active member of that group because to me I just feel like I'm I'm just shamefully promoting my product you know so Ron and I can post in the MC10 group. yeah yeah I and mean, I do I share it in the MC10 group yeah well, there's a Vectrix group yeah. there's what about the BCF groups yeah yeah, yeah I agree yeah yeah you know well, okay well let's all right so let's well, well, what we should do is we should assign Dragon. people that are in those groups so that nobody misses it just assumes you know, all ron's going to put the MCs yeah 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 all right so we need to assign people maybe a couple in each type thing all right so let's let's table this discussion now we don't need to keep beating it to death i think it's a good i think it's a good that you brought it up i agree i've always and i think part of it too is i've kind of got some of my own scars from this i have tried um getting really zealous with promoting before and it kind of bit me and so I have some. Well, how did it bite you? Uh, I just got really excited. I made some videos. I posted in a bunch of places, and I got a lot of negative backlash from it. And it kind of turned me off to promoting. To be honest with I you, just realize the people that really like it or think it's cool probably don't even go get back to you. You're just going to hear the bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I think the one, the one or two times that I did, especially when the whole idea of retro talk and geek talk and all these ideas were new and exciting ideas, I really tried to promote that to a lot of different places. And, you know, I just to me, it was a negative experience trying to do that. I realized I probably could have found a better way to, you know, I have to assume some of the guilt for maybe not having the best message. My, my video was kind of douchey. But at the same time, <laughs> I got some real douche responses, too. And it just kind of turned me off to the whole thing. Or you know, the so. internet. So, I mean, that's, that's yeah, what's going to yeah. happen. So, um, well, don't we have talent that can come up with something? <laughs> yeah, apparently not me. Yeah. But, yeah, so, uh, yeah, we have, like, DeBruce is talented. we got some other talented people. Uh, Samuel Gimes is pretty talented. Yeah. Um, what, what I'd like to see that might actually help this this particular situation that you're talking about, Stevie, is uh, is to have cross-promotion. So if we're doing, you know, if we're doing Randall Kindig, if we're putting a promo ad for Coco Talk on his stuff, then we should return the favor and let him do a post in, in our groups as well. And then we can do that with the VCF groups as well, so we can cross-promote between uh, the MC10 group, et cetera, so that we're not being so self-centered on just us. We're going to advertise everywhere, but you know, allow them to advertise with us too. Yeah, has, and develop some synergies. Yeah, and yeah. maybe even have guests where we have both people on at the same time on the show, their show or our show, promoting both of them. Like here's Coco Fest, and we got VCF a few, you know, six months before that or whatever it is. Yeah, same yeah, area. Yeah. You guys should come to both. You know, type yeah. Thing. All right. Well, let's again. I don't want to beat this to death on the air, but unless there were some other people watching who wanted to chime in, I think we we ourselves can continue this conversation offline, and it's probably worth continuing this tonight in Discord or some other place. Okay. Here's here we have a response from Ben Drake's from the Dragon Group. I don't or I don't speak for the Dragon Group, but I can't see any problem linking to the show there every week. You, routine, you routinely feature Dragon content anyways. Okay, so we got one endorsement for being a little bit more vocal in the Dragon group, and I will certainly try to do that. Um, 
Uh, <laughs> there's Ron holding up his dragon. Okay. Is, yeah, it, we have dragon is that gratuitous? That's gratuitous. <laughs> no, no, but no. I, I, so it's like I, I, in the past, I have tried very aggressively to market. And I realized that there were times I made mistakes because I tried too hard and I literally was spamming. And so I've learned from some of my mistakes and I have tried to, you know, take that throttle back a little bit but maybe i've gotten too complacent and not really being zealous at all myself so i appreciate the input and because i've learned some from my past mistakes where i know i definitely crossed some lines and being overzealous and over flashy uh i've also had times where i've kind of gotten some some feedback that i did not appreciate and so everything's balanced right um now james jones is asking can't facebook groups pin messages at the top one of those should be do the t do the trick without raising complaints of spam. Um, I, yeah, I don't want to do it to the main Cocoa Facebook group. I mean, I am an admin, but I feel like if I just pinned a promotion yeah. for this show, that would be kind of douchey too. Um, yeah, put a dragon group. <laughs> yeah, so um, no, that's, it's a good conversation, but let's not beat it to death here. Um, let's plan on wrapping up now. Um, I got one thing I need to mention real quick. Okay. Or just to mention to the group. Just be aware that I have uh, received multiple emails now that it looks like eBay is now charging sales tax on all new and used items that are purchased. Interesting. So, so FYI, that's it. FYI. All right, well, I'm going to... People go should realize that we're not going to do sales tax here on this show. No, not at all. No. All right, I'm going to play the outro and then we'll come back for some parting thoughts. So hold, hold the line. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8 bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop. Cause Coco Talk is rocking the eight-bit world. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at our website at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the eight-bit world. Keeping the tiny flame alive We may be mocked, but we'll never stop Cause Coco Talk is rocking the A-B-Y Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Marentes, Ron Delvo, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Riker, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Steggy, Nick Marota, John Strong, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and James Diffendaffer for making my head explode. Please help support the Cocoa community by visiting some of its various contributors. A list of resources is available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The Cocoa Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. 
mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Name so nice, we must print it thrice. That was Nick Morota. I just noticed uh, Grant's handle. What exactly are you president of, Grant? <laughs> <laughs> it took all. It took the whole time for you guys to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. President Grant Leedy, huh? <laughs> Parting thoughts. All right. Well, it's been a great show. I want to thank everybody. I forgot to mention Bill Pierce was out there in the live chat earlier too. Hey, Bill. Uh, he's the guy who took over Ultimus three and also created M Shell. Yeah. Hey, Bill, if you're still there. I miss David O'Connor. He isn't here yes, today. Yes, David he wasn't here today. Good. Yeah, he Brent, mentioned he wouldn't be able to make it earlier today. So. And I, I need to see. was in chat, but he wasn't on the show. Ed Snyder, because Ed Snyder's so wonderful. <laughs> Ed Snyder is. He's yes. busy designing the Coco Five now because the Coco Four yeah. project's pretty well done, right? Yeah, it's already <laughs> he's already completed all his pre-orders on that one, right? That, so. that guy is awesome. I wish he would come on here. Yeah, if anybody should be president of Glenside, it should be freaking uh, Ed Snyder, man. No, no, guy. don't take any time away from all the Yeah, Parker's right, project. that's right. He needs it. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody's done something for the Cocoa community, that guy is definitely up there. Um, man of the year. Man of the year. Man of the, uni- yeah. man of the century. Cy- right? Cylon of the year. Cylon of the year. <laughs> yeah. Something tells me he'd be uncomfortable with this talk. Yeah. He seems very uh, modest. Uh, he has more friends than he thinks. Yeah. Uh, you know, the great thing about Ed is he's kind of like Apple. All he's got to do is release a product and, and all of us sheep will just buy it, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, he doesn't have to promote it. So here's the latest Cylon product. And yes, we, we will buy. Right? So um, parting thoughts, Mark D. Overholzer, anything, words of wisdom to leave us with? Uh, vote early, vote often. Oh, sorry, that's Chicago. Vote right? early, vote often. Right. Um, don't forget to vote. L. Uh, Curtis Boyle, any parting thoughts? Uh, same thing. Uh, don't forget to vote, and let's let's get some cross promos going before mm. the Coco Fest actually is upon us. Yes, yes, and 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 as, as much as we want people involved in Glenside and promoting Coco Fest and helping us come up with ideas, that same needs to hold true to us here on the show. So if you guys have ideas for the show, which it was just in the outro, if you've got a suggestion, send us an email, right? Coco Talk at Coco Talk Live, or jump on Discord. We've got the Coco Talk Lobby, where you can throw stuff out. We've got a little Discord channel called News Topics and Suggestions, where you can throw in something for us to talk about on the show. Um, so we try to keep ourselves open to input, um, but we would love more input. And if you want to share the show, uh, if you are a member of another retro community that you think might enjoy uh, this program, then maybe share a replay in that group and say, hey, here's a show. It's on every week. You might want to check them out. Um, I think it's best when it's shared out by when it happens more organically than in, when it's kind of contrived, you know. Um, so, yeah, the street team, please go out there and spread the word. We certainly love that. Um, and, and also just a, a plug for Ron Inman, who did all the work for the VCF West one, which actually worked out really well. And I think we should definitely get him involved on on promoting Glenside and Cobo Fest. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. A lot of that got brought over to VCF Midwest, and I think some of it got brought over to Tandy Assembly, too. So the whole idea of the little one sheets and the little plastic holder with the QR code and stuff, that People was brilliant. People scanning, yeah. Was yeah. Stroke of brilliance there, we, Rob Inman. We, we got lots of response. I saw at least a dozen people scanning those QR codes at BCF West. Yes. Like, oh, yes. Ron Delvo, parting thoughts. Yeah, Steve, uh, you are awesome. You know, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have this show. And uh, 
yeah, you know, it doesn't matter if you fry out or if you're, uh, <laughs> you have all these little things that you say that you have that are uh, nasty or that you can't do. Uh, you, you do a lot and you do it good. And uh, thank you for everything you do. You're, you're, you're right up there with Ed Snyder. Well, that is high praise, Ron. Let me put on my beard here real quick so I can respond to you uh, appropriately. Uh, <laughs> it's true, though. Now well, we've got Timber Steve on. Well, listen, I appreciate hearing that. And coming from you, I know it's sincere and I know it's genuine. And I truly Absolutely. appreciate it. But what I would say to that, to echo that, is that this show is all of us, right? And so... Last week's show I had nothing to do with, and it was still an awesome show. So I think what we've done is we've created this sphere of of awesomeness, and I'm just happy to be part of it. And I appreciate each and every one of you every week who are here for the show and who are watching the show because it really is it's is a collective experience. And so thank you. Uh, Explore Ron. VR says this is a B to B conversation, beard to beard conversation. <laughs> You need uh, to catch up there, Mr. Moroda. <laughs> no, I can. I'm. Oh, I shaved this morning. Yeah, yeah I Goodbye. shaved this morning too. Um, I, I can't grow a beard. Yeah, uh, Eric well, Canales. Steve has. Yes, it just it's a clip on. It's like my Do tie. It, it just clips on. So <laughs> I'll, I'll go to Party Central later on and look for the Ron Delvo costume. Yes, yes. Um, Eric Canales, any parting thoughts? Uh, well, uh, get, get your hotel uh, room reserved for Coco Fest. I think it's going to be a big uh, year this this year get your get your room reserved early all right vote early vote often um is, is the special rate and stuff for coco fest already reserved at the hotel or yes 99 dollars. there you go okay. that's the I deal that. uh nick marota any great great topic today too uh oh, on favorite coco arcade game any parting thoughts just that this community is is really fun and, and really enhances the enjoyment of the coco like it'd be a lot uh different if we didn't have people like you guys to share it with so thank you so much for for this great uh, environment absolutely absolutely what about de bruce any parting thoughts to bruce yeah well i'm thinking about poor little joey he doesn't even have a cassette recorder and he's got color basic 1.0 and he's about to start programming so <laughs> okay <laughs> think of all the things that could go wrong he's he gonna have to leave his computer on all the time that's what oh. i did just write it down. I'd, I'd write. I'd write a game, and then I'd write it down in a notebook, and then I'd play it for two weeks straight before I shut the cocoa back off again because I didn't R want to retype it in. Write it down. Write it down. And finally, the man of the hour himself, President Grant Leedy, Master of the Universe, King uh, of Live Streaming. Yes. Uh, any parting thoughts for you, Mr. Leedy? Yeah, I'm just thinking about how much better this show is when you're not hosting. <laughs> <the West Island. laughs> I don't know, so, Grant. It might be better now that he has a beard. Okay. <laughs> the ratings are going to go through the roof. The ladies. So we don't all share the love towards Steve. <laughs> ladies love the whiskers. Uh, oh, so. yeah. We should all show up with beards next week. <laughs> oh. I'm just waiting for next week when Stevie shows up with a man bun on top. Of yeah, him. available oh, at available oh. at the. Uh, <laughs> And Retro Innovation says, I agree with Grant. <laughs> Available at the Retro Swag Shop. It's the Ron Delvaux do-it-yourself beard kit, right? So <laughs> it's a starter kit it's for your own garage. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, Ron. Oh, yes. yeah. And David Ladd, we love David Ladd even more. So um, David had to leave. All right. Yes. Yes, bless his heart. 
All right, I'm going to press the button. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Matchy says, beards, they grow on you. <laughs> oh, nice. I see what you did there, and I like it. All right, so this is the sound of me hanging up. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye.